warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned pop thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 249. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about It's a trap. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And we uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. The only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lion-O, command it. Hi, this is Larry Kenny, the voice of Lion-O on Thundercast, and you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Thunder, Thunder, Thundercats, ho! Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian, and I am a leftover. Yeah, uh, no Jake this week. Unfortunately, uh, Jake cannot make it. Has some other things going on, uh, but... Uh, we do have a couple guests this week, which is fantastic. Uh, last minute guest, Rebecca, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad I could be on. Absolutely. I'm so glad you could make it. Yeah, Rebecca, my uh, co-host on uh, Number One Comic Book. So thank you so much. And uh, first time guest on the podcast, uh, Dan Ramirez from the Heroes of Noise podcast. Dan, welcome. Hello. How are you guys doing? Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely, man. So... Uh, you know, yeah, here, here we go. Like, Jake, I love the guy. I felt so bad. It's like when he calls in, it, it feels like he's calling off work and it's like, I feel so bad for him sometimes. I'm like, dude, everybody's got stuff going on. You gotta do what you gotta do. It just feels, sometimes it feels like Jake's <laughs> like, I'm the boss and Jake's calling into work and he's like, hey, I can't make it. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, counting the number of days he's missed. You've missed I, six days yeah, this year. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's the thing. I was, I, I told him, I said, you know, I'm like, man, you know, I want this to be the last thing that you have to worry about, you know, like taking a week off because you got other things you got going on. So. Yeah, but uh, we miss Jake. Um, let's see here. Dan, uh, Heroes of Noise podcast. Tell us a little bit yes, about sir. your podcast. So I have two podcasts. I'll talk about Heroes of Noise first. Uh, it's essentially another pop culture show. By the way, you have another Dan on your show. Did you already realize that? Yeah, we've got so many Dans. It's crazy. We pop up like weeds, apparently. You ever hear the Dan band? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Actually, I just missed them. They were, they came through Sacramento, which is a couple hundred miles away, and I was really wanting to go, but it didn't happen. Oh, yeah, I would love to see those guys. I bet that would be hilarious. Uh, but, yeah, uh, so, yeah, you've got Heroes of Noise. Heroes of Noise, yes. It's uh, essentially a pop culture-based show. We talk about everything from movies, television, music, video games, um, 
current events, kind of whatever we want to. It's pretty much free form. We do try to have some type of a format as far as, you know, what when we do these things, just like any show should. But we like to keep it loose and we're having a lot of fun with it. We've got about 35 normal shows. And then we also do what we call the pregame where it's it's essentially just us warming up. And then we decided to put that out, too. I co-host that with my friend Steve Hudson. Oh, and then cool. the other show that I do, sir, is called uh, what is it called? Holy shit. It's called The Word. The unofficial preacher podcast, uh, focusing primarily on AMC's preacher as well as the Garth and his comic. Oh, nice! I know a lot of our listeners watch the preacher show. I've watched the first two seasons. I'm ashamed that I haven't started the third one. Um, good stuff, man. I know. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on it. I am gonna jump on. It. There's just so much new stuff coming out all the time, and uh, yeah, it's no excuse, Brian. It's no excuse. I love the preacher show. I love what's his name, Don- <laughs> dude. I think you have all the excuse in the world. Like I told you on Twitter, you're a fucking machine as far as what you take in. I understand you're back to work again. Yeah, and how you're able to do all of this and like take care of your cats and just fucking live a life is amazing to me. I know. So hats off to you, sir. Yeah, I don't know. My, my cats, They. what's nice about them is like they don't need too much attention. Like all they really care about is like a lap to chill out on, you know? So Yeah, they don't need much. <laughs> I couldn't play the Spider-Man game today uh, because uh, when I got home, uh, I went out today and then when I got home, he, he just wanted to lay on my chest. And it's not like he would just like lays on my chest where it's like I can still kind of like maneuver the controller. It's like literally like, dude, I am on your chest and my face is in your face. And so it's it, it doesn't it doesn't make for an enjoyable uh, PlayStation experience. But uh, yeah, well, at least that he's happened. putting his face in your face and not his ass in your face, as most cats do. Oh my god, no, he does not put his ass in my face. Thank God. What a gentleman. Cats have weird looking buttholes too. Oh, don't they though? They do. And what's weird about cats too? Once they get you know once uh, once they uh, get neutered is they got they got their sack there but they got nothing else it's just just the sack <laughs> and so it's like this this airy airy and my cat it, he he's he's got like a sack that looks like marshmallows because he's a white kitty cat <laughs> so looks like an unstuffed build-a-bear yeah my ex-girlfriend used, <laughs> yeah my ex-girlfriend used to like poke at like the, the pouch where his balls were it would is this the bean me. flicker? Yeah, no, this is not the bean flicker. This is <laughs> so she's like bean flicking and poking cats. And I know. Mouse is a handful. Yeah, well, they both are pussies, so might as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but Dan, thanks a lot for joining us. Definitely check out uh, the Word, the Preacher podcast if you're a preacher fan, and then check out Heroes of Noise. And we're gonna—I guess we're just gonna jump into this. I really don't have any cool, cute banner to talk about this week that I usually do that I bring up and stuff. So I guess we're just gonna jump into good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, first thing I want to talk about is I did watch uh, the new Purge TV series on sci-fi, and I guess it's also playing on USA. I watched it on the USA app, and uh, it's about... The Purge, it's based on the Purge movies, and The Purge revolves around a 12-hour period when all crime, including murder, is legal, set in an altered America ruled by 
a totalitarian political party. The series follows several seemingly unrelated characters living in a small city. As the clock winds down, each character is forced to reckon with their past as they discover how far they will go to survive the night. Uh, this one is from it's from Blumhouse Productions and Platinum Dunes. And uh, Platinum Dunes is the same company that did A Quiet Place. And guess what, people? For everybody that loves everything, you know, that uh, what, what Platinum Dunes put out with A Quiet Place, Michael Bay owns Platinum Dunes. So, oh, everybody's groaning. Oh, Michael Bay, we hate him. You ruined my childhood. <laughs> but, yeah, usually Platinum Dunes is known for putting out uh, – garbage uh and then a quiet place came out and kind of like blew up and they're also doing this purge tv series uh i want to talk about this but i was first thing i want to point out is i was kind of blown away when uh william baldwin showed up in this i was like right i was like i remember when he was billy baldwin and now now we got we got william baldwin in here and i was just like he 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 is turned into alec he sounds like alec did you notice that yeah, it's definitely – the genetics are definitely kicking in on, oh, on yeah. Mr. Uh, Bill. But, uh, yeah, that was a big surprise. I wasn't expecting to see him either. Yeah, I didn't know he was going to be in this. A real small kind of like part in it, and I'm sure he'll show up in future episodes. But uh, overall, let me think here. Um, I mean you've got you've got different people trying to survive the purge, and they kind of get right into it. I mean it, it starts off, and it's like 80 minutes before the purge, I believe, or something like that. And uh, you're just kind of seeing, like, all these characters and, like, where they're going uh, and what they're doing before the purge commences. And there's a couple – we get introduced to a couple who's going to kind of like a big uh, wealthy party at this mansion and they're trying to, you know, close on some business deals. Uh, we've also got a guy trying to track down his sister. And uh, we find out later in the episode – I thought that this was the coolest part element of the episode is, like – this new kind of like purge cult that they these people they dress in white and they take this bus and they visit these different uh purging locations where people are getting (laughs) purged and they offer themselves up as sacrifices it's like they're it's like uh you know it's just kind of like a religious experience and like uh, it, they get to go to like the next level of whatever it is in their cult that they believe that they're going to go to. Like this is like they're sacrificing themselves up for the purge. And, you know, I wasn't really impressed with the acting in this. I'm kind of with you on that too, but yeah. I do have some good things to say about it. But man, once we got, I'd say to the final like 15 minutes when the purge actually started to kind of happen and that character gets off the bus and is facing their you know their death i it got real creepy and i was like this is the show that i tuned in for this is this is the show that i tuned in for this is these are the kind of uncomfortable moments that we're going to get on this show and i love the introduction i'm glad that they did i don't remember them using this in another movie now albeit i didn't watch the third one in the series but this purge cult is something completely new. Dan, what did you think about uh, the purge? I'll give my rating here later. But what did you think about the purge TV show? Well, I'm kind of with you. I thought that it started off, you know, it's it's the kind of thing where it's just setting up the show. So the first one, I assume that this whole thing's going to be a, it's a ten part series, correct? 
Yeah, yeah. So I assume that this is all taking place in one night. So you kind of have to have the setup for this. Um, it did build itself up to a very fine ending with the uh, the brainwashed teen cold. They were like, purify my flesh, prepare my soul. Yeah. The giving is near. And then I think it was like the, the invisible. That's what it was called. The invisible awaits. And um, I, I liked it. You know, um, I'm intrigued with this couple that go to that founding father's party because – they had some shenanigans that I won't get into. Yeah. And oh they weren't expecting to run into that. So that added a nice little element for my, you know, my curiosity. Um, but I'm intrigued by their story. And then as far as the guy that's looking after his sister, I was like, okay, whatever. You, that seemed to me like it was going to be filler. But being that what, what comes towards the end, obviously that's not going to be the case. He's going to be yeah. more invested in the show than I – I'm going to be more invested in the show than I thought. Um, but all in all, I thought it was uh, – I thought it was pretty decent, you know. Um, yeah. I think that it did capture the, the the purge. See, I haven't seen the last two, but the one that I saw and my favorite one was actually the first. And I thought I thought it captured it well. Um, it just took a little time to build up to it, but I'm very much looking forward to the rest of the show, and I can't wait to watch it this week. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like as far as like, I, I think I'm going to give the overall episode a taste it, but it had Tupperware moments. Right. Which I know that sounds like a bullshit answer. So it's like, why don't you just give it a high taste it? Well, I can't. It's it's the pilot episode. Uh, it shows promise. Uh, it was enough to keep me watching. Then I'd say a low taste it. I'm going to I'm, I'm bowing out. But it's a taste it. And I think like it, there's a lot to build on in the future. The, uh, Rebecca, this party that they go to this this uh, this party where the, this couple's supposed to be making business deals they are way out of their element and it when they get there it's kind of like uh they're everyone's they're passing out these masks and i'm like what are we gonna get it like an eyes wide shut moment here what's that's going? what i was thinking <laughs> yeah totally but the masks are people that have been murderers like i'm talking you know like i saw jeffrey dahmer i mean maybe they're passing oh, wow. out. the manson family were manson yeah maybe even ted bundy i don't know it's like they're passing out all these massive like famous like serial killers and stuff like that and basically saying like these people were pioneers before the purge was the purge. These were the people that had. Oh that. my god! Yeah, it's essentially they paved the way. Yeah, it's her. like and like right before they locked the doors, this couple's like, "Ah, do you think we should be here?" It's like, oh my, <laughs> oh my god. I, I've got a bad feeling. Like things are definitely not going to end well for them. They might even be part. They might even be a part of the purge themselves. The rich people might just have them you know, in there to, to purge them. I don't know. I, it felt like a very awkward situation for this couple to be in, but yeah, I, that seems like it's got a lot of promise and it was just like really creepy and uh, disturbing. And then of course, like this purge cult, Oh my God, creepy guy gets off the bus and he's like ready. But like when you're facing death in the face, you're talking about people wearing creepy masks and they're holding bats and knives and they're talking their heads exactly. to the left a little bit. I don't care how devout you are in your bullshit religion. <laughs> and this religion is bullshit and I have no problem saying that. I don't care how devout you are when you've got people coming at you and you're going about to you're about to to die. Um you start to question things like, "Well, maybe I, maybe I joined up with the wrong group here." Huh. You know, yeah, that gets sobered up real quick. Oh yeah, so yeah, I'll give it a taste. It's got Tupperware moments, and I'm definitely going to continue on with this and kind of see where it goes. 
I also got to give it a taste because of, of the acting. I think some of the acting in this was a little lackluster. But, you know, the Purge movies are the same way. But it's really – you're kind of just there to watch the Purge. You're not really there to like – you know, they're not casting like Glenn Close in the Purge movies, you know. But I, they got Ethan Hawke for the first one. But it was kind of like mm. one of those situations where Ethan Hawke was kind of like, yeah, it's a one and done. You know, I, I set this up. I didn't really expect this to kind of be like a franchise thing. I'm in the really, really good one that everyone remembers. And, you know, so then he bounced. But, yeah, I'm going to continue with this. So, Dan, you're going to continue with The Purge as well, it sounds like. Yeah, I am. I'm going to give this one a taste it as well because you really never know where it's going to go after episode two. It could totally derail and just go to shit. So, yeah. It, it intrigued me enough to watch it again. Uh, there is one character, Brian, that I wanted to ask you about without giving any spoilers away. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you caught her name, but it's Catalina. She's the maid. Oh, okay. Yeah. At the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just think that there's going to be something that comes with her. You know what I mean? Like you don't just – again, I don't like to give spoilers, but you don't yeah. set up that kitchen scene. Yeah. And then – you know, she just goes away. I, I feel that something's going to come with that. So Absolutely. that was another thing that, you know, poor Catalina the maid. Yeah. So let's give it up for all the maids of the world, you know? Yeah, no shit, man. She fucking, she was taking a lot of shit from that woman, you know? So, yeah, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe, maybe Catalina's revenge here. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Caught um, that in Mexico. But, uh, definitely check out the, the purge on USA, uh, and sci-fi. I just watched it right there off the app. Uh, I also watched uh, the new episode of uh, season 13 of uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Do do either of you watch this? I'm familiar with it, but I have not been dedicated. I watched the first season and then it's just another one of those shows. You know how the, you watch so many things. Yeah. And I've heard so many great things about this show and I just haven't really gotten around to doing so. But I'm familiar with the characters and uh I, I think it's great. Whenever I do happen to watch one, I enjoy it. I'm just not like steadfast with it, and I'm I'm, I'm very very behind. Rebecca, is, is this I, something you, you keeping up on? Or I, I've watched like uh, much like Dan. I've watched a little bit here and there. I'm not like a devoted like I watch every episode, but I I'm certainly familiar with the show. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of like obsessed with this show. I I absolutely love it. I love the characters. Um, and you know, I've watched seasons multiple times. I own a few of the seasons on DVD and, uh, yeah, not Blu-ray. Fuck you, you elitist fuck. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's a TV show. Like I really have to have it in Blu-ray quality people. You know, right. It's not like I'm, it's not like I'm watching like the bit in the new infinity war. I wouldn't pick that up on DVD. That's a crime. Um, but yeah, the the first episode, it was good. It was good. I mean, I, I was happy with it. Minda Kaling is in the first episode, and she's kind of taking over Dennis's spot at, as the leader when this episode starts. And under her leadership, like the gang is doing some really good stuff, and they're and they're they're starting to I don't know they're they're doing really good stuff. It seems like the episode kind of taught us that Dennis kind of brings everybody down, and then Mac is now openly gay, which is incredible. Um, <laughs> he's always something. Yeah, he's mm -hmm. openly gay now, <laughs> and he makes he order. It was uh, Mindy Kaling told him to fill that Dennis void with uh, something, and so basically he bought a, a a sex doll that looked like Dennis, 
And so he's like, I, he told me to fill the void. And it's like an open mouth sex doll of Dennis. <laughs> and it looks like Glenn Howerton. It's really fucking creepy. And so um, she tells him to get rid of it. And uh, <laughs> uh, what is it? It's Charlie gives it to – he's dating the waitress now. Charlie gives it to the waitress so that Charlie doesn't have to talk to the waitress. He's like, if you want to talk to somebody, talk to the doll. Charlie comes back and she's been cheating on Charlie with the dentist doll. <laughs> and she breaks up with Charlie for the dentist doll. He like catches them in bed and like they both got like their clothes off. It's hilarious. Um, I loved it. I thought it was really, really funny. Uh, the dentist sex doll was just like – the most hilarious thing ever so yeah i'm gonna give this it's not the best episode they've ever had i'll give it a high taste it but uh, it definitely had like some great moments um and i will then pass it off to rebecca what do you want to talk about uh okay so uh something that i won't spend a ton of time on because it's not anything terribly new um i did do a rewatch of star trek the next generation uh just because i was kind of in the mood to restart watching it again and um i watched all seven seasons um going back and rewatching i hadn't done that in quite a while so it was really fun for me to go back and um re-experience a lot of these episodes and and kind of test my memory like did i did i like this episode why did i like this episode and um i will say for all my fellow trek fans out there um i think season five of next generation is the best season um i think it's got the best episodes i think it's got the best character development um, I think that's when the show has really hit its stride. Like it's really firing on all cylinders. Um, it's also like my, my favorite season has some of the best episodes in it, I think. Um, and then like by season six and seven, you really start to see the show really wind down, especially in season seven. They start to tie up like all the loose storylines and loose ends. And, um, but I, I will say that, uh, like, Going back and rewatching just has made me a million times more excited, if that's even possible, for the new Picard series whenever that comes out, because I just absolutely love that character and, and Patrick Stewart is amazing, and um, having him come back and play that character, I, I absolutely can't wait. Um, so, like, having done the whole rewatch, I, I would talk about the series as a whole, um, just because number one, I'm a huge Trek fan, everybody knows that, but I. I just absolutely loved it. Um, but I really think season five is the standout season uh, for Star Trek The Next Generation. That's awesome. Yeah, I need to do a rewatch. Are they still all on Netflix? It's all on Netflix. Uh, TNG is on Netflix, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and even the original series yeah, is yeah. on It's on Netflix, as well as the animated series, yeah. which a lot of people forget about. But it is canon. Um Absolutely. Yeah. Are are you much of a Star Trek fan, Dan? I, I am not. I'm more of a Star Wars fan than a Star mm -hmm. Trek fan, but I do appreciate Star Trek. And uh, you're referring to the, the animated series that's basically based on the original ep uh, series, correct? Absolutely. It came out in the 70s, um, and it does have all the original actors coming back to do the voices. Yeah, so right. So Nimoy, Shatner, Walter Koenig, uh, Nichelle Nichols, uh, all of them came back to do their voices. Um 
It only lasted, I believe, one season. And I mean, it's quite, it's what you would expect from a 70s cartoon. Like, it's not, it's not great. Uh, but it is considered part of Star Trek canon still. They have not, you know, taken that out at all. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's probably like some of the weakest Trek out there just because it's so campy and silly, but um, it's still fun. You know, I mean, it's absolutely like a light watch if you ever want to like, you could probably binge it in a day if you wanted to watch the whole season. I may do that actually, but I get a little like afraid of that sometimes because I've gone back to shows that I loved as a kid yeah. or I was watching as a kid. And then you, you watch it as an adult and you're like, what the fuck was I thinking? Oh, you yeah, know what I mean? I, so I'm a little bit afraid to do so. But I, I, I seem to recall really enjoying it as a kid. And I thought that even though it was groovy, like you could tell even as a kid that it's groovy. Um, some of the storylines were okay. You know, I thought that it, it was, an, it was uh, I guess, the next best thing at the time. Yeah, exactly. You know, it had been canceled by the, the, the networks and, you know, Roddenberry couldn't get it back on in any form. But then this opportunity came up. And so um, they did an animated series. And then from then it really I mean, yeah, we had like the movies and stuff in between, but there wouldn't be new Trek on TV until 1988 when Next Generation uh, premiered. Was it 87? So, I thought it was 87. Uh, I hate to be that guy. You might be right, Brian. I might be off by a year, but um, yeah, you might be right on that. I th- Why do I have 88 in my head? Um, but yeah, it was in – you're right. It's 87. Yeah, thank you for correcting me. It's 87. Um, yeah, I, I was 10 when it came out, and I had and, – and I had watched all of the original series a million times over, and this was the first new Star Trek that was on and yeah i mean if you're if you're even a casual trek fan i would suggest go back and and like kind of revisit it seasons one and two are rough i'm not gonna lie they are really rough to watch but there are some gems in there um season two specifically has measure of a man which um is one of i was talking with joe vitale about this from the supercast that is one of the best science fiction stories ever and it's probably one of the best star trek episodes of all time and that's when uh, data goes before a court to determine if he has rights as an individual or if he is the property of star of starfleet because he's an android yeah and um <clears throat> You've got Picard and you've got Riker serving as the lawyers because there's not enough lawyers available. And, you know, the judge has a prior history with Picard when he was captain of the Stargazer. And there's it's mostly courtroom scenes. And it is such I mean, I would say even if you're not a huge Trek fan, watch that episode. Watch season two, Measure of a Man. It's an amazing episode of science fiction. I mean, um, oh, what's crazy yeah. about that is like that actually could happen one day. Oh, yeah, I know. Like that's that's what's crazy is and, – and that's one of the things I love about science fiction. I know um, – when we talked about the movie Upgrade, uh, one of the things I loved about Upgrade was how realistic it was and how possible that was to happen. Uh, it's what I love about sci- about good sci-fi is how realistic it, it could be. And um, it could absolutely – I mean we've seen it in our own society with uh, people of different races, of different colors having to fight for their rights, even uh, even – women having to fight for rights that were granted to others. Um, so yeah, like watching that is a really interesting watch. And the episode itself was written actually by a lawyer. And um, 
this would happen during season two. So it was the writer's strike and they basically the showrunners were scrounging for scripts and they found the script had been submitted and they decided to shoot it and it became like one of the best episodes ever of, of Star Trek. Yeah. I would absolutely recommend if you don't know anything about Trek, you ju- just kind of jump in and watch that episode. Yeah. I need so to start. Good watch. I need to start doing a rewatch of because uh, I watched it as a kid with my dad. We both, you know, watched it and loved it. And I love yeah. Picard is just such a different captain than Kirk. Like they could have went that route and like just done a Kirk clone and they didn't. You know, mm-hmm. they, they gave us a completely different kind of like captain that we hadn't seen before. And it was, uh, it was a bold move to do that. And it, and it paid off because everybody, I mean, when I, Picard is probably my favorite captain to be quite honest with you. I love Picard. Mine he's too. such a cool cat. Yeah, he's so yeah. cool. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, like as much as I love the original series, um, and I do love Kirk for what he was. If you think, I mean, Commander Riker is pretty much like the Kirk archetype. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. You know, he's sleeping with anything that he can sleep with out in space. And, and, and that, that was Kirk. And, you know, Riker was definitely more physical. Um, he, he was the guy who could get into a bar fight. But Picard was, has always been like, he, he was the mediator. He was the ambassador. He was the guy who used his words. And, and that's what made him such a great captain. Um, and I'm glad that they didn't just give us another James T. Kirk because you had a James T. Kirk. That was fine. Now this is something else. And, you know, of course, from there, all the other captains in the series have had their own, you know, style and flavor. Like, um, a- after Picard, Captain Janeway is my absolute favorite. I-, I love her. I think she's a great mix between a lot of the captains we've seen in Star Trek. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's, um, Star Trek Next Generation. I did, I did a rewatch and I still love it. No, okay. no surprise there. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad you, you know, Dan, you were talking about like, uh, rewatching certain shows as you get older and they just don't hold up. I think Star yeah. Trek The Next Generation holds up, like Quantum Leap still holds up for me. It's mm-hmm. when you get into the stuff like, uh, the, the, the greatest American hero, like I loved that show as a kid, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, so did I. <laughs> but you watch it now and it's absolutely it's a fucked up situation now, man. Yeah, it's it's not good anymore. I mean, I Mm-mm. I tried to watch it. It's the for you millennials out there. It was a show that came out, and basically this guy had a, a, a kind of like it was an alien super suit that he put on, but he lost the directions on how to use it, <laughs> and so it was just like you know all these wacky things would happen with this suit. Mm-hmm. And, but at the end, it's kind of like Inspector Gadget. At the end of the day, you know he wins. So. But it just, I tried to rewatch that because I loved it growing up, like the nostalgia. And I was just like, this is just not good. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that does not really hold up. You know, for me, 50 50 uh, holds up and doesn't hold up is that show Sliders. You guys remember that show Sliders? Yeah, that was with uh, Jerry McConnell. Is that his name? Uh, Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell. Yeah. Time travel, right? Time travel show? Yeah, I remember that. Well, it was not only time travel. They would slide between um, dimensions. So it's it's kind of like the idea that like um, – like, okay, so like every time you make a choice in your life, right, do I go left or right, uh, and then you go left. But the theory is that there's a dimension out there that exists that you went right. And so then there's a whole other life that happens, you know, out – 
besides the one that you're living. So it's like, it's sort of like the age old, like what would have happened if Nazi Germany had won World War II? Mm -hmm. What would our world be like? And so Sliders was a show where they would slide between dimensions and they would slide into different worlds um, where they would see like in one world, you know, Nazi Germany won the war. In another world, penicillin had never been invented. In another world, um, men were not dominant and women were. And so like, that's how like, it kind of was like the the premise is super cool like it's a really great science fiction premise but like it's very dated like when when you watch it a lot of episodes are very dated with like what they say and how they act and and it's some of it's really corny and really cheesy and then like toward the end jerry o'connell left the show but then they decided to carry on with his brother like somehow they got his brother in and he became like the main character, but it didn't last very long after that. Hmm. Yeah. I, I remember watching that show and enjoying it when it was on, but I, it's not something I watch religiously, but I did, I did like sliders quite a bit. Mm. It's I, I, I've tried to rewatch it as an adult cause I enjoyed it a lot and it's, it's a little bit of a rough watch. Like it has its moments um, of episodes that really stand out. Like, wow, this is really cool. Like, like particularly the episode, there's one where like Louis Pasteur never discovered or invented or yeah d- discovered uh penicillin. It was never developed and so it's a society where people are dying from really simple easy to cure stuff that we could do today hmm. because nobody's in- discovered antibiotics. So like, much VD. Oh god. Yeah, that's <laughs> like the least of your problems though. I mean like dying from like, you know, uh, the cold or in or the flu or uh you know, simple uh, you know, you get a cut on your arm, you know, and your arm falls off because you don't have any antibiotics to treat it, you know. It's like but yeah, VD also, big problem. <laughs> that's where Dan's mind went to. So <laughs> how would this affect <laughs> Dan was like, how would this affect me in that world? Oh yeah, VD. <laughs> Do you have a cure for that? Yeah, I guess. I'm gonna so yeah, uh, wow, we went off the rails. Um, what else have you? Did you watch anything else? Yeah, I got one more quick thing to talk about. Um, I watched almost the whole series of Paradise PD on on Netflix. Did anybody else watch this? It's the animated thing. Yeah, yeah, I saw. I, I added it to my list. I just haven't started it at all. Okay, I've watched three episodes. Okay, cool. Um, so th- this is, um, yeah, I think it's te- it's ten episodes. It's not a very long season. Um, let's see here. This is uh, the quick synopsis: is animated series about bad cops. Not bad as in corrupt. Bad as in underperforming. They aren't first responders. They are the worst responders. Um, and there's a lot of um, the entire cast is all comedians, um, which is really cool. So you've got um, lots of people who are in comedy uh, that are doing the voices here. Um, this is I've, – I've seen really mixed reviews from this. People have said that it's too over the top for them. Um, they find it to be like way too ridiculous. I have been having a lot of fun with this series. I think it's absolutely hilarious. It's completely vulgar and ridiculous. Um, the first episode starts out with like <laughs> the cop who's like, he's now like, um, what's the word? Like he's like the chief. 
his son like looks up to him. His son is like, oh, I want to be just like you, dad. And um, the uh, the father comes home one day for a little afternoon delight with his wife. And the son picks up the dad's gun. And he's like, look, daddy, I'm just like you. I'm a police officer. And he shoots his dad in the nuts. (laughs) (laughs) So Of course, he's like, oh, my God, my nuts. And then the kid shoots him in the other one. And like that's the beginning of this of this show. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. All the characters are crazy characters. The silliest stuff happens, but I've been having a lot of fun with it. I I think it's just I think it's really really funny. I think I don't think it's for everybody. I think some people will think it's too over the top. It's too vulgar. It's too whatever, uh, which which is fine. But I enjoyed this um, a whole lot. I'm giving a high taste it. Um, Dan, from what you've seen, what what would what would you rate it, or what what are some of your thoughts on it? You know, you said a lot of what I have to say about that. I actually had that in my notes. Oh, uh, it's, okay. It's from the creators of Brickleberry, and there it's you go. okay. It's like Brickleberry, but in my opinion, <clears throat> excuse me, in my opinion, it's better. No Daniel Tosh, but it's everything that you would expect in something like that. It's foul. It's immature. It's offensive. It's offensive, you know, and that's what I like. Not all the time, of course, but I didn't go into it looking for like a, a melodrama. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know exactly what you're getting into when you go to the show. And you're right. Um, you know, it's not for everyone. I've talked to a couple of people about it and some of them tapped out right away because I think it really just depends on your level of like what your where your vulgarity filter kicks in. You yeah. know what I mean? I and they tend to throw a lot of stuff at the wall, pretty much everything that they can. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. But on the whole, um, it's really funny. I mean, I laughed really hard for the first three episodes. Uh, granted, I was kind of doing things while it was on and walking around the house, but I was, you know, had my full attention. But I will give it a high taste as well. I'm actually going to come back to that, and I may watch some of it tonight. Um, I think it's it's great, and it just. But you're right; it's not going to be for everyone. But a total, yeah. it's a high tasted for sure. Oh, that's cool. I'm, I'm, I almost feel like this is like Super Troopers if it was animated, like to a degree. Hmm. Like, Somewhat. It, yeah, like not. It's not an exact copy. Like, don't go into this thinking like you know who wants a mustache ride. Like, I'm just saying that there's a lot of this that reminds me of that humor in Super Troopers. Um, I think it's very funny. I enjoyed it. Um, I will say that I did also finish finish Disenchantment, and I feel like this is way funnier than than Disenchantment. And I I know it's two totally different like feels here, but um, I, I don't know. I like this. I thought it was really funny, and I think if you like that kind of like stupid, vulgar kind of grossish humor, um, there's plenty of dick jokes in here. Um, but I I think it works. I think it works. I mean, like the 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 only woman on the on the police force, she sexually harasses this one cop. <laughs> I think that's. I mean, it's just there's an episode on here about how the how the news, how all these news outlets affect our our viewpoint of things that happen in real life. I'm going to give that particular episode a Tupperware because it was so spot on to how these news outlets spin stories to fit their own narrative. That episode is absolutely a Tupperware. And I think like, that's what really sold me to keep watching this show. But um, yeah, I I would give it a high taste overall. It's a lot of fun. And I I'm laughing a lot with uh, watching it. 
It's got a great cast, too. You've got Sarah Chalk, David Herman, Tom Kenny. You can't really go wrong with yeah, that. Exactly, you know? exactly. And and the and the comedic timing, I think, is just absolutely hilarious. Um, I've never watched Brickleberry. I know of it, but I've never watched it. But like now I now I want to watch it because I feel like if this is from the same creators, I have a feeling I might enjoy it. Um so yeah, I, I give it a high taste. It I would say give it a shot. I mean, if you watch the first episode and it's just not for you, I get it. But I this this kind of humor really spoke to me. Okay, so then Rebecca, I'm sorry, Brian. I was just going to say, Rebecca, wouldn't you agree though that you wouldn't? You're going to know right away if this is a show for you just by watching the first oh, episode. Absolutely. If if you get through the first episode and you go, oh, I did not like that. Just don't don't watch anymore. I don't think you're gonna. I, I don't think it's going to improve on you. I feel like all of the all the stuff that happens in the first episode, all the jokes, the tone that's set is the tone for the entire show. So, I mean, I feel like if you watch the first episode and you go, this episode was not for me, I, I don't think you'll probably enjoy the rest of the show. So how many episodes is this? Ten. Ten. Uh, Paradise PD on Netflix? Yeah. Okay. I will check it out. I They had like the trailer running at the top of Netflix like they do, you know, and I was watching mm-hmm. it and I was like, yeah. This looks okay. I'll give it a shot. And I added it to my list. And of course, everything else comes out too. I still haven't watched that, uh, what's that? Is it the new, uh, was it Sierra Burgess? What the fuck is that movie called? Oh, yeah, I haven't Sierra watched- Burgess is a loser. It's a yeah. loser, yeah, with a Shannon Purser from Stranger Things. So I watched the trailer for that and I was like, oh, that looks like a, that looks like a fun little movie. I'm gonna watch that. And I still haven't watched that, so I'll watch that by next week, I think, so. Um, but yeah, uh, Paradise Peak. I'll check it out. I'll watch it. I, I'm worried that I'm going to watch it the first episode and be like, ah, this is shit. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and you might. You might. That's, there's a very like, good chance. I, I feel like. Because you guys, like, you raved. Mm-hmm. You raved about American Vandal. And I hate American, right. I hate yeah. American Vandal. <laughs> no, I know. This is not really like American Vandal, though. This is more in the vein of Big Mouth. But I still think Big Mouth is more clever than this. Oh yeah, I love totally. it. But this is more leaning towards a big mouth type humor. Yeah, cool. you're right on point about that. Uh let's see here. I uh I, I want to talk about two more things. I'm gonna talk about one then I'll pass it off to Dan. But I saw went and saw the nun in uh the theater, the new uh new horror film from the uh, Conjuring universe. Anybody else watch the I, Rebecca, I know you didn't watch no, it. Dan, no, no, no. did you did you see the I nun? had to, I had to make a decision this week and I had plans to watch uh, both yeah. that one and Peppermint as well. Yeah. And it came down to having to some family stuff came up. I had to make a decision. So I opted for Peppermint, yeah. but I'm very curious to see oh, you know to hear what you say about the nun. Okay, yeah, I saw the nun. I went uh I went to the Dolby Atmos theater that we have. I just found out that we have a Dolby Atmos theater near me and I was like, "Oh my god, I got see it in Dolby Atmos because like Dolby Atmos I've been to one Dolby Atmos theater and it's sound the sound is amazing and the screens are huge they might as well just be IMAX screens because they are absolutely huge and so uh um the audio I will say the audio in Dolby Atmos is just incredible but um before they showed the movie it was crazy they kept showing uh they're really plugging A Star is Born that new uh, Bradley Cooper directed mm-hmm. film <laughs> um, that is that is the new Mission Impossible trailer, by the way. They show it with every movie. That <laughs> I, I, I don't care. I like the, I like the trailer. I every, hope I don't get I do sick too. of it. I uh, hope I don't get sick of it because I really want to see a Star is Born. Oh, I do too. God. It looks good. 
I, you guys, uh, Rebecca's bitching about the Mission Impossible trailer, and not once did I hear you bitch about um, them. Not hold on, not once. No, no, hold no, on, hold so on. I have not, I have not finished my year. statement. I have well, not I finished my statement. Not once have I heard you bitch about the Mamma Mia trailer. Not once. Not once. Brian, from November of 2017, I am not exaggerating. They were showing the Mission Impossible trailer from November of last year. They did the same thing. Fucking Infinity War. They showed the trailer for that all the time, but nobody was pissing and moaning about that. It's just you people that don't like Tom Cruise. I don't like Tom Cruise. So I'm going to piss and moan. (laughs) Jesus Christ. That that fucking Mamma Mia trailer playing every time I go into the theater. And then I, oh God. And then I got to look at the same characters. Now they're young. Now they're old. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> um, but anyway, if Tom Cruise had been in it, would you have liked it more? No, I don't want to say. I, I'm not a. I'm not a musical person. I, I don't I know. I, I will, I'm, I'm fucking with you. No, I know. I will go to a live musical. I will watch it in person because I'm actually watching people do their craft, and I'm watching them do it on a live stage, and it's really cool. And I appreciate the environment and the at, the atmosphere of being in a live theater and watching actors do what they do and singers sing what they sing. Uh, watching people sing on a fucking movie screen drives me up a wall. It's <laughs> the worst. It's terrible. Oh, I, I love musicals. Oh, I, I still do. I love watching musicals. Oh man. The only musical that I fuck Greece, I can't stand Greece. Um, but the only musical that I can, uh, there's maybe one that I know that I can watch. I can watch, uh, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. That's, that's it. Oh, that's a fun one. Yeah. That, that's a lot of fun. Anyway, they they showed what they would do is they, they would show a clip. Yeah, I'm supposed to be talking about the nun. I will people chill the fuck out, okay? <laughs> but anyway, they they showed a clip, an extended clip from A Star Is Born, and then they're like, okay, now we're going to show you like an Assassination Nation trailer. Which, if you guys have not seen like the multiple trailers for Assassination Nation, watch them. I, there's two or three out there. One is okay, but there are two of those trailers that are just like mind-blowing and i hope this movie's good because it just it looks fucking insane anyway it looks very edgy and very crazy um but then they'd show another extended clip of a star is born then they'd play another trailer and then they'd show another clip of star they showed four people oh, wow i was happy because like i'm really looking forward to the movie um it's screened recently um that and uh the new alfonso Cuaron movie have screened uh a star is born and roma from alfonso Cuaron have screened and mm-hmm. there's early buzz that both of these movies it's going to come down to both of these movies to possibly be like you know picture of the year like oh, so wow. yeah so and one is a netflix film which is roma so yeah um but so I can't wait to see this movie. Oh my, Bradley Cooper might win a fucking Oscar as a director too, which is crazy if this movie's as good as they're saying. But wow. yeah, they showed four clips. It was absolutely insane. So, but I was happy because it looks really good. And Lady Gaga, she looks really fucking good in this movie. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, this, uh, the nun movie. When a young nun at a cloistered abbey in Romania takes her own life, a priest with a haunted past and a novitiate, I can't, what are these words, um, on the threshold of her final vows are sent to the, by the Vatican to investigate. Together they uncover the order's unholy secret, risking not only their lives, but their faith and their very souls. They confront a malevolent force in the form of the same demonic nun that first terrorized audiences in The Conjuring 2 
as the Abbey becomes a horrific battleground between the living and the damned. Uh, this movie is directed by Corin Hardy. Uh, this was the director that actually just left the Crow reboot that Jason Momoa left. So um, I thought that that was interesting. Like, here's a Corin Hardy film. Um, I uh, brr, I was. Uh, Whew, this movie, it's, the the trailer, that trailer was a brilliant trailer because a lot of people were in my theater on opening night. And, um, but the movie is, it's just a lot of following shadows and a lot of jump scares. And it was, you know, I like a good jump scare every once in a while. Um, I don't hate all jump scares. I think some jump scares are fun. It's like, I like going to haunted houses. So yes, in turn, I also like some jump scares in haunted in, in, in horror movies, but sometimes it does come off as cheap. Um, the jump scares in this were just kind of like, bleh, whatever. Um, but, uh, and it's a lot of characters just following shadows and you're thinking to yourself like, why aren't you running the other direction? You know, the whole time. Um, I, I have not seen The Conjuring 2. I saw The Conjuring, went to the theater, saw The Conjuring. I have not seen Annabelle Creation, but I saw the first one. So I have two of these movies that are like, I ha- that I have not seen. And I don't know if that would have affected my, uh, rating here today, but this movie kind of does a good job of filling you in on like what happened in those movies. But uh, I'm gonna give it a low tasted. It was just, um, the story's easy enough to follow and, uh, it's just, it just didn't scare me. I really wanted to be scared by this one. That's why I, I spent, you know, not spent the extra money. I used my AMC A list, but I, I went to the Dolby Atmos showing. Is because I really wanted to feel like I wanted this to feel atmospheric. And yeah, it sounded great. There's a there's a scene when they're in a church and there's a bat on the ceiling flapping his wings and like I heard the flapping and I, I literally looked up at the ceiling <laughs> in my theater because like that's how good the audio sounds in Dolby Atmos but um this movie was just not really kind of like what I wanted as far as like what I kind of expected out of it and it was it was a low tasted experience for me it was a lot of characters just kind of like following shadows and 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 just cheap jump scares and that's really all it was um, I think it's, I think it's going to be fun for a lot of people though. I think if you're easily scared and, 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 and you've been really invested in the Conjuring universe, I say you got to watch this one. It, it like, it blew up this weekend. I mean, it did the best out of any of the Conjuring films ever. 53.5 million. It beat out The Quiet Place's opening weekend, which is to be expected. The Quiet Place was kind of like a new film. And this was like an established kind of property, you know. So um, the best thing about this was the Halloween trailer that they showed before the movie started. And that fucking trailer, the second trailer, it looks so goddamn good. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for that movie. It looks so good. They've screened it at uh, the international uh, the, the uh, at TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival. And people are just raving about the new Halloween movie, just raving about it, saying it's great, saying it's like the best Halloween movie since the original. So I, I cannot wait to see that, but yeah, the nun, um, you know, if check it out, I, I, you know, you might like it a little bit more than I did. It was a low taste. I probably won't watch it again, but, um, yeah, that, that was the nun. I, I really don't have a lot more to say about it. I mean, I don't really want to get into all the details it just wasn't it just didn't live up to the hype unfortunately for me so um dan what do you have 
So I was falling down a rabbit hole on YouTube of trailers a few nights ago, and I came across a movie uh, by the name of Summer of 84. Have you heard anyone heard of this one? It's out in theaters now, right? I believe it's a limited release, but you can actually – it's on VOD as well. I, I happen to catch it on iTunes, and you can catch it on, uh, on Prime Video as well. I think it's like a three ninety nine rental. But um, I was actually very impressed with this movie. I wasn't really expecting much from it because, you know, nowadays you have – Nostalgia is the thing. You know, a few years back, it was zombies were the thing. Or a few years before that, it was vampires. You know what I mean? So the nostalgia thing over the last few years has kind of gotten – you got to be careful with it because it can either go – be you know great or shit. And I'm really happy to say that Summer of 84 hits the mark. It uh, closes the deal nicely. Uh, what it's about is uh, – I'll read you the synopsis. After suspecting that their police officer neighbor is a serial killer, a group of teenage friends spend their summer spying on him and gathering evidence – but as they get closer to discovering the truth, things get dangerous. So that truly is, you know, the the whole plot of the story. But it involves these four boys. Uh, one of them is named Davey, who has a very – yeah, he's very sensitive to – you know, like when we used to go to the grocery store back in the day and you would see like the National Enquirer. But behind the National Enquirer, you have the Examiner, which is where, you know, Bat Baby lives in Romania, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. That's what this kid is into. He's into conspiracy theories. He's got his walls you know, just completely covered with it. So because he's this way with his friends, no one believes him. It's very much a um, boy cries wolf situation. And once he just gets us into his head that this, th what his name is, uh, is the, I wanted to make sure I get it right because I kept forgetting. It was the Kate May Slayer. This takes place in Kate May, Oregon in 1984. Go figure. And um, it's just this summer that they spend trying to, to capture this one particular person in the act. And, you know, of course, no one believes him. So this kid who's like really, really just on point, he could be like a total forensic detective, uh, talks his friends and just doing the craziest things to try and catch this guy. Uh, parents get involved. No one's really believing him. And I'm going to spare I'm going to spare you guys the rest of the details right there because I do super I really do think this is a good watch. Um, but, you know, you watch these movies and a lot of the time. OK, let's take it, for instance. You know, there was some some. Uh, there were some deaths from young people in the movie. You know what I mean? And But a lot of times they tend to stay away from that. It's like near misses and things. Uh, this one kind of closes the deal nicely, and it gives you this this different angle that you weren't expecting at the very end. It's a nice twist. And I guess it could leave it up for a sequel, but I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, that said, I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. It looks like it's shot in the 80s. Uh, the music is very similar to Stranger Things. It has that, that whole synth thing going on. But And that was a little bit discouraging at first. I didn't know if I was going to get into something and just be like, okay, I see what they're doing here. But they somehow did it perfectly. And uh, it's a better movie than most people are going to think. I highly recommend that people watch this. Total Tupperware. Okay, awesome. So like, you watched it on video on demand? I did, on iTunes. Yeah, they're playing it at the art theater out here. Um, problem is, it's like, for me, I'm so old now. It's a 945 show. And oh, dude, tell me about it. Yeah, like, fuck, man. Like, and it's an hour away. So, like, once the movie's over, then I gotta drive an hour home. But, uh, shit. Yeah, I, I, it sounds like it might be a really good movie to see in the theater, though. I think so, but you can totally do it from the comfort of your own home and you're, you're gonna be fine. It's, it's totally worth a watch. Yeah, I just, I'm a theater guy for some, I just love the, the theater. Like, oh, I saw that in the theater. I'm that douchebag. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I feel you. I totally understand. <laughs> yeah. Summer of 84. Nice. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I've, I've, I've seen, uh, I've seen like the ads for it and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it's good to know that that's a Tupperware. I'll check that out. I, I'm, I'm really, yeah, I need more. Since we don't have Stranger Things right now, I kind of need something to fill that void, you know? So. 
That's oh, cool. you'll get a fix. It's not supernatural, nice. but you're going to get your your Stranger Things fixed just because the characters are so good together. Oh, they yeah. play off each other really well. You'll love it. That's cool. Uh, what else you got? Earlier this week, right after the purge, actually, I caught the uh, the pilot for Mayans MC. Oh, see, I'm not a. I've never watched Sons of Anarchy, so yeah. Oh, dude, it's definitely something. I don't know. I think that you would like it, but then again, I tell everyone they're going to like this show. Now, as for Mayans. Um, it feels different, but obviously it's different. It's a different cast, you know, but what's good about it is it does pay tribute to Sam Crow, which is, uh, you know, the, the motorcycle club in uh, Sons of Anarchy. And there are some pretty cool cameos as well. Um, one thing about FX, I guess I'm just starting to get into FX now. And uh, they just let the four letter words fly on that channel. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? They I do was really not, surprised about that. They do not give a fuck. They don't. Not, <laughs> no, there are zero fucks given on that. No. Um, but, you know, I think that it, it grabbed me. It's it's another thing where, you know, it's really hard to base an opinion on just a, a single pilot. But it did grab me. And I think it's, it probably is because my allegiance to Sons of Anarchy. But I'm totally going to watch it again. A um, couple things that I could really say were a little hokey were there's this particular shootout in a cemetery. And it just looks so completely staged. I think the actors are still trying to find their way. That's how I took it anyway. Um but it just looked like it like the choreography was just kind of terrible on that. That was one thing that I noticed. Um, you know, you're going to get into cartels on this show. Uh, but, you know, murder galore, some good gore if you're into those kind of things, which I'm not just like a gore guy. But if they're going to do it, they might as well do it right. And I think that they stuck the landing on that as well. So I don't really have a whole lot to say about this one, but I wasn't really jumping out of my seat. But at the same time, because of Sons of Anarchy and, you know, like I said, some cameos that I saw, I'm very curious to see where they're going to take this. I'm not entirely sure if I'm going to stick with it, but I will definitely give it a like a middle of the road taste it. And I think that if you're into Sons of Anarchy, you're going to really appreciate this show and at least be intrigued to watch the next few episodes. So it's from the same people that. Yeah, you. it's Kurt Sutter, man. He's he's uh, he's he uh, he's got a way. I, I don't know what it is about Kurt Sutter, but I really enjoy the way he writes and the way he directs. I think he directs that show. Okay. Um, but he's he's good, you know, and I think because of his allegiance to Sons of Anarchy, I have a feeling that we're going to get a lot more drops and just references. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how they tie things together on this one. I believe that it's taking place. Well, no, I take that back. There's a, a lot of flashbacks. So that's where you're getting these cameos. So it's interesting. I'm not going to say any more about it, guys, particularly for the people that are wanting to see this and haven't seen it yet. But if you're into Sons of Anarchy, Mayans is worth a try. Check it out. Yeah, Sons of Anarchy is like one of those shows that just came out and I never started it. And everybody's like, oh, it's amazing. And I'm like, I'm sure it is. I just never started it. So um, I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll be something I'll pick up eventually. Uh yeah, so uh, Mayans MC. MC Mayans was my rap name back in the 90s, just so you guys know. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, they used to call me MC Mayans. Uh, fucking MC Hammer, is he, still, is he still doing the preaching thing? Is that what he's doing? I think so. Yeah. I believe he's got residence in like Atwater now. Or so, oh, sorry, you're not. You guys are way off of where I am. But it's just a small town. I live in a like in the middle of the San Joaquin Valley. So it's kind of like in between San Francisco and Los Angeles. Many little shit towns in between there. And I believe he's doing this thing in this little town called Atwater, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. Wow. MC Hammer. Lost all that money. Lost all that money. Was it bad management or something? Probably. It's usually what it is. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, brr. Anything else before we talk about peppermint? 
Yeah, man, I do have one more. And since we uh, I'm glad that Rebecca went with Next Generation because, you know, I'm going to go a little old school with this one. But this is a movie that's really dear to my heart. So I'm kind of curious who's seen this, who hasn't. Uh, maybe you haven't. But I, I'm going to tell you right now, this is one of my all time favorite movies. Recently, I just watched Steve Martin's The Jerk again. Has anyone oh, seen Oh, that's a great movie. It's I love so that good. Movie. Yeah, of course. I I mean, I think it's I've quoted the movie on this show before like i think i've said he hates these cans like a million yeah. times so yeah I it's love this 36 year old classic that i just find it to be this this perfect movie you know i mean the thing is with this one is it's it's i think it came out in 1979 the jokes still hit the mark they're still hilarious it doesn't really seem that dated to me outside of like the wardrobe and the you know the surroundings which are definitely 70s it it just you could put this movie out today, and I think that people would still laugh on it. I think that Steve Martin is a comedic, a comedic, excuse me, genius, and this was probably his heyday for me. You know what I mean? This is the movie that just kind of changed everything for me and put Steve Martin on my map. It stars Steve Martin, obviously, and Bernadette Peters, and uh, yeah, just like you said, he hates these cans. It's so quotable. You know what I mean? It's it's the movie that a lot of people need to watch. Maybe they don't know they need to, but they absolutely need to. And I've seen it so many times, Brian. I've seen it probably. Like no exaggeration, probably close to a hundred times. Mm. And this movie, this movie never gets old. It's just one of those ones that I could watch at any time. So many great old characters or actors, rather, like Jackie Mason as Mr. Hartunian. You've got M. Emmett Walsh as this uh, the Madman guy that hates the cans. Mm-hmm. You know, um, <laughs> it's 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 a it's a wonderful story. It's kind of like this idiotic odyssey, if you will. You know, they the he's not a jerk. He's just this naive guy that grew up. As a uh, he's a white man that grew up in a black family that thought that he was going to turn black eventually. He's just very sheltered and uh, he sets off on this odyssey and he he finds love and he finds fortune and he kind of loses it all. And in the process, you just get this wonderful movie that just keeps paying people back every time they watch it. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, Another reason that it's super important to me um, is that it's something that I used to watch with my father, my father. Now, not to bring it down or anything, but my father passed away a few years ago. So it's nice Mm. that we used to just sit and watch it all the time and quote it. So it's nice to come back to it and be able to have that, you know, something special to me. Maybe that's why I'm so devoted to it. But I, if you have not seen this movie, you should absolutely check it out. And if you watched it as a kid and you haven't seen it in a long time, watch it again, because all those jokes that you missed are all going to come to the forefront. Mm -hmm. And I think you're going to get it this time, you know? So definitely like the highest of Tupperwares. Yeah. This is one of those movies where my parents had like, of course had seen it before me and then i got to we me and my sister got to the age where we were old enough to kind of like watch this kind of stuff and so they wanted to share it with us and they were just like oh my gosh you have to see this movie and you know it was it was hilarious and i feel like this movie is kind of like the inspiration for like the comedy that we see today like the judd apatow comedies the the you know the fairly brothers uh even like uh you know, the the Happy Madison stuff that Adam Sandler came out with years and mm-hmm. years ago. Like, this oh, is, yeah. this is like, this is where it started. Like, this is where that type of comedy started. Like, without the jerk, you don't get, you know, Judd Apatow. You don't get the Fairley Brothers. You don't get, you know, Adam Sandler films. Like, without that, you know, you don't get those things. So, yeah, I think, like, this movie was just, uh, it's brilliant. It, I, I, Steve Martin, there's there's nobody else like him and a lot of those comics that were coming out in the 80s like they were doing stuff that nobody else had done it's crazy like you know like lauren michaels 
uh, found a lot of these people. You know, I know that Steve Martin wasn't like a regular cast member. They just, he kind of like came on the show. Um, but, uh, man, those were, those are some great days back in the day with, uh, some of these great comics and oh, they yeah. kind of paved the way for like what we watch now and how things kind of evolved. So yeah, it's, absolutely. Yeah. The jerk is just, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's one of those things where, like, I don't know. I, I can understand, like, some millennials watching it and being like, I don't I don't get it. But, you know, I, I think I was kind of, like, in that right age group to still kind of, like, really appreciate this comedy. Mm-hmm. So it's, def- it's definitely something that I passed on to my son. He's now 19, and it's also one of his favorite movies. So I think it translates pretty well. I've actually turned a few people on to it that hadn't seen it before. Yeah, and. It, it, all the laughs stuck. You know, they got, they laughed at the right parts. They got the movie. Right? It's weird. I, I can never tell because like I, I, you know, I grew up watching like the Christopher Reeve Superman film back in, you know, like 77. I grew up watching, oh, 78, excuse me. Like uh, I was born in 78. So like when I was old enough, like four or five to start watching the Christopher Reeve Superman, I loved it and I fell in love with it. It was my favorite superhero movie. Of course it was sure. pretty much the only one out for the longest time. It felt like, but um, I've talked to millennials today that, you know, they they don't like it. They don't have that same reference. They don't get for it. it. Yeah, they, I, I'm so with you on that, Brian. I, you and I are about the same age. I grew up also watching the Christopher Reeve Superman. To this day, Superman One is still my absolute favorite superhero movie of all time, and Christopher Reeve is my Superman. Um, but kids, kids, people who are like way younger than us, and they watch it, they find it silly they find it ridiculous i i listened to a podcast once and these guys who were quite young in their 20s where i had watched the movie and they just complained of how ridiculous it was superman saving a cat out of a tree what the what the fuck is that about like they they didn't get it they didn't understand and to them it's like henry cavill and and no shame on henry cavill like he's a excellent actor but to them he's their superman and he sets the bar so anything different than that is like not good and so yeah, yeah. people people younger than us just just don't get it yeah. Yeah. i've got a few years on you guys actually and um not too many but just a few and i agree with you completely and i don't want to rub anyone the wrong way or anything like that but when you compare christopher reeve to henry cavill there is so much charisma that's missing in the superman role to me I think that, uh, yeah, it's my Superman, too. Uh, another fond memory I have about that one is, you know how, like, they uh, they give you swag at movies certain times when it's when it's opening? Like, they did the solo dice or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when I went to this theater. It's called Festival Cinemas. It's not there anymore. Went in the day of to watch Superman, and they gave me a box of kryptonite that glue and oh. glowed in the dark. Oh, that fuck if I still so have that thing. Cool. It was so awesome. It was one of my <laughs> cherished things ever. But, um, you know, it gets lost when you grow up. And But, you know, I completely agree with you. I don't think – I think they're out of touch sometimes, not in a negative fashion. I just think it's something that – where ignorance is bliss and they're cool doing what they're doing. And yeah. if they take the time to actually pay attention to these movies, you know, they look different. They're kind of grainy. They're, you don't have all the flash that you have these days. But there's much to be gained from watching these movies and just sort of taking all that with a grain of salt and not expecting – flash and flare all the time you know what well, I mean? yeah well you know when you look back on those original superman movies i mean that was a majority is practical effects i mean they right. made him fly yeah of course there's some you know special effects in there but a lot of that is practical stuff and they had to go in by hand and clean it up to make it look real and now you know 
and, and this is no no hate on how the the industry is now. A lot of movies, there's big chunks of it shot in front of a green screen. And I'm not going to say I don't enjoy those movies too. I enjoyed the hell out of Avengers Infinity War. And I know that there's huge chunks of that movie shot in front of a green screen. But there is something to that old charm of, yeah, it doesn't look perfect, but damn if you didn't believe it. Damn if you didn't believe that when Superman flew up and caught that helicopter that was falling off the Daily Planet roof and with one hand and Lois Lane with the other. Time out. Time in. All right, we're back. I, I sorry, technical difficulties. Uh, my my, I guess my computer didn't enjoy the impassioned uh, speech there by Rebecca about <laughs> about Superman <laughs> well, for some reason. You know, much like Joe Vitale, your computer is probably sick of hearing me. So I don't, I don't blame it. <laughs> you know, it, we were talking about like the old school comedians and stuff like that. And you know, have you guys seen the trailer for the Gilda Radner documentary that's going to be coming yes. out? Yes. I have not, but that can't interests wait. me a lot. I can't wait to see that. I loved Gilda Radner growing up. I thought she was the funniest woman on the planet. Um, watching her on Saturday Night Live and, uh, you know, Roseanne, Rosanna Dana and just like all <laughs> her different characters. I just thought this woman was brilliant. And then, you know, like you didn't see her in anything. And I was like, why didn't, you know, I was a kid. I didn't know. I was just like, I didn't see her in anything past like Saturday Night Live and stuff. And so like, I, like, I always kind of like wonder what happened to her. And then I remember watching the old Gary Shandling show on Fox and she shows up at the end of the show and, and they start talking about her battle with, uh, like cancer or something. And, um, and like her making a comeback and I was so excited. I was like, Oh my God, more Gilda. That's fantastic. And then she lost that battle. And yeah. um, I, I can't wait to see the documentary. I, you know, it's, it's some of these old school like John Belushi. You know, we lost him too soon, and and just some of these some of these people were just so inspirational for so many people. I, Steve Martin's great. I, I love all the Steve Martin stuff. Everything he's ever done, he's just fantastic. But and that'll be a loss when we lose him. I hope he oh god keep him around for. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't even want to talk about that. I'm gonna get. Oh, it's gonna jack me all up. I, I saw Kevin Smith crying over Burt Reynolds, and I like. Yeah. I get it, dude. Oh, I totally god. get it. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, talk about paving the way. I mean, Gilda Radner paved the way for a lot of female comedians after her. Um, there, I mean, there's still not like. Like, like the ratio of men and women in, in comedy, it's, it's better, but it's still pretty disproportionate. But she really paved the way for a lot of women to come after her. And, uh, I mean, we, we wouldn't have like Kristen Wiig and we wouldn't have Kate McKenna if it wasn't for her. Well, and, I, I think and it's, I, I think it all goes back to Lucille Ball if we're looking at like. Oh, that's true. No, yeah. no, you know what? You're absolutely right. Like, I think. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I shouldn't discount her either. She she also paved the way. If you want to go even further back, you're right. She did pave the way for people like like Gilda to come out. But yeah, you're right. Lu- Lucille Ball. I mean, huge. She talent. brought the Carol Burnetts. Yeah, yep, Carol, Carol Burnett. Burnett. And yeah. Lucille Ball, uh, her studio, um, I was involved in the production of Star Trek. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Desi Lu was uh, hugely involved in making Star That's Trek happen. That's true. Yeah, they talked about that in the Toys That Made Us, I believe. Yeah, yeah. they did. So, yeah, I, I can't believe I forgot about Lucille Ball. But, yeah, her and, like, uh, Carol Burnett, also old-school comedians who uh, were not afraid to get physical for a laugh where that wasn't, you know, even even people like like Phyllis Diller and, and Joan Rivers. Yeah. I mean, change stand-up for women. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely, well, yeah. I used to watch Joan Rivers' talk show 
uh, back in the day. I remember that show. Yeah. I sure do. Yeah. It was good. Um, yeah. Phyllis Diller too. Oh my gosh. You know, her real last name was Phyllis Driver. Just throwing that out there. If you're ever on a uh, trivia show and they ask you that question, you win like, you know, a gazillion dollars. You'll, you'll thank me. Cut him in. Fun yeah. fact from Brian. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, last thing that I want to talk about is I went today and I went and saw uh, Peppermint. Uh, it's the uh, new Jennifer Garner film. Uh, Peppermint is a revenge story centering on a young mother who finds herself with nothing to lose and is now going to take her uh, take from her enemies the very life they stole from her. So, yeah, her family was killed, her uh, husband and her young daughter. And, uh, Dan, I know you saw this one as well. I did. So I, I'm going to jump in here and I'm going to talk about this one. Rebecca, did you get a chance to see Peppermint? Unfortunately, no. But I'm anxious to hear what you say about it because it's been on my radar for a while. Yeah, I, uh, I think that Jennifer Garner in this film, she does a fine job at the action in this movie. I don't think that she's the problem in this movie, and there are problems. Um, the movie, it's just a generic kind of cookie cutter revenge story where there could have been something really cool here and the setup it's it's this revenge story setup but nothing is like really inventive or or, or well done you know her family's killed and then she disappears for five years and comes back a badass and we barely get any of her training in that five years of like what makes her this killer and it's there's a video that surfaces of her where she's cage fighting, cage fighting, and that's really it. Um, I'm not expecting it to be like Batman Begins, like where she's like training in the Himalayas and stuff like that. But I expected a little bit more than like what we got here. And then the villains are really generic. And part of like the reason that I love like good revenge stories is. You know, uh, movies like The Crow is that we get to know some of these villains and they have like their own characteristics and they're just scum. And so like when you get Eric Draven in The Crow and he starts to kill them, we actually kind of care. And they're it is heartbreaking when you watch your daughter die. It really is. But I feel like, you know, here we get like these villains that 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 kill her daughter and none of these these guys are the guys that kill her daughter are, are disposed of at the beginning of the movie. They're really nothing past that. And right. the main villain looks kind of like a, uh, a beefy crime boss version of Freddie Mercury. And that was weird. <laughs> um, totally dude. That's so funny. His, his, his story is pretty generic and kind of slapped together here. And he's, you know, he's kind of like working for like a larger drug cartel and things like that. Um, we get a great scene of uh, Jennifer Garner uh, getting even with like this Girl Scout mother that treated oh. her and her daughter like garbage, and I loved that scene. And I, but I wish we could have got more of that kind of stuff throughout the entire film, and maybe some scenes of like her torturing these guys that that had done these things to, to her family. But because um, it is really sad watching her daughter die, and. Um, you know, I don't like to see children die in any movie unless it's uh, the good son when Macaulay Culkin bites it. So um, overall, this movie's a low taste it for me. And uh, I was hoping to come in here and uh, be like, yeah, you know, it was a great movie. I don't think it's any fault of Jennifer Garner's. I think it's really kind of like what they gave her. 
And none of the set pieces for the action is very memorable at all. It, it's, you know, I, I want some memorable action set pieces. Like, I wasn't the biggest fan of Atomic Blonde, but, like, the action set pieces for Atomic Blonde are very memorable. Um, I just got a low taste this one. It just seemed, like, very kind of, like, cookie cutter, slapped together, nothing inventive. And the villains just really didn't uh, live up to what I kind of like wanted in this movie. Dan, what did you think? I think you're spot on. Actually, I went into this movie with low expectations because from the trailer, you know, you see her, she's happy. She's got her family and everything like that. And then five years later, she starts talking like this a little bit, you know, because <laughs> she's, she's <laughs> been through a lot and that shit will make you talk like this. Yeah. So I was a little reluctant and it turns out that she doesn't really talk like that that much. It's just one particular scene where she's talking about justice, but I kind of fell in love with Jennifer Garner when Alias was out, and I watched that whole series. I thought she did fantastic. So we get our Bradley Cooper, and you know, um, so I'm thinking, okay, she can do this. She can do it again. And you're right; it's really not her fault. It's not. This movie is just so full of cliches. Yeah. And it falls a little bit flat, you know. And you're right about. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still laughing about the uh, Freddie Mercury comparison, <laughs> but uh, his name is Diego Garcia. Is the yeah. name of the the uh, the boss, if you will, and. I'll say this about the movie. There are so many shots to the face in this movie. She, Jennifer Garner loves shooting people in the face. Oh, yeah. Um, her name is Riley North. And I'm not even trying to be funny, but it sounds like a porno star name to me. And I just kept laughing about that. And um, But it's – I think that the action is probably the best part of this movie. Yeah. But you're right, man. There's things that they could have done that could have made this movie so much more full. Totally should have shown the training you know, there's five years yes. in between. There's a lot that goes on yeah. as far as the torture goes. Yeah. Uh, there's a particular scene, which I won't really get into, to you know, for people that do want to see it. But it involves a judge and uh, his desk and the way his hands are placed. Yes. And, dude, they totally missed the mark. They could have done something with this and shown it, and it would have made the movie that much more better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I wanted so to see right. what was that movie uh, Denzel did, uh, Man on Fire? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like that – that the torture and that movie was awesome. Was that that that's the one with the little Dakota Fanning when she was a kid, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. That's where he was the bodyguard and and yep. I love that movie and like that's kind of like what I wanted to see here. I, I felt like yeah, this is kind of a clone of some other movies that we've seen before, but a good revenge story is a good revenge story. And like John Wick was set up on the death of a dog, you know and. And I, I felt like really going into this movie, like it was pulling at my heartstrings to watch her family being gunned down like that and like her daughter dying there. Like that's sad. I hate watching children die. It was like heartbreaking. And so it's like you got me. Like now just let's let's execute on this. And it fell apart. It just fell apart from there. And – yeah, there, 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 there's so many things that could have happened in this movie. Better action set pieces. I did like it when she would like push a guy away and then like immediately shoot him in the head. That was cool action, but I don't know. The villains are just so generic. And yeah, that judge scene could have been way better, way better, way cooler. So, you know, um, another thing about this towards the end, I thought we were going to go down Rocky Five. Bill, you know what I mean? Because yes, oh god, yeah. Because yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. They, they, I don't want to give any spoilers, but they all kind of meet up, and I understand that movies have to, you know, have a little bit of filler in it to carry on the, the whole course of the movie. 
but it was there's this one particular scene where the 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 bad guy Diego has her, mm-hmm. and instead of doing what he needs to do, he starts the monologue thing, and it yeah. just it was just really stupid to me. I, that was that was one of the, the the worst part of the movie for me. Um, and then of course I thought the cops were very predictable. I kind of already saw what was happening with that. It, it happened right away. One thing that I was a little surprised about, and I know you haven't watched Preacher season three, but uh, it has Tyson Ritter in it. I don't know if you know who that is, but he's the singer of the All American Rejects. He also plays Humperdoo on Preacher. Um, he makes this like blink and you miss an appearance. He's just, he's the guy that is uh, pushing the shopping cart and talking about the angel of Skid Row. Oh, okay. Remember that part? Yeah, Cause it was yeah. very, very, yeah, very, yeah. very, not very memorable is what I'm trying to say. Right. Um, another thing that kind of bothered me about it is that her, her base, if you will, on Skid Row, mm-hmm. you might as well have had a fucking neon sign pointing to this thing because right across the street from it is a fucking mural do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was just, it was very, yeah. I don't know. It was a little bit silly. Uh, the kids in the movie were a little bit, not, not the daughter so much, but the, uh, you know, the little homeless kids were, they were okay, but yeah, you're right. No, Brian. But there's the, there's it, not much more to say about this one. It's, the, it's, it's very, it's a low tasted for the me. The little homeless girl as like, they're dragging her away from Riley. That was a little over the top and like right. weird. I was like, how much time did Riley really spend with this girl? And I don't know. I, I just, yeah, it, it, I I kind of like there were parts where like it was going full gung fu and I'm like, yes, this is awesome. Like uh, the part where she's like shows up and she's like behind that uh, that uh, that truck as it's like rolling on its own and she's shooting people. I'm like, OK, cool. Just keep it this pace. This is cool. This is great action. And then things slow down again. And I'm like, yeah, so. Yeah, I don't know where it fell apart, but there yeah. definitely is some dope moments if you like that kind of thing. I mean, again, so many shots to the face. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But that was a really cool part that stuck out to me, too. And I, I thank you for bringing that up because I did want to talk about that. Yeah, I just I think I think Jennifer Garner, in my opinion, did a better job than Charlize Theron did with her character. She was more like I cared more about her character of Riley North than I cared about the character in Atomic Blonde because like that character just like. They never really, for me, I never really cared about like what she was trying to accomplish because I never really understood like her character. Um, and in this one, I understood. It's like, it's a, she's a mother and she lost her family and she wants this revenge. But man, you know, there's something to be said about like training montages within that five years that we didn't get. We really just kind of got like, okay, she's been gone for five years. She did some cage fights. She stole some guns and now she's back. Yeah, you're left. You know, she does some pretty cool things in the movie. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking about the Ferris wheel. You know what I mean? Things like that. And you're like, but you're left to assume like, wow. She must have really had some good training. There's really nothing else that you can do. You see that one particular scene and you just left to assume. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's where like Batman Begins does it so well. It's like right. we, we see all of this training, you know, with Reza al Ghul and all this stuff. We, 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 we know why Batman is Batman. And like totally. that's why that movie's called Batman Begins. And like I, I, I honestly think like they should have spent a little bit more time kind of like developing this character a little bit more if they really wanted to work towards possibly a sequel in the future. Cause then I would care a little bit more about Riley North. So yeah, yeah I was left at the end going, okay, there, there is a chance for that, but now I'm not entirely sure if I want to see it. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Because it's just going to be, yeah. it's going to be more vigilante. I will say this though. I will say that I think that this type of a role is in Jennifer Garner's bag. I, I was really happy to see her back in that again, yeah. which is exactly why I went to go see this movie. So she's got potential to yeah. do something incredible with this. You know, you take your 13 going on 30s or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it is what it is. But 
I was introduced to Jennifer Garner as an alias, and I was really happy to see her come back to this. And there were moments in this movie where I'm like, yes, that's the shit right there. Yeah. But it just it just could not hold together. Dude, when she's like in sad. when she's in like uh you know like the the bulletproof vest and she's like got the cuts on her arm and all this shit, I'm thinking like. Oh my God, she looks like Sarah Connor. She looks like this is like yeah, totally. I'm like, oh my God, she looks so badass. But I want to see the. Have you seen the trailers for the new comedy she's going to be in? No, I haven't. Yeah, she's going to be in a new comedy. Um, it's uh, I think it's on like on HBO or Showtime. What is it called? Camping. Yeah, camping, and it's coming out October 14th. Uh, a man's camping trip with his wife and friends spirals out of control. A U.S. adaptation of the British series Camping. So I guess okay. this is like. I think I have seen that trailer actually. Yeah, it looks pretty that damn funny. That sounds familiar. Yeah, it looks pretty funny. It's coming out on like HBO or Showtime. Yeah, HBO. It's an HBO. Okay. Uh, Jennifer Garner and David Tennant from Doctor yeah, Who. Yeah, I ha- okay, I have seen this because I remember thinking like, David Tennant. Like I got yeah. excited that he was in it. So, and yeah, it's yeah, oh, I'm in. It. Holy I'm automatically shit. in though. It's got it's got a great supporting cast too. Brett Gelman. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Brett Gelman, but uh Brett Gelman is I think he's hysterical and his comedy is so weird. But I love Brett Gelman. He used to have a podcast. It was like I forget what it was called. If you ever listen to Brett Gelman's podcast, if it's still up there, it is the weirdest thing you'll ever hear. I actually wasn't a huge fan of it because it was so out there, but I love Brett Gelman, the actor, the comedian. He's really funny. But yeah, low taste it for peppermint. Uh, Juliet Lewis is in this show, this camping. Yes, she is. Yeah, yeah. It it looks really, really funny, actually. Like the yeah. more you're talking about, it, the more I'm remembering that yeah. I saw a preview for it when I was watching something on HBO. Oh, I think when I was watching um, Sharp Objects, yeah. they were showing previews for it, and I was like, "This looks hilarious!" Oh my god, Sharp Objects! What an amazing <gasps> show. So that was good. incredible, man. That was that ending was something else. Dad. I actually read the book, so I, oh. I was watching it and knowing what was going to happen. But still, yeah. I think that Amy Adams just killed it in the series. She, it was oh, so yeah. she is she is a treasure. Yeah, Amy Adams is a treasure. I want her to be in all the things. I just I love her in this show and the ending. I loved the ending. Oh, so good. I loved how. Um, and I won't spoil it like, if anybody hasn't seen it, but I loved how there were clues all along, but it was so subtle. And then when you go back and think about it, you were like, oh, my God, they were there all along. Yeah. And um, I do so think it was good. bullshit that they had the two post credit scenes. It should have been – this is a case where it should have been like right at the end because – um. Not everybody's going to sit around for those post credit scenes. They're just going to turn it off, and they'll never have the full yeah. understanding. Yeah, so. it wasn't nearly enough. Yeah. I will say, though, that the, the – I don't know her name, but the girl that plays Amma, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what she does in the future because oh, that's yeah. the first time I've ever seen her. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I thought she was fantastic. On She's great. She's so good. She's so, the sky is the limit for her. She oh, is so damn good. Abs- absolutely. Like, she could do – I mean, I, I hope she gets a ton more roles Um She's an incredible actor for somebody so young. And I, I think she's either British or Australian. Yeah, she's um, they all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's not, she, she's not American. So she may have done a ton of stuff in, in other countries that maybe just we as Americans aren't aware of. But, um, this is like, it seems to be like her first big thing here in the U.S. And oh my gosh, I 
would love to see her in other things too. I'm just such a good show. One of the, one of the best shows I've seen this year. Oh God. And yes. We've seen some good TV this year, but Sharp Objects was absolutely incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I feel spoiled in 2018. It's, it's ridiculous yeah, how much yeah, good stuff's absolutely. coming out. All right, let's move into the pop culture leftovers news. Yeah, 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 read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. All right, Quentin Tarantino's Star Trek movie is uh, still being talked about. Uh, we have a uh, quote here from Carl Urban while he was at a Star Trek event. Uh, Trek on Daroga. Is where he was. <laughs> Trek on Daroga. Duh. Uh, he was at, he was at, were you there? Rebecca, were you there at Trek on Daroga? Wish, wish I was, but no, I was not at Trek on Daroga. <laughs> Carl Urban has probably one of, I'd say it top five best looking chins in Hollywood. Oh, 100% agree. I'm super jealous of that chin. It is, <laughs> it, it is a beautiful chin. Like, uh, People would pay to have Carl Urban's chin. I would pay five bucks to have him rub it across my cheek. Just to, <laughs> just to have him rub his chin across yeah, your totally. cheek. I think he'd want more than five bucks, though. To do yeah, that. I know. I'm, I'm a cheap bastard. I'll, I'll go 50, but that's it. You know, fuck <laughs> off, Carl Urban. You, you don't need the money. That's 50 a, bucks, that's, that's an easy task. That's a weird line at a convention, you know, when you're <laughs> – <laughs> you know, what, uh, John Barrowman, what I love about John Barrowman, John Barrowman, uh, you know, from uh, Doctor Who fame and uh, Torchwood and he, you know, also uh, he's uh, in the uh, Arrow shows. Uh, he there was another there was an actor that went to a convention and did not, and basically with their rules like don't touch me. You can't touch me at the convention. So John Barrowman's response, there are pictures of John Barrowman doing like you know, meet and greets with the pictures and stuff like that. These, uh, these picture, uh, where people pay to get their picture taken with him. These fans, all of them, there's like a picture of four fans. All of them have their hands on John Barrowman's ass. <laughs> John Barrowman has his ass sticking out and all four of them just have like, they're grabbing onto John Barrowman's cheek. And that That's was hilarious. John Barrowman's response to this particular actor at this convention saying, nobody can touch me. And I loved it. Like when I went and saw Melissa Benoist who plays Supergirl, when I went and saw her and I, I did the, the whole, I'm going to get my, you know, picture taken with her thing. Like they were telling us in the line, like, Oh, don't touch her, whatever like that. When I went in there and, uh, we get the, we went to take our pictures together. She, she put her arm around me and then I was able to put my arm around her. It was so cool. She's such an awesome person. So I've seen that picture on Twitter, man. You look so happy. I was like, thrilled. I could totally relate to that too. Well, I told her, I said it was, it was after the first season had completed and, uh, and she was on CBS and it was one of my favorite shows that year. I looked at her and there was one of her performances that she did so well that like I wanted her to know that I loved this episode is when back when she was playing it, John Johns before he was John Johns, Mar, you know, uh, uh, uh Martian Manhunter. He was Hank Henshaw in that first season. That was the name he was going by. And I said, the episode where you played Hank Henshaw was so incredible. And she just started dying laughing because I, I told her I wanted her to play that character again. She just started dying laughing. <laughs> and that's then awesome. um, she's actually laughing as we took the picture together. So, oh, yeah. that's that's nice. Such she was so sweet. Um, anyway, it's a great picture, man. You should be proud of that one. It's a great one. Very proud of it. My mom was very proud of it too. My mom like posted it all over Facebook, and people were like, "Is oh. that Brian's girlfriend?" And I'm like, 
<laughs> I wish. Supergirl now. I wish. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, news. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's Star Trek movie. Uh, Carl Urban had some quotes here at Trek on Daroga, and he said, Quentin Tarantino went into J.J. Abrams' offices and pitched him an idea for a Star Trek movie. Uh, I know a little bit about what that is, and it's bananas. You shouldn't worry that it is going to be a full, uh, be full of obscenity and stuff. He wants an R rating to really make those beats of consequence land. If it's not PG, if someone gets sucked out into space, which we have all seen before, we might see them get disemboweled first. It allows some breadth, gives, uh, gives him some leeway to do that. To me, that was always one of those things I loved about what DeForest Kelly did. He would actually capture the horror of space. That look in his eyes of sheer terror always struck me when I was a kid. So basically, like this quote is basically saying, yes, Tarantino wants an R rating for his Star Trek movie, but it's not like going to be like just it's not going to be nudity and curse words. It's going to be showing us the horror of space and there's going to be some consequences going on. And. He also, in this interview uh, at Trek Onderoga, basically talked about, yes, Quentin Tarantino's wanting to get the cast from the Abrams films back in on this. So, Rebecca, I'm kind of curious as to your thoughts on this. I mean, I know... As am I. You, I know, you know, I, I, don't know, I don't even know how you feel about Tarantino, number one. Um, Tarantino's a Star Trek fan, but as a Star Trek fan yourself... Is this a vision that you kind of want to see, or are you kind of saying, ah, I'll leave it? Oh, God, I'm so torn on this because I I am not the biggest Tarantino fan. Um, I like some of his stuff. I don't like all of his stuff. Um, I To me, I don't automatically think of Tarantino and Star Trek as going hand in hand. I, I, I don't. I have a hard time reconciling those two um, those two feels together at the same time. Um, he is a fan, though, so I feel like okay, there's potential there for like him to do something good uh, for the for the franchise. Um, the R rating, I when I first heard that, I was like, oh god, I tossed that. Like, but. If the idea is to have the R rating to show maybe some more consequences, like to space battles, I'm not completely against that, but I just, I want it to fit. I want it to fit the story, right? Like, I understand why Deadpool's rated R. I get that. That makes sense to me. But do I want to see every MCU or Marvel character have an R rated film? No. Do I want to see a Captain America R-rated film? Probably not. Do I want to see Cap dropping F-bombs and getting pegged by somebody? No, probably not. So I, if he uses it correctly, like I, I don't need to see Kirk and Spock and Bones dropping F-bombs and that gets their R rating. But if it fits the story, I, I don't have a problem with it. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very torn on this news. It's hard for me to like, I, I lean towards I don't like it, but I'm trying to keep an open mind because, you know, I watched Discovery this year and that's very different than the Trek I grew up with. And I, I liked that. So I could potentially like a, a Tarantino movie. It's just it's hard for me to wrap my head around those two concepts I've being heard, in the same 
place. Yeah. First off, I love Tarantino. The only movie that I didn't like of his was Inglorious Bastards, and I know mm-hmm. a lot of people love that movie, but I love everything else Tarantino. Right. Mm-hmm. I want this movie so badly. I've got to see what it's going to look like. Yeah. I there's part of me that's just like I just I'm so curious to see like what he can do with a Star Trek film. Um, I don't think it's going to be Samuel L. Jackson saying, get these motherfucking tribbles off this motherfucking yeah, enterprise. Like, like yeah, I'm, I'm sure it won't because that would just be a caricature of, of a Tarantino film at that point. But like, I want it to fit. I just want it to fit the universe. So if, if the scene calls, if they're in a battle and they're battling the Klingons or the Romulans and, and, and they want to show me or some other new alien and they want to show me how scary they are. Okay, I get that. You want to show me? Then that's fine. That fits it. But I, I don't need violence for violence sake. If it fits the story, I'm fine with it. And I just, it just seems like such an odd hybrid to me. It's just, it seems like a duck with a dog's head. Like it's just so weird for me to wrap my head around. Yeah, this but the thing concept. is, it's like, who was excited about that last Star Trek movie? It was better than Into Darkness, but like, who's really like excited about the new Star Trek films and yeah, the direction they're going. I know, I know. So I mean, like, yeah. I mean, I get the whole idea. Like, I know I'm in the minority when I say I'm not a Tarantino fan, a huge Tarantino fan. I get he has a huge following. A lot of people love his work. Um, I, I mean, will this infuse new fans into the franchise? Hopefully, you know, I want to see more Star Trek movies, not less. But, um, I mean, and I could be. Uh, I'll, if if it's amazing, I'll be the first person to say I was wrong in thinking that this was crazy. But it just sounds so odd and out there to me. I have a hard time wrapping my head around it. But sure, it does. It's Tarantino doing a Star Trek I know. movie. I mean, that's. <laughs> But that's part of my obsession with it is like I want to see what that would look like. You know, Tarantino doing dialogue for these characters. I want to see that. Um, I want to, you know, like what uh, Tarantino, we've never seen him do anything really with science fiction. I want to see like how horrific he can kind of make space. I'm not saying like you have to like take Star Trek and like mix it with Event Horizon. But like on the flip side, space can be a scary fucking place. And it's like. And if I can see, like, if I can see Captain Kirk and Bones and Spock and these characters take on something really horrific and scary in space and overcome that, like, that's heroic and that's awesome. And I hope that, you know, that that, that's what Tarantino wants to give us here is something suspenseful, something with great dialogue, because he always gives great dialogue, in my opinion. And I don't know. I'm just, like, kind of... Really curious to see what this would look like. Do I think that this film is going to happen? No, I think it'll fall out. I think something is going to fall fall out. I do. I do. I think it'll fall apart. I think like, you know, I want to see it. I really do. But I think something's going to happen. And I don't think it's just like the respect that J.J. Abrams has from Tarantino is like what's getting this movie made. He really had to go in there with a strong pitch because you're talking about a studio making a movie here and they still have to – you're talking about a very um, respected franchise, a property, Star Trek. People love it. You don't want to have somebody come in and ruin the franchise. you know. So I, I think that J.J. Uh, Abrams heard him out, liked the pitch and said, yeah – I think this is something that, that that we should do, and then presented it to Paramount, and and um, I don't know, is Paramount that desperate that they're just like, oh, okay, um, 
you know, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's team up with Tarantino and make a Star Trek film to make some money here. I hope it's not about just the dollar. I hope they want to protect Star Trek. So. He must have had an amazing pitch, though, because that's yeah. an IP that you don't want to just hand off to anyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, too, am a huge Quentin Tarantino fan. And I'm curious to see this movie because I'm very curious to see what he'll do with it. As, as you said, he's mm-hmm. fantastic when it comes to dialogue and everything. Yeah. But on the flip side, and this is just my opinion, I find some of his movies to be a little self, self-serving sometimes. You know what I mean? And he'll get – he'll just – put a little too much of himself in it. Oh, sure. And, the ca- all and I'm the- really hoping that he yeah. doesn't do this with this one because I think if he is to take it from a Star Trek perspective, yeah. and obviously he's going to put his own personality into it, but if he's to keep it in the same lore, if you will, mm-hmm. it can be fantastic. But it is one of those things where it's like it's it's kind of bonkers that they gave it to him in the first place. But I'm all for it as long as it's as long as it's uh, done with heart. Yeah, I think we're going to be okay, but you're right. It probably isn't going to get made. He's a talented director, and I think he's got more range than what people give him credit for. Um, totally. And the thing is, is, and a lot of people give him a lot of credit. Don't get me wrong, but like as feel as far as like taking on like a uh, a franchise like this, we've never seen. You know, like Tar- it's like Tarantino taking on any franchise, like a, a Tarantino Transformers movie. Like what? You know, like, it's weird <laughs> yeah. to think about that. But think yeah. about this. Um, you watch the horror play out in the movie Get Out, directed by Jordan Peele. And I would have no problem just going off of that one movie if they were to tell me, like, okay, Jordan Peele's doing the next Star Trek film. I'd be like, oh, wow, awesome, cool. Let's see where he takes this. And I'm basing it off of one movie, Get Out. I loved Get Out. I think the, some of the problem here that people are having with this is because, like, we know what Tarantino gives us in a lot of his films. Um, we've seen him do the spaghetti westerns, you know, we've seen him do kind of like the, the mobster films. We've seen him do a world war two film. We've seen him do all these different types of genres. We just have never seen the dude take over a beloved franchise like Star Trek. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I think like Star Trek is more fitting for him than like a Star Wars movie. Star Wars, you don't want, you know, you don't want to. I, I, I agree. I feel like. Oh yeah, I totally agree. What, what's really interesting here is like, and I'm I'm kind of thinking about it, like, uh, and this may sound a little weird at first, but like the third Thor movie directed by Taika Waititi, like that movie was so stylized and so different yeah. than what we had been had gotten before, and and Taika is such a very unique person and a unique director. You kind of knew ish what to expect from him, but. But that movie was a huge success. A lot of people really love that movie. A lot of people think it's the best of the Thor trilogy. Um, I mean, maybe that's what Paramount is going for here. Tarantino does movies that are very stylized. You mm-hmm. can pick out a Tarantino movie no matter what time period it takes place in. Um, if no one told you it was Tarantino, you would know Django Unchained is a, is a Tarantino movie. Yes. It's like you would, you would know that. So, and then up against something like Inglorious Bastards or like Kill Bill, very different time periods, but it's that same feel. And so maybe this is what Paramount is hoping that it's going to be a stylized film, much like Thor Ragnarok was. And it maybe it will inject new life into the film franchise because, I mean, as, as much as I hate to say it as a, a fan, I mean, the film franchise is just kind of going nowhere right now because – I mean, Chris Pine is walking away. They're saying Chris Hemsworth is walking away. Well, well, How do you? Chris Pine recently has said he has not received a phone call. 
That's the last bit of news is Chris Pine says he's still waiting on a phone call. Interesting. So I mean, if if he if he's not going to return, then I mean, how do you do a Star Trek movie without Captain Kirk? You, you, I'm sorry, you don't. You just don't. I, I yeah, it's an ensemble cast, but it's Captain Kirk. You have to have him. And then, you know, what do you do about Chekhov? Do you recast? I mean, or do you just write him off like, oh, he's on another ship? Like, there's a lot in flux here with the with, with the with the film franchise. No, they, this- they've already come out and said that they are not going to recast Chekhov. Okay, I thought I had read that, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that's the smart move. I, Honestly, I would prefer them just to write him off. I don't think you recast. At Rebecca, that point. I, I don't think we have to worry about anything. I like, and I hope I'm wrong. I don't think we're going to get this movie. It just seems for me. I know it sounds crazy for you. I, I and I totally understand it because like you hold Star Trek near and dear. Like you've grown up with it and. But I, and I did too. But you right. are a completely different level, and so like you want to protect it. You want to protect it, and for me, it's just like I am at the point with the Star Trek films where like I love that first J.J. Abrams installment. The second one just kind of fell flat, and the third one, while it was an improvement, it just wasn't really kind of like what right. I thought like it needed in order to get people excited about Star Trek again and separate itself from the new Star Wars films that are coming out and right. so i feel like this is pot this could be what star trek needs is like oh my yeah. god quentin tarantino doing a star trek film i kind of want to see what that's like because this feels like um uh like a movie that you would watch on an in on earth too if we're talking about the sliders yeah. universe you know <laughs> like if we're talking about the fringe universe like yeah tarantino doing that kind of a, like this is like we aren't supposed to get a Tarantino Star Trek movie. So that's kind of the reason, like, I want it. And and so I I think, like, I hope all the stars align. I hope that, you know, um, you know Tarantino is able to direct this thing, uh, which would also leave out a lot of studio involvement. Um, he's the kind of director that kind of demands that kind of power, commands that kind of power. Um, and then, uh, I think that, but I think Tarantino's respectful enough to kind of like whatever kind of like story group that they have, you know, what's anything left over from Roddenberry's story group or whatever. I, I don't know how that works and you might know more than me, Rebecca, but I hope he would kind of like respect that and not try to do anything kind of like blasphemous to the yeah. Star Trek universe. I mean, I think if he's a, I mean, I know he's a fan. So I feel like when you, when fans are allowed to make these movies, as long as, you like Rain Wilson, huge Star Trek fan, right? He is, was a part of, of Discovery because he just, he, he wanted to be a part so bad. He, he said, I'll take any part. I just, I need to be a part of this. And, you know, they cast him as Harry Mudd in, in Discovery. Um, well, shit, look Those, at uh, Simon Pegg. He wrote the last yes, film. Simon Pegg wrote the last film. And I, I personally, as, as, as much as I love, love James Dewan, I think Simon Pegg is a really good modern Scotty. I think he's, I think he's brilliant yeah, as Scotty. So I love his comedic timing in the role. Um, I think he really, cha- I think he channels, uh, James Dewan in, in that role as Scotty. Um, but yeah, I, if he's a fan, which we know that he is, I, I'm hoping this will be, if it, if it does happen, it will be a love letter 
to Trek. You know, Peter Jackson, he made the Lord of the Rings trilogies. He's a huge fan of the work. And for him, it was a labor of love to make those movies. And I feel like if Tarantino can get his hands on it, if it actually happens, then that's my hope, that this is a love letter to to Star Trek and that the fans will walk away feeling that, you know, Um yeah, that's that. That's just my hope that, as you sure. say, as you're saying, that he doesn't do something so blasphemous that, like, yeah. you know, we're like flipping tables over. You know, I just yeah. yeah. See, I got a question for you. Do you think Klingons have those same spikes on their heads on their penises? <laughs> I, Absolutely, I, man. It's like it's kind of like ribbed for her pleasure. Type oh, that's no ribbed ribs and what those things are. That's like a torture device down there if they got spikes on those a, things. You know, I mean, maybe. That's like Man. fucking. That's like fucking a cheese grater, right? Jesus, <laughs> I mean, no, no wonder the women are also warriors if they have to put up with that. Jesus, no shit. Oh my gosh, it's like, ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like. But then could again, you, maybe could you maybe, could you rub your dick on this block of cheese? I need some Parmesan for my salad. But then you know maybe the maybe the Klingon <laughs> vagina has. Uh, has those too. I mean, oh, you never good. know. Oh, you know that would be like fucking a cheese grater, right? There. I know. There could be a lot of friction happening. Imagine going <laughs> down on a Klingon woman and you have to like, you, you don't want to like work your tongue against the grain. Otherwise, you might not have a tongue. <laughs> Right? You ever had like a taste bud that's really sore after eating like hot pizza or something like that? Oh, yeah. That times a thousand. Oh, Jesus. Well, yeah. You you might lose your tongue down there. It's It's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Sheesh. Oh, my gosh. You know that that Klingons have like redundant organs and there's a – I don't know if it's canon, but there's a thing that's going around saying that Klingons have double penises. No shit. I don't know if it's canon, but I've seen a lot of fans talking about it on Twitter. <laughs> I, w- I want to see like a like a clean on, cling on spinoff sitcom called like My Two Dicks or something. I- you know what I mean? <laughs> Captain, we're receiving a transmission from Two Dicks Johnson. Two Dicks <laughs> Johnson. <laughs> oh man. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. It's weird to think about. Um, I imagine they're like they're 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 ball sack looking like a puffer fish all puffed out, you know. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> <laughs> it's it's oh, just the, like the visual like, was good on that one. Like when your penis just looks like really defensive, like don't fuck with me. Like <laughs> sex can't be that fun, right? When your penis just looks like no. yeah, don't mess with me. don't mess with me. No, Get away. Like, are such tough bastards. I think they could take it. I mean, otherwise there'd be a whole lot fewer Klingons running around, and there are a lot of Klingons. Yeah. I'm just saying, I think that they're up for the test. Dan, would you fuck a hot alien? Oh, 100%. Oh my god, me too. No problem whatsoever. I'm that kind of guy, Brian. I am too. Blue skin, grease skin, I don't give a shit. Any color under the rainbow, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. If they're willing to, like, play with the kid, then I'm good. Like, Whoever comes at me, I'm, I don't give a fuck. Give me the, give me the big, <laughs> I can't even do this. The big Klingon vagina. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> no, it's like even if you caught me on that one, man. I, I was trying to go with it. Even not. if the, even if like the vertical <laughs> smile was going horizontal, I'll try that out, man. I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. 
did did you guys did you guys did you guys watch Dread the movie? Did you watch Dread? I only watched it one time. Okay. So and it was one of those uh I, I really can't wax about it, but yes, to answer your question, I did watch. Okay, it. Rebecca, did you watch Dread? Yeah, I did. It's uh, I I recently watched it, maybe two, three weeks ago. In my opinion, it is one of the best comic book to film adaptations ever. And what I mean by that is basically pulling the pages of the comic book and turning it into a movie. I'm not saying it's the best comic book movie ever, but it's debatable as to whether this is like the best comic book adaptation to film ever in my opinion mm. it's just that it's just that faithful to a lot of the comic and um basically carl urban at the same fucking uh, tr- uh event trek radanga or whatever the fuck it was trek called Conderoga. trek Conderoga. <laughs> jeez what a stupid name for a convention everybody's got to change their name for the convention now because comic-con they san diego comic-con sued everybody for calling their conventions Comic Con, did you see that? Yeah, I did. Indianapolis that was recently, right? It was recently. They won a thing, and like so, and it was because of Salt Lake City Comic Con. And so, I recently saw on Facebook Indianapolis Comic Con changed theirs to Indianapolis Comic Convention because they just didn't even want to deal with that shit. So they just changed the name of it altogether, just proactively. But yeah, it was basically a, a San Diego Comic Con. Basically say, saying nobody else can call themselves Comic Con, just us. That's just Ugh, so pretentious. So pretentious. Whatever. It's Comic Con's not even what it used to be anyway. But yeah, uh, Carl Urban was talking about. Basically, I just wanted to throw this out here real quick. He's he's kind of talking about this and saying like, yeah, he's still interested in doing it. He's not doesn't know if he is going to do it. Um, they're in the pre- preliminary rounds of conversation uh, with him. And uh, he did talk about the series a little bit and what he knows about it. He said their idea for Mega City One is basically to build the show around more rookie judges and young new judges. And Dread would come in and out. And I said that I'll do it, but it has to be done in a meaningful way. I can't just come on and grunt and pull faces. There has to be a story there for him. There has to be a kind of little arc and a story we are trying to tell. So we will see what they do. I don't like that. I want to judge. I understand it's it's the show's called Mega City One, but me being a fan of the Dread movie that Carl Urban was in, I just want more Dread. I want Carl Urban. I want him doing Dread things. I don't care about... Uh, rookie judges coming in there. I don't need to see, I don't need to see Judge Academy. I don't, that's not the show that I want to watch. I want to watch Judge Dredd, but that's just me. So, I don't know. This news has me somewhat excited because, but it just feels like he's going to come in there and play like a cameo role or like a teacher role or something. And I, I don't know. I, I didn't get too excited about these quotes. So. Yeah, I'm not really into the whole walk-on thing. I mean, it's cool for an episode or two, but it leaves a lot to be desired. And he did play the role so well that mm-hmm. you're going to always feel like you're missing out on something like that. I find it hard to believe that there would be someone that could play Dread the way he did, or at least have, excuse me, more of so like a like an equal character. You're not going to have that in this one. It seems like if you do bring him on, yeah, 
you're going to be comparing it all the time. And if you don't bring him on, then you're just dealing with a whole other show, you know, entirely. Oh, he, he played the role the way we wanted it played. Like, he didn't have to take the fucking mask off. He kept the mask on the entire time. And it's not like mm-hmm. Carl Urban's a bad-looking guy. Like, no, like... A lot of people, a lot of people want to see that Carl Urban face, but he was like, no, I'm going to play this role faithful. And he did, and he nailed it. Um, great villain in that movie. What was her name? Lena Headey from, you know, Sarah Connor Chronicles and uh, the Game of Thrones. I mean, she was an awesome villain. Such an incredible villain. And uh, I, I just want, like, a really gritty Mega City one, people going around committing crimes and judges going out there and murdering people and you know, sentencing them on the spot. And and I don't know. I don't need to see Rookie, Acad- Rookie Judge Academy. So I wasn't too excited by those quotes, to be quite honest with you. Um, we reported on this story, this next story, months and months ago. It looks like the Die Hard prequel film that was once titled Die Hard Year One is simply going to be titled McLean now. And uh, producer Lorenzo Di Beneventura talked with Empire and said this about McLean. You can tell our intention by the fact that the title page we handed in says McLean. We want you to get invested in John McClane more than ever before. The story is going to be a split narrative. You'll have one with modern-day John McClane investigating a case from his past and another actor playing young McClane. So the original reports were that this was going to be heavy, like heavily focused on young John McClane. Like, this was going to be a young John McClane story. They're going to get a new actor in here to play young John McClane, replacing Bruce Willis. And that doesn't seem to be the case now uh, with this quote from Bonaventura. Um, he says, I don't know how you do Die Hard without Bruce. The idea that he's not very significant in this movie is not accurate at all. We are going to explore John McClane in his 20s, but just as prominent is the 60-year-old version. So basically what we're going to get here is John McClane uh, in his 20s, in this case that he's got from his past that sounds like it's still haunting him in the 60s. So we're going to jump from John McClane handling whatever this case was in his 20s now to his 60s, which I hate everything about this because <laughs> my, first, my first introduction to John McClane was back in 1988 when John McClane took on what we thought was his first fucking real big adventure here where he took on the terrorists at Nakatomi Plaza. And now we're finding out that he's got this whole hidden backstory in his 20s, which also makes me think, like, if this movie's successful, we'll find out about other fucking cases about John McClane. I just thought he was this beat cop in New York City who saw maybe a little bit of action, but not this big, uh, you know, this big case back in his 20s that's haunted him till his 60s. I just thought that I was dealing with a beat cop that was going through a bad divorce, a bad separation with his wife. This takes away from everything. And uh-huh. yeah, oh, Brian, you're nitpicking. No. Die Hard, I love Die Hard. I fucking love Die Hard. And a lot of that movie is built upon the fact that he's just a beat cop, a New York City beat cop. And. And he's thrust into this whole thing. Yeah, that's a hundred percent where I am too. Like, I I rewatched Die Hard recently, um, just a couple months ago, and and that movie still holds up. Like yeah. that movie is still to this day one of the best action movies ever. 
And, and that's the beauty of it is that he really is thrust into a situation that he's not prepared for in any way, shape or form. And he is just this cop from New York who's completely out of his element. And this is our introduction to him uh, as he faces like these these terrorists. I I don't I'm not a fan of this new movie either. I don't like it at all. I I don't like this at all. Yeah, it's it seems to me like it's a cash grab. To be honest with yeah, you, that's you know, exactly it's like what it is. I think that the Die Hard movies are fine on their own, especially one and two. I just think that after a certain point, they start to get stagnant. Uh, three, and it's, it three just comes got, off like a total cash grab. You got to go. Three is better than two, man. The number two with the Russians. Come on, it's not. Number three with Samuel Jackson, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Come on. No, man. you have a point. You have a point. You're right. I mean, I'm not the biggest Die Hard fan, but I have seen them. I didn't care for Live Free or Die Hard. I believe that's what it was called. Um, but I don't know. That's just my opinion. I just, yeah. I, I have kind of like walked away from the Die Hard series because sure. I like to keep it where I'm still fond about it. And sometimes you could just take it too far and it just completely takes away the heart of what it originally was. I, uh, I, I didn't even watch the last one that came out. Like I've watched the, I've watched four. Of the five that have come out, and this would be the sixth one in the series, and, you know, I didn't even watch the last one, because I was so upset with the fourth one, I just thought it was absolute garbage. Uh, that was the one with uh, Justin Long, I believe, and then his son, and I don't know, I think the fifth one was with his daughter, I mean, I don't know, it was, I, but yeah, just... I don't know. Just stop. Just stop with the diehards. Stop ruining them. And, and don't make them PG-13. That's like where it started. Like number four was like oh, oh, yeah. PG-13. Yeah. That's a big mistake. It's, they should all be rated R. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't like this. It's just uh, a case from his 20s. And who are they going to cast as young John McClane? Um, you know, part of me is like, okay, if they're going to do this, if they're going to have a young John McClane, do – what Marvel has been doing with like this de aging stuff and just de age Bruce Willis, you know, is that going to that probably would be a better solution, you know, instead of bringing yeah. in like a <laughs> Joseph Gordon Levitt again or something like that. Yeah, but, um, but the whole story totally is ridiculous. It. The whole story is just ridiculous because I, I I like to feel like the first time we ever get like this guy doing anything of any significance is when we see him in Die Hard, you know. So this whole movie just seems ridiculous. I don't need him doing things in his 20s, a case that's haunted him for 40 years now. And, and we're going to bounce back and forth and like, Ugh, like, uh, no, you know, I, how, oh, that's, ter- it's terrible. I tossed that. It's terrible. Yeah. I don't like it. Uh, we had a rumor from IGN Middle East this week. We know this rumor has been debunked. Anyway, we're going to talk about it anyway and kind of like why it even started. But the rumor and the article was Michael Bay and Ryan Reynolds' new Netflix movie is actually a Thundercats movie. You guys saw this, right? Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, sometimes we get like these rumors and we wonder like, how do they even get started? Like, you know, like we had the Tom Cruise Green Lantern rumor. And, you know, the site that reported it was a rumor site, but it's also kind of like a rumor site that Variety has on occasions kind of said, like, you know, we vouch for these guys. They they have legit sources. So, like, then we get this Netflix Thundercats movie rumor and and uh, it's uh, it's it's this it comes from IGN Middle East and it, it says Transformers directors. Upcoming big budget Netflix movie is apparently an adaptation of the massively popular cartoon series from the 80s. And so they talk about this and how it's going to be a $150 million movie. Everybody's been calling this movie Six Underground. And so it's like 
that's what I thought the movie was going to be titled. And I guess that was just kind of like uh, they were talking about like basically how this is kind of like a code name for this being an actual Thundercats film. And they're going to be filming in Abu Dhabi. You know, Star Wars is filmed in Abu Dhabi. Um, you know, they're talking about the, the Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, the Deadpool writers. They're going to be writing this. And this is just a secret uh, Netflix Michael Bay, Ryan Reynolds, Rhett Reese, Paul Wernick, Thundercats movie. And then literally like two days later, it was Rhett Reese who was asked on Twitter if the rumor was true. And he had a one-word reply. He said, no. It's not true. That'll do it. And then Ryan Reynolds followed up on that apps, on that um, reply on Twitter and said, I don't understand. Six Underground is an insane action film set in an, in amazing locales like Florence, Abu Dhabi, and Thundera. This is the most ridiculous rumor yet. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, there's this, there's this huge rumor that there's going to be a, a Thundercats movie on Netflix directed by Michael Bay, written by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, the Deadpool writers. People were up in arms about it. I was actually kind of excited for it. Um, because it's Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick writing it. And I understand Michael Bay ruined uh, Transformers or whatever for a lot of people, and myself included, but, like, it's still a Thundercats movie with Ryan Reynolds, and I was like, shit, fuck yeah, I'll watch that on Netflix, let's check it out. But um, why were people thinking that this rumor was legit? Michael Bay has actually been attached to a possible Thundercats movie since 2012, back when Warner Brothers was involved in it. And so, um, and of course, like, he's done the Transformers movie, so people are like, oh, he's just going to take on another 80s toy franchise. And then the writers, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, they wrote G.I. Joe Retaliation. And then um, IGN Middle East, they actually said that their source for this rumor came from the same source that said Simon Pegg was going to have a role in Star Wars The Force Awakens. And we know that that was true, and we know that he played Unkar Plutt. So, um, you know, a lot of people were, you know, thinking that uh, IGN Middle East was thinking that this rumor was true. But, like, when you think about it, like, why would Netflix hide a Thundercats movie from us directed by Michael Bay? Why would they hide? They would want to promote that. This is not, like... The Cloverfield Paradox when that came out and they're trying to be sneaky about it because they know that they have a movie here that a lot of people aren't going to really like. I personally thought it was a fun movie, but I don't think it should have been a Cloverfield movie. But, you know, a lot of people didn't like it, but like they attached the Cloverfield name to it and a lot more people watched it and they pumped it up right after the Super Bowl. Oh, you can watch it right after the Super Bowl airs. But like, why would why the fuck would Netflix? How does Netflix gain anything about keeping a Thundercats movie secret? Yeah, you don't go mums the word on something like that. You're putting ads out or some kind of a tease six months in advance, getting people to Netflix, even though they're already there. You promote the hell out of that thing. So yeah, I, I agree with you. And they're gonna they're they're gonna film this uh, six underground movie in November. We already know the locations. Abu Dhabi and Florence, we know the location. So we know, like, you know, there's going to be media outlets there 
trying to get a glimpse of like what's going on. And as soon as you get that first picture of like Ryan Reynolds in red hair with cat claws, we know it's a Thundercats movie. There's no, <laughs> there's right. no reason to lie about this. So I don't know. All I know is like if we ever get a fucking Thundercats movie, I want Idris Elba as Panthro. That's all oh, I care about. One hundred percent agree. <laughs> That's all nice I, I don't. I don't care what else they give us. I just want, and honestly, I, I know she's, I don't, Rebecca Romaine Stamos would have been my choice of Chitara. I know like not everybody liked her as Mystique, but I don't know, something about her wearing tight fitting, <laughs> something about her wearing like that tight fit. I think she could pull off Chitara as well. I don't know. Maybe, maybe she's a little too old now, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not trying to be an ageist. I don't know. I haven't seen – have you seen Rebecca Romaine Stamos in anything? Not Stamos anymore, but Rebecca Romaine in anything recently? I haven't. It's been a long yeah. time. Yeah. That's all I got for news, guys. So we're going to jump into uh, Marvel news. You know, we're going to take a fucking break. How's that sound? All righty. Rebecca, you, you texted me and you were like, Brian, you forgot about Iron Fist. Well <laughs> – <laughs> That's why I texted you. I didn't say it on the show. I know. I, I, I'm I'm peeling back the curtain here a little bit for everybody. I thought perhaps no. you forgot with all of the with all of the snafu with yeah. the with the with the computer. I thought perhaps we forgot. That's all. You're like the girl in the sitcom, the the uh, with the like the classroom setting in the sitcom. The girl that like she's like the teacher's pet that raises her hand and says, uh, "Mrs. Jenkins, we need to do this." <laughs> You're like that. Rebecca, I don't know. <laughs> you know? No, I didn't forget about it. We're going to talk about Iron Fist and Marvel News. We've also. Okay, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. <laughs> oh, wow. Little defensive. Sheesh. <laughs> wow. Let's take defensive to that next weird level. Jeez. <laughs> Excuse the fuck out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Kids, I will turn this car around right now. And we'll go home. No, it's like I called Rebecca out, and then she got upset about that. <laughs> I just haven't. I like to peel back the curtain a little bit, you know. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna get chewed out as soon as we hit stop. I'm, no, I'm st- not by me. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, we'll be right back with Marvel news. You know, I feel like a dick. I didn't even ask you guys. We're going to jump into Marvel News here. But I didn't even ask you guys, like, what would you guys think about uh, – what would you what would you think about a Michael Bay, Ryan Reynolds, Rhett Reese, Paul Wernick, Thundercats movie? Be These days, putting Ryan Reynolds into anything is kind of a good bet to me. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I do think that Ryan Reynolds has a uh, a bit of a one-speed thing. 
But I'd be for it. Now, as far as the Michael Bay's Yeah, concern, I get it. That's so fucking risky, dude. I, I, I just, I don't know. I've kind of tapped out on him, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> I'm with you, man. It's like one of those things where, like, I, I'm excited about a Thundercats movie. And Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick writing it, I would hope that they could reel Michael Bay in a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's still Michael Bay, and I still know what he did with Transformers. So, yeah. Rebecca, what are you thinking? I'm not going to lie. I got a little excited when I saw that news story. Yeah, yeah. I I think I was just excited about Thundercats, really. Um, I I don't know. Like, Michael Bay, what he did to Transformers is like, ah. But uh, I'm kind of feeling like maybe the writers could have balanced that out and – I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm like racking my brain here. Like, who would Ryan Reynolds have played? I guess Lionel would have been who he played, but like, how would that have gone over? Like, I just, I'm trying to imagine him playing Lionel. Um, it's, it's weird, but like, it's almost like how you feel about the Tarantino Star Trek movie. Now I'm like, <laughs> I kind of want to see this now. <laughs> like, I want to see what this would be like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, do I want a Thundercats movie? 100% I want a Thundercats movie at some point, yeah. but uh I, I don't know if this would have been like my movie. <laughs> like, who do you who do you get it? I think the toughest role probably to cast would probably be Mumra in my opinion. Yeah, who do you you got to cast somebody I, I say Andy Serkis mm-hmm. is my Mumra. Mm, that's a great choice. Not a bad pick whatsoever. That's a great choice. Yeah, he's so good at that because you'd want like like with Mumra, you'd want uh you'd want somebody who's imposing but can do that great voice. That's, <laughs> I love it when he like, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, like he get all like with that evil laugh. Yes. I couldn't even do it, but like that evil laugh that he do. Yeah. It's kind of like Skeletor. Like when you think yeah. back to the old He Man Skeletor cartoons, like when he would throw his head back and laugh. Yeah. Um, like you, <laughs> hey, man. So, it's so iconic. It's so recognizable. It's like the guy who voiced Starscream. It's so recognizable yes. yeah. that you need somebody that could do it justice. Andy Circus is a great choice for that. I, and, Absolutely. And, and having, uh, you know, uh, Ryan Reynolds as your lino, it, it kind of made sense to me, which I was thinking like, you know, the guy has worked with swords in many movies. Like he was actually at one time uh, rumored to be the new lead in a Highlander film that they were talking about for the longest oh, wow. time. And this was before the Deadpool. This was coming off of like his first appearance as Deadpool in X-Men Origins Wolverine when people were not high on him. And this is post Green Lantern where people were still kind of down on Ryan Reynolds. And, uh, yeah, like for the longest time it was like, okay, Ryan Reynolds is going to be the new Highlander and like that Sean Connery role is going to go to Tom Cruise. People were, that's, that was that movie. And like this Highlander talk kind of like died off, but yeah, Thundercats movie. I want to see it. I would love to see it. You know, I want to see Kit and Cat and I want to see Snarf. I want to see a live action Snarf, you know, like Snarf, 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 Snarf. Uh, Bradley Cooper just comes in there and does his best yeah, rocket right. raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, who does play Snarf? I was thinking, like, Bill Hader would be a good Snarf, possibly, you know? Um, a bad choice. Yeah, yeah, he's done a lot of voiceover work yeah. over the years. Yeah. Um, he, he was the, him and another guy, uh, their voices combined were the, 
were uh, BB-8 in the first Star Wars movie. I, I don't think that Bill Hader was involved in BB-8's performance in The Last Jedi, from what I've heard. But, yeah. I hmm. don't know. Bill Hader, I think, would be a good snarf. I'm trying to think anybody else. But, yeah, Thundercats movie. I want to see it. I'm, I don't know if we'll yeah, ever get it. I'd love to see a Thundercats movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen sooner or later. Yeah, I hope so. I sure hope so. I hope you're right. Uh, let's move on into Marvel news. news. Alright, I want to talk a little bit about this new Spider-Man game that came out on the PS4. I did pick it up. Uh, this is the first game that I've actually picked up on the PS4, other than the game that actually came with my system, which was uh, the Batman Arkham Asylum game. Um, I had to pick this up. It, it, they've been pumping this thing up for years, and it's Spider-Man. I wanted to check it out. I haven't gotten that very far in the game. I've been doing a lot of other things. and um, But uh, I... I I am really enjoying it. There's there's it's so much fun swinging through New York City and webbing people up and I love the spidey sense where like, you know, if if something's going to hit you, you've got to hit a certain button to get out of the way and and um the photo mode that people have been showing off is really fun. I haven't been doing the photo mode. I don't know. I'm just I don't even take selfies of myself and throw them up on the internet really. So, but uh Dan, did you you picked up this game, right? When I got home, it was at my table, and yeah. uh, my son has since not let me play this thing at all. He's been <laughs> playing it all weekend, and uh, I'm kind of fucking jealous, to be honest with you, because yeah. it looks incredible. Like, yeah. the graphics are unreal, how good the graphics are in this. And I love the whole open world aspect of it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, something that really surprised me earlier today is he goes, Dad, you called me in. And he's like perched near the Sanctum Santorum, and I thought, oh fuck, that's incredible. You yeah. know, uh, he found he found the. I hope I'm not doing spoilers here. I don't play a lot of video games, but uh, you know, he did find Avengers Tower, and he's just walking around like finger gunning everybody. Did you know you can do that? You can yeah. just finger gun people as you <laughs> yeah. want. Hey, I've go. seen that hey, all go. over Facebook. People <laughs> it's really are, funny. People can finger gun as Spider Man. <laughs> I figured I would let him play the game that way. He's not trying to like kick me off, but I'm all down for it this entire week. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I've been, I've been watching a lot of the Iron Fist. Haven't had a lot of time to really dive into the Spider-Man game. I'm maybe two hours into it, but I'm really enjoying it. And I'm not the best guy to give video game reviews because I don't play any other games really. So, but th- this is cool. This is a lot of fun. I, out of the, right out of the gate, as soon as I started playing it and it's giving me the tutorial on how to swing through the city and like shoot my webs and, and, and swing through the city. I'm swinging through. I'm I'm going up on taller and taller buildings, and then diving and falling, and then throwing out a web and hitting another. Bu- I'm going woo! I'm like flipping out playing this game. It was so much fun, just swinging around and having a great time. And uh, I love fighting enemies and kicking enemies and webbing them up and stuff. And you know, you got the kingpin right there at the beginning of the game, and I don't know, I'm just, I'm having, I gotta give it a Tupperware. This is a beautiful, beautiful game, and it's, Sony, it's been a long time coming, and, and, uh, they put a lot of work into this one. I, I, I pre-ordered it the day before it came out, and they, they gave me, like, some extra digital codes for additional suits, and then they gave me a, 
the Destiny 2 game. Like, they, oh, here it is. Here's another game for you. And I was like, okay, cool, thanks. The entire game they gave to you? <laughs> yeah. Like, when I showed up, like, I pre-ordered it, and I showed up the next day after I got off work to go pick it up. And uh, everybody else had picked up their pre-ordered game. Like, there was, like, two, like me and one other person had not picked up the game yet. And when the guy gave me the game, he pulled out Destiny 2 and gave me the game. So I got Destiny 2 as well. With it's this. not a bad deal at all, man. Not a bad deal. So... Yeah. Hey, let me ask you, what do you think of, uh, I think his name's Yuri Lowenthal, the voiceovers of this game. What do you think mm-hmm. of uh, the role of Spider-Man? I think he does great. I, I was actually thinking to myself, like, it kind of sounded like Tom Holland a little bit. And I yeah, like, I got that too. And I was like, I, it's not Tom Holland, but it kind of sounded like Tom Holland. And um, I love the way the game starts out. You just kind of, like, get a shot of Peter Parker's room and, like, what's in his room and, like, you know, the different villains in the game and different, like, newspaper articles that he's cut out and, and, and put in the room. And you get to see, like, he had, like, a candy bar wrapper in there and, like, an energy drink and all this other stuff. And I was just like, this is this is so cool. And the graphics are great. It's just, it's an incredible game. It's, it, like, I, like you said, the open world aspect of it just kind of, like, makes it that much more fun. So I can't re- wait to dive more into this game. I, I don't play video games like I used to when I was a kid. I... When I was a kid, I, 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 you know, I started out on the Atari 400 and and went to the Nintendo Entertainment System and then the Genesis and Super Nintendo and I had a TurboGrafx 16 and and then I went and then I started playing PlayStation, PlayStation 2, Xbox, you know, Xbox 360 and then after Xbox 360 is like kind of like where I dropped off and I I've just been watching a lot of movies and and uh, you know TV and stuff since then. I just don't have the time like I used to playing the the video games and stuff, but this is fun to play. I I'll play it for like an hour or a half hour and then I'll stop and do something else, but it's kind of fun to go back and play, you know. So I'll I'll be playing it more throughout the week. I I don't have a ton to say on it now. But, um, you know, I might have more to say on, say on it in future weeks. But it's – God, it's beautiful. If you don't have a PlayStation, I know people are buying PlayStations just to play this game. So, like, that's how – that's how – that's, like, kind of, like, what a big deal this game is. Oh, it's shaking things up for sure. Um, I'm kind of with you. I, I sort of fell off of playing video games. I would say – probably five years ago, something mm. like that. I have played all of the Uncharted. Love those. But that was like the last game franchise that I really got behind. And now it's just sort of piecemeal. I'll play something for like an hour, like you said, and yeah. I just never have the time to ever finish a game anymore. So I've sort of put it down just for the fact that I never get the full the full effect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 God, I, I think like the last games that I really got into were like the Halo series. Like I really loved Halo. And yeah, those are great. God, I loved Halo. Um, let's move into. I, I'm sorry if you were wanting to hear like a really incredible like Spider-Man PS4 talk. You're not going to get it from me. I'm just not that guy. I apologize. Um, let's talk about Captain Marvel, guys. Captain Marvel. Nice. Yeah, uh, we got pictures. We got news from Entertainment Weekly. Uh, Captain Marvel follows Carol Danvers as she becomes one of the universe's most powerful heroes when Earth is caught in the middle of a galactic war between two alien races. This movie is going to be set in the 1990s. Captain Marvel is an all-new adventure from a previously unseen period in the history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Brie Larson is joined in the film by Samuel L. Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn, Lashana Lynch, Gemma Chan, Algenis Perez-Soto, 
Rune Tempty, and McKenna Grace uh, with Annette Benning and Jude Law. Reprising the roles from Marty, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy are Jaiman Hansu and Lee Pace. And returning once again to Marvel Studios film will be Clark Gregg as Agent Phil Coulson. Marvel Studios' Captain Marvel is directed by the writing-directing team of Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, whose credits include Mississippi Grind. Great movie. I believe it's on Netflix, people. If you haven't seen that movie, it's with uh, Ryan Reynolds and Ben Mendelsohn. And that is a absolute Tupperware. I highly recommend Mississippi Grind. Um, an all-star collective of accomplished writers penned the screenplay, including Meg Lefeva, Inside Out. She did Inside Out, The Good Dinosaur. Nicole Perlman, uh, who's uh, a writer for First Man, Guardians of the Galaxy. Geneva robertson Dwaret from Tomb Raider and the upcoming Sherlock Holmes 3. Liz Flaheve and Carly Mensch from Glow, and then, of course, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, our directors. Uh, the composer, Pinar Toprak, will be composing the score for the film. This will mark the first time a female composer has been tapped to compose the entire score for a major superhero film. And uh, this composer, she was born in Turkey. Her previous uh, credits include sci-fi series, Crypt, uh, sci-fi series Krypton, smaller films like The Lightkeepers, and uh, the popular video game Fortnite. And um, she previously worked on the Justice League movie and contributed additional music to that film. So, yeah, um, I want to talk about the pictures that were released uh, for... Captain Marvel, and then talk about some of the news that came out from Entertainment Weekly. But um, me starting off, uh, you know, the cover and then the pictures within, I uh, I'm very excited. I think the suit looks fantastic. A lot of people were worried about that green suit. We find out that the green suit is basically her Star Force sh- suit, and that's not going to be her final suit in the film. I think Brie Larson looks great as Captain Marvel. I think we got we got the pictures of the scrolls. I honestly think that the concept art of the scrolls for the film look better than we're at, what we're actually getting here. Um, I was happy to see Samuel Jackson with both eyes looking very young. That was cool. Um, and then Brie Larson, it's set in the 90s. She's wearing a Nine Inch Nails t-shirt in one of the pictures. Yeah. And then we got to see her as a pilot, you know, for the Air Force. So... I don't know. I loved the look of the suit. I thought it, it was bright. It looks great. It pops. She looks like Captain Marvel. And, um, yeah, she looks great. She looks great. Uh, Rebecca, what did you think? Uh, I loved it. I absolutely loved this spread from EW. I thought she looked amazing. Um, she just, the suit looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, I love the blue and red, the classic look. Um, I think she, I think she's owning it. Like, She's wearing that suit. That suit's not wearing her. And I love that. I absolutely think that she's going to – I think she's going to kill it. But, I mean, it's Brie Larson. So, I mean, we expect a lot from her. Um, the scrolls, I see a lot of people complaining about the scrolls, how they look. Um, I don't know. I guess they look okay. I, I think I think you're, you're right, Brian, with the concept art looking a little bit better than what we got here. Um, but like overall, all the pictures that came out from the movie, I, they're absolutely gorgeous. I, I love them. Yeah. I'm just, I don't know. I think the scrolls look fine. I just think like, 
the concept art, when you look at the concept art, it looks better. And when I think of like, I hope these aren't like the final scrolls. I like, I, like, I want to see, I want to see like the super scrolls look more like what we saw in the concept art. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I don't know. I, it doesn't look terrible. And maybe when we see the movie, it'll be even more impressive. But that was the weakest that, I don't know. That was the weakest part of this for me was the scrolls. They just, when you look at the concept art, it just looks so good. And that's what I expect from Marvel. This just like, these just look like, okay. They looked unimpressive like the Dark Elves looked unimpressive in Thor The Dark World. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can I, see that. Yeah, that's a really good comparison. So that's my only complaint with anything that really came out. But I think her suit looks great. I can't wait to see her as Carol Danvers. I'm a big fan of the character, and I love Brie Larson. Room was one of my – it was my favorite movie of 2015. Mm-hmm. I oh, dude, such a good movie. Yeah, I went to – saw that one in the theater, and I was blown away. I got on the podcast, and I was telling everybody, I gotta, you got to go see Room. you got to see Room. So good. Um McKenna Grace. Is it me or do the do the scrolls kind of look like they're – like the picture that we have from Entertainment Weekly. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. And it really looks like an album cover for like 98 degrees or something like that in this picture. <laughs> yeah. Coming out of the water, a little glistening, you know. Maybe they should have like white like shirts on, un- unbuttoned and like flowing in the wind on the beach yeah. there, you know. Exactly. I want to see some green chest, you know, yeah. a little green chest hair flowing in the breeze. Sure. Yeah, I could, I could totally see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, McKenna Grace, uh, is she the girl that was in that movie with uh, Chris Evans? Yeah, it's the same same girl. Okay, is that is she? So, is, are we guessing that she's playing? I haven't looked at IMDb, and I probably should have. I feel unprepared. Is she playing young Captain Marvel? I'm gonna guess yes. Um, she was also besides being in that movie, she was in um, uh, the Tanya Harding movie. I, I Tanya. Yeah, yeah, that's she right. She played a young Tanya Harding in that. She's, she's good. in Designated Survivor. Um, she has a recurring role in that. She's a really great young actress. Um, oh, I, yeah, uh-huh. according to IMDb, she is playing young Carol Danvers. I nailed it. I'm looking at You're it. You're right. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beat me to it. Yep. She's playing. Yeah, she is playing young Carol Danvers. Yeah. I think that's a great choice. Like oh, I said, yeah. she's um, she was great and gifted, and that that little girl has a lot of personality. Like she, I could absolutely see her pulling off uh playing young young carol danvers here i want to go over the article from entertainment weekly we learned a lot of things here the article says when captain marvel hits theaters march 8 2019 it'll be the 21st entry in the mcu and the first to star a solo female superhero in the past decade the mcu has assembled a diverse lineup of female heroes from witches and warriors to widows and wasps but never before has a woman headlined her own story until Captain Marvel, the part Cree, part human pilot, who made her comics debut back in 1968. Uh, she can't help but be herself, Larson tells Entertainment Weekly. She can be aggressive, and she can have a temper, and she can be a little invasive and in your face. She's also quick to jump to things, which makes her amazing in battle because she's the first one out there and doesn't always wait for orders. But the not waiting for orders is, to some, a character flaw. Uh, I love that description of the character here. It's, uh, there's a little bit of cap in there, but, um, 
I don't. Yeah, I, there's a lot. It feels like there's a lot of Captain America in there. Um, she, the, you know, the first one into battle. That's Cap all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I think we've kind of seen Cap evolve. Like uh, the first one out there and doesn't always wait for orders. Cap used to be the guy that waited for orders. We've seen that change. I think. Yeah. We've definitely seen that change over the past decade in the MCU. We've seen a different Cap who's not kind of – he sees the way that things are now in the world where, you know, things used to be a little bit more cut and dry back in his day. And now things are a little bit different. And Cap yeah. is not the Cap that we knew uh, when we first met him in, um, you know, the first Avenger. Right. Yeah, he's still holding on to his code. But he's definitely loosened up a lot, and he's doing his own thing now. You know, he's taking chances, taking risks that he never would have taken before. Well, he's on the um, run from the government. Yeah, I, I like I like this cap actually. I, I'm very happy with what's going on. Infinity Wars was amazing. Yeah, he's he's no longer the the good soldier who just follows orders and does what he's told. He was that guy when we first meet him, but now he's not. Now he's as you said, Dan. You know, he's got his own moral code which Cap has always had, but he's now willing to go against the government and go against the people that he would have just been following orders from because it's the right thing to do. Um, I, I can't wait for this movie. I mean, I feel yeah. like Captain Marvel is going to be such a great addition to the MCU, and oh, I can't wait to see what, what Brie Larson does with this character. Well, part of the reason that I'm bringing this up and I'm comparing like you know like their description here to Cap is the fact that it's like, Cap might not make it out of Avengers 4 and so like right. who are we going to have slide in there as like the leader of the Avengers um, and I think the MCU has done a great job of like introducing characters and I think that hopefully Carol Danvers might be that band-aid that we need after Cap dies possibly so mm-hmm. you know but like it, it makes sense because she's a military person right Steve Rogers is a, mil- a military guy like they understand each other well yeah they yeah. they would understand that need of who's going to step in and on the battlefield and take command when the when 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 Cap goes down like it's 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 a natural uh, step. It's 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 a natural progression. Well, in the comics, he was a colonel in the Air Force. You know, right. um, not as young as Brie Larson is now. Carol Danvers in the comics. You know, she's a little bit older than um, than than what we're getting with Brie Larson. So, like back when they were talking about what's her name being the uh, ah, God damn it, I can't think of her fucking name. Um, she's been starring in Supergirl. Anyway. Uh, she's an older actor and, uh, they were talking about her possibly being, uh, Captain Marvel at one time. I was like, oh wow, I can totally see that. So like when they went with the younger Carol Danvers, I was a little shocked, but mm-hmm. it makes sense. We're going to see the character grow. Anyway, the article goes on to say, uh, Entertainment Weekly's cover, uh, finds Carol somewhere between earth and the sky, a fitting place for a hero who's trying to figure out how to reconcile her alien abilities with her more human flaws. Um... Directed by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, Captain Marvel sidesteps the traditional origin story template. And when it begins, Carol already has her powers. She's left her earthly life behind to join an elite Kree military team called Star Force, led by Jude Law's enigmatic uh, enigmatic commander. So we're not getting the traditional origin story here we're not getting that dr strange i'm stephen strange i'm a doctor oh my sh- oh my god i'm driving uh recklessly on a mountain and here's my origin story where i you know 
become this uh, the the sorcerer supreme. She's already part of Star Force when this movie starts. She may not be like what we know as Captain Marvel, but she's already had she already has her powers by the time we join. What her are your thoughts movie. on that? I I oh, I don't know. I, it's weird because like we also find out that uh, McKenna Grace is playing young Carol Danvers. So like, how much of a non-origin story is this going to be? Right. Like I get. I don't it. know. I'm kind of good with it actually. I think you know they do it all the time, and it's I kind of I love origin stories, but you know, man, maybe it's, maybe it's just time to just change the the recipe up just a little bit. Well, yeah, you can do that with a character like Spider Man. Where we've seen his origin story many, many times in the films, uh, you know, between like the two different iterations of Spider-Man that we've gotten, and then of course over the comic books and the and you know the the animated series. But like Captain Marvel, this is a brand new character that they're introducing to the public here. Like not brand new; she's been out since '68. But like this is the first time we're getting Captain. You know, Captain Marvel in a in a live action film, and yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird because it it makes me ask all these questions. Like everybody, I, I want to talk about this later, but like everybody's talking about like, oh, Jude Law is going to be playing Marvel. Well, we don't know that. And if right. he's, if he's not playing Marvel, then we aren't possibly getting the traditional. Then how did she get her powers? Are we not going to see her get her powers in this movie? Like that. This is very yeah. This is very strange because according to IMDb, Jude Law is playing Walter Lawson, which could just be a a, a code. They don't want to say it's it's Marvel, but I don't know. It seems so strange to me that they wouldn't do an origin story. Mm. Because like like yeah. you said, if 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 I go see Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen his origin on screen more than once now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I go see a, a new Batman movie, I've seen that origin on screen a lot of times, uh, but I've never seen Captain Marvel's origin on screen ever. So I- I'm surprised if this is not like a true, this is how I get my power story. I I don't know. That seems a little odd to me. It is. It, it is. doesn't. Go ahead, Brian. Sorry. No, go ahead. I want to hear what you have to say. I was just going to say that it doesn't mean that we won't get it in flashbacks, though. It may yeah. not be a traditional origin story, but it doesn't mean that they can't have flashbacks showing what happened along the way. I'm I with you, guess, Rebecca. It's, it's, it is disappointing. You're right. I mean, I guess, but I don't know. Like, if this is the first time I'm going to see Captain Marvel on screen, uh, I don't know if I want to be going back and forth. I, ge- I, I think that's what we're getting. That's I guess so. This, I well, guess that's what they're going to do. Let me read this. Captain. I'm going to read it again. Captain Marvel sidesteps the traditional origin mm. story template. Exactly. All right. Yeah, yeah. Then you guys are right. It is going to be flashback. And when it with, begins, yeah. Carol already has her powers. So, like, that's what they're going to do here. They're just – I think we're, we're going to get her origin story, but it's going to be played out, like you said, Dan, through the flashback scenes. So, so now here, here's the question then. Do they do sort of a back and forth, back and forth, or do they do like the movie starts out, Carol, uh, uh, Captain Marvel is doing her thing, and then we sort of get like the middle of the movie is a whole flashback, and then we flash forward again for the third act? They like, might do like a Star Wars thing where like we see a big space battle and they jump right into the action. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're like, hey, let's let's do this thing out in space, which I have no problem with that. Right. So, Captain Marvel. Yeah do, yeah. do it in space. Yeah. Yeah. Just get us right into the action with Captain Marvel here and get her as a part as a member of Star Force. Introduce us to all these different members of Star Force. And then I guess tactfully try to give us her origin story as the movie goes along where it makes sense. You know, I, I don't know. It, it, it is, it's different. It's, it's, it's ambitious because, you know, we're used to these movies starting off with like, we don't start with Stephen Strange being the source of Supreme. And then all of a sudden, like now they're giving us a flashback of like how he went to, you know, uh, how he became the source of Supreme yeah, and how he's a surgeon now. Like, it's chronological order, and this is just a different way of telling that story. So, I don't. But, you know what's interesting is um, Captain America: The First Avenger was basically the whole movie was flashback. Um, and I'm not, not that I'm saying that they're going to do that here exactly, but in in the First Avengers, you guys remember, you know, it starts with them finding Cap in the ice, and then um, we flash back to how he became Captain America and how, you know, the whole story there and then how he puts the plane in the, in the water. And then we come forward again in the future with him waking up. I, I Um, I think that this is going to be more, I see what you're saying, but I think that this is going to be more like the first Deadpool movie where it's like, I know that sounds weird, but mm -hmm. like in the first Deadpool movie, it starts off with like him in the middle of the action and we get, right. And then, and then from there it's like, he's like saying, well, how did we get here? Blah blah blah, and then yeah. and then and then we see like the story of like you know how he met her and all uh, this this romance, and then they get right back into the action again. Yeah, right? yeah, I I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Like that, I I feel like if we if you do it that way, you start out with a big star battle like in Star Wars, mm-hmm. then you somehow transition into the flashback, tell her story. It's where we see McKenna Grace and and etc. Mm-hmm. And then we jump right back into the action. I okay that. Like makes sense. To maybe me. they'll that do it. Makes total sense. Maybe to they'll me. do it like a like a 1960s sitcom where she's like, "I remember when I first became Captain Marvel," and you hear like a harp playing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or or we get the you know uh, record scratch. Yep, yeah, that's me. Bet you're wondering how I got here. <laughs> no, she's gonna do the Zach Morris timeout. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! Could we see her with a giant cell phone? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. It's the '90s. Might as well. Guess where I'm calling you from? She's got the she's got My the giant brick of a cell phone. She's got the uh, the nine inch nails T-shirt when we yeah, see that's her. That's true. I think, uh, and I saw like another like one of the earliest photos that they released was her in a Guns N' Roses T-shirt, and that was that was probably a year ago when they were filming. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably hopefully we'll get to hear some '90s music in this too. I think that'd be kind of kind of cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, the article goes on to say, but before long, Carol finds herself back on Earth with new questions about her past. And she's got a formidable enemy in the form of the Skrulls, the notorious Marvel baddies made all the more dangerous by their shape-shifting abilities. Ben Mendelsohn plays their leader, Talos, who spearheads a Skrull invasion of Earth. So I'm going to break away from the article here for a moment to comment on that last bit of the article that talks about Talos and his scroll invasion of Earth, this sounds like it could all tie into like the next big event for Marvel, 
which could be secret invasion. Like we could be moving away from Infinity War once this is all said and done. We already know that they were going to have a focus on the cosmic. The next big event could be secret invasion. That, and that was that was the big event that was uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah, I think that would be actually pretty cool. You know, I think that it's time to break away a little bit. And I think that this might be the movie that's the game changer from not having an origin story yeah. to maybe doing something like a narrative, you know, like like you were saying, this is how I got here. Let me go back. Let me take you back kind of thing. You know, they're we, just yeah. they're building a different movie. They're taking maybe more of a kind of like a Guardians, the first Guardians mm-hmm. approach and just doing something completely different and bringing in more audience and taking it to you know the next level where you're just you're abandoning the Infinity War and. This this could be really really fucking good, man. We're I'm, gonna I'm super find out. Like, it. okay, let's. Uh, we're gonna find out. Like, basically, like this secret invasion of scrolls coming to Earth. Here we are, like you know, twenty five, thirty years later after this invasion, and we're finding out that the scrolls have been secretly replacing superheroes in the Marvel universe with imposters. And so, like, you know, when Secret Invasion was a big thing in the comics, like, the tagline for the whole event was, who do you trust? So we might find out, like, some of these characters that we've been watching in these movies this whole time have been secret scrolls. Nick Fury. That's kind of an amazing theory, dude. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, with the, with the introduction of the scrolls, We've got to ask ourselves these questions. Like the Nick Fury that we have now is is that Nick is that really Nick Fury or is that a scroll? Is is Maria Hill a scroll? Like who who's real and who's not? And um I think that's oh my gosh, if that's the next big event is Secret Invasion and we find out that some of these characters that we've been following are not actually like the heroes that we've been led to believe that they are, that these are actually like uh, super scrolls. Oh my God. Like people, you think about the theorizing that we've had going on with Infinity War. Can you imagine the theorizing that's going to go on with Secret Invasion? Oh, yeah. <laughs> hours and I have hours. A, I have hours. a hard enough time keeping up with what the fuck Loki's doing, let alone a bunch of shape shifting aliens. And we're going to talk about Loki later. Loki confuses the fuck out of me. I don't know what's going on with that guy. <laughs> I got to I got I can't wait to talk about him. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, yeah, uh in the comics like the scrolls Bendis basically had it come out that the scrolls believe that the earth is religiously and rightfully theirs. Like the the earth is theirs. And so they want to dominate the earth. It's it's theirs. They, that they feel like it's their place to to basically rule the earth, and then um, in the comics, the uh, the Baxter Building is sent to the negative zone, and uh, I know that we that Marvel doesn't have the rights to to Fox, but like uh, stuff right now, they're gonna get it, but like right now they don't. But like, I wonder if they're gonna use like this scroll event to even explain like where the fantastic four have been that that would be a really 
organic way to to answer that question because that's what everybody's asking. Well, if, if the steel goes through, blah blah blah, and mm-hmm. they and they reintroduce or they want to introduce the Fantastic Four, then it becomes well, where have they been all this time? This is a really organic way to answer that question. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, again, game changer, possible game changer. Yeah. It's, it's- it may be just amazing. I really hope it is, but I think this opens up so many new, you know, levels of what the MCU can do, and it's the right time. I think that they per- they picked the perfect person to do this. I think the cast is amazing. I am a little skeptical, you know, of some of it, uh, particularly the scrolls, but you know what? I'm all for it because what else? They're going to throw it at us either way, right? So we might as well embrace it and hope for the best, and hopefully that's the way it's going to go. Yeah, uh, you know, I talked about like. I think the scrolls, like the, just the the aesthetic of the scrolls, I'm not like 100 percent sold on, but it's not like an abomination. Like looking at like uh, Oscar Isaac as Apocalypse, you know, it's not that bad. And I still no, think like the portrayal of the scrolls could be incredible, and the super scrolls could look completely different than the scrolls that we saw in the Entertainment Weekly, you know, article. But. Um, I don't know. Uh, back to the article. Uh, speaking of Earth, Captain Marvel takes place in the mid-90s, long before Steve Rogers was defrosted or Tony Stark built his first suit. That allows the film to introduce a younger version of familiar Marvel faces like Jackson's Nick Fury, who still has, uh, who's still a two-eyed shield desk jockey, as well as let Carol carve out her own unique space in the MCU. Uh, this is not a superhero who's perfect, or otherworldly, or has some godlike connections, says Bowden, who's the MCU's first female director. But what makes her special is just how human she is. She's funny, but doesn't always tell good jokes, and she can be headstrong and reckless and doesn't always make the perfect decisions for herself. But at her core, she has so much heart and so much humanity and all of it, uh, all of it, in all of its messiness. Um, and I also kind of, uh, I think that's cool. I think that's awesome. Um, it, it, it doesn't, it just sounds like somebody that you can kind of relate to. Um, she's funny, but she doesn't always tell good jokes. I want, yeah, I want to hear tell some jokes that fall flat. That'd be kind of cool. Um, she's reckless. She's not perfect, but she tries to make good decisions. And, um, I like that. I want to see that in a hero, but I also, I wanted to talk about this. We kind of talked about Jude law. We don't know who Jude law is playing. We talked about how there was the speculation that he's going to be playing Marvell. And then Jude law came out after all the speculation saying like, Oh, he's playing Marvell. He said that like, I cannot confirm nor deny that I'm playing Marvell. And so then that kind of like threw a monkey wrench in everyone's theories on who he's going to play. And then he talked about his character who may or may not be Marvell with EW. And he said this, he is a, he is driven by a belief in the divine leadership of the Cree people. So he's almost a devout warrior, unquestioning, conservative, but inspirational. I don't know about you guys, but it doesn't sound like Marvel. Um, it actually sounds if you were to okay, if you were to read that description to me, I'd say that sounds like Ronan. 
and we've seen him next to Ronan mm-hmm. in, in some of the in some of the pictures from Entertainment Weekly. So it's like I feel like maybe like Ronan learns a lot of the way he thinks and a lot of his beliefs going forward. He actually learns them from Jude Law's character. This doesn't sound like Marvel. I'm not saying it's not Marvel. But with this not being like, I don't know, it, is Jude Law Marvel? <laughs> I mean, that's the question here. Is it Marvel? I mean, traditionally, they're pretty respectful to the characters for the most part. So, you know, I, I, obviously he's trying to do this just to keep everyone off of the, the scent. But it seems to me like it's sh- like it probably is going to be. I mean, it's it's definitely obviously not Ronan. So I really don't know who else it could be. But I think he's just trying to like throw out little little curveballs just to keep you guessing for the you know the the next few months. But um, I have a feeling it is going to be Marvel. It could be that that could be the thing here. here. Here's the thing. This is what I'm thinking now. So we've got uh, we've got Marvel at the beginning of this, played by Jude Law, and he's like. Uh, He's, he is this devout warrior, and he's all about um, the Cree and doing the best for the Cree. And then he forms a relationship with Brie Larson's Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, and then starts to change his ways. But it's too late. He's already influenced Ronan to the point where Ronan has now taken over that mantle and become like the kind of like... Uh, um, devout warrior who is who, who's willing to willing to do anything for the betterment of the Cree, whether it, whether it's genocide, you know what I mean, killing yeah. everyone. So maybe we'll see like uh, Jude Law as Marvel have a change of heart here. Mm, interesting, but still pass on his power. See, that's what I'm not. That's what I'm kind of like because because Marvel was the original Captain Marvel and then passed his powers mm. on to. Onto Captain Mar, and by the time this starts, Carol's already got her powers. I don't know. This is just all kind of confusing, <laughs> confusing to me. I mean, it's. I mean, I'm sure it's it's meant to. I'm sure you know they they. It's meant to keep us all guessing. They don't want to come right out and say, Jude Law is Marvel and she's going to get her powers from him and and blah blah blah. Like, I'm sure it's meant to just keep us all. Guessing and in the dark and some kooky twist in the yeah, movie. But see, and she starts that. when she starts the movie. She's going to be a part of Star Force. I know it just it doesn't make a lot of sense the way it's all written. I agree with you. I I'm just saying maybe Marvel is just trying to keep us all in the dark as they often do, just yeah. to have whatever their big surprises be a surprise. But I do think that Ben Mendelsohn is going to be the main villain of this film, and they're setting up. Part of me thinks that they're. I was thinking. Okay, like before we started talking, I was thinking like, okay, Ben Mendelsohn's going to be Talos. He's going to be the main scroll villain of this film. And they're going to set up Jude Law to be this villain going forward in future movies. Kind of like what Doctor Strange did with Baron Mordo. Like we got, Mm -hmm. you know, we got that, uh, you know, uh, Mads Mikkelsen uh, as the villain in the first Doctor Strange movie. And they're kind of setting up Baron Mordo to be like, you know, the villain going forward. And I was like... Okay, that's what they're doing here. Okay, Ben Mendelsohn as Talos is going to be our scroll villain in the film. He's going to be the guy that they have to take down. And then, you know, like at, by the end of this movie, like we're going to see we're going to see Jude Law, whoever he's playing, kind of like 
split with Ronan the Accuser and break up Star Force and go off and be a villain in, in, in a future Captain Marvel film. Because at the beginning of this movie, like, we're going to have Star Force, and Star Force is Jude Law, his character. Brie Larson's going to be Captain Marvel. Lee Pace is Ronan the Accuser, is going to be part of Star Force. Jaiman Hansu is Koretha Prasura, is going to be part of Star Force. And then Gemma Chan, she's playing Minerva, who's a Kree geneticist. And, and, uh, she's going to be a part of Star Force. And so, and then Algenis Perez Soto is going to be playing Captain Atlas in the film, who's also a part of the Star Force team. And so, like, when, when we start the movie, she's going to be part of Star Force. Yeah. And she's got her powers. And, like, if Jude Law's Marvel, where the fuck did she get her powers from? Yeah. <laughs> I, guess, I mean, un- I guess unless I they're going to do something completely, completely and give her a different origin, would they do that? I, I can't see them deviating that much from the character. Let me ask you something. Yeah. Do you think, in spite of everything that we've just been talking about, that it, there's a possibility that they could just completely be bullshitting everyone to keep them off of the true story scent. Or do you think that's just not Marvel's way? I don't think that they're above keeping us in the dark about things or changing storylines from comics. I mean, we, the whole Age of Ultron was completely different from the actual Age of Ultron comic, which had nothing sure. to do with anything that we saw in that movie. And then also, like, the whole origin of Ultron itself was completely changed. I just think that that we shouldn't rule out the fact that maybe they're just doing this to keep us from guessing. Or, you know, let let the fun begin. Let everyone guess. Everyone get a theory. And then they give us what we've been wanting in the first place. They actually do give, you know, and again, I'm not trying to act like I switched gears right there. I do like a good origin story. But I do like this whole game changer aspect that I was talking about where it is something different, a narrative, something flashbacks. But I just kind of like the the fun of guessing. And it makes me wonder if Marvel is just doing this just for that, just to build up interest in this and, and, you know, uh, veer away from stories that exist and allow us to create these new things in our heads. And then, you know, just to get paid off in the end. I'm trying to remember. And, yeah, here's the thing. It's like I think – Carol Danvers, she, it's not, okay, she doesn't, she becomes Captain Marvel after Marvel dies. Right. Okay. So, yeah, they, they can do this. This is no, I don't know. I don't know how she's going to get her powers in the movie, whether gonna it's going to be maybe, <sighs> Gemma Chan's character of Minerva, who's the, this Cree geneticist, like, if she, okay, so maybe she's involved in an explosion, like, just like, like in the comic books, and then, and then the Cree do work on her and she gets her powers that way. I have no, I have, I really don't know how she's, how they're gonna, how they're gonna do this in the movie. I have no fucking clue. 
I, yeah. <laughs> I There's a lot. Well, it's either at this point, it's either that they've changed her origin completely. Yeah. And there is no Marvell, or they're just this is complete misdirection, as Dan is saying. And they're just saying they're just saying all kinds of stuff to throw people off the scent. I, I don't know. It's maybe as we get closer, uh, things will come out that'll make more sense, but it's a little bit up in the air here about what her origin will be. Yeah. I think I'm, I think I'm, I don't know. I think I'm racking my brain a little bit too much about it when it's probably going to be a lot simpler than what I'm actually thinking. So we'll see. I don't know. I don't want to spend too much time on it. Um, Let's see here. I also wanted to talk about, oh yeah, there's one more member. There's, uh, we got Bronchar is going to be a member of Star Force. And that's played by Rune Tempty. And all I know about Bronchar is he's a Kree soldier and the member of the Lunatic Legion who wants revenge on humans for the Kree Empire's defeat and the death of the Supreme Intelligence during the Kree Shi'ar War. And I think, I, I think, I think I think I searched that out on like Marvel Wiki. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I don't that know. sounds like a Marvel Wiki answer of who he yeah. is. <laughs> um, let's see here. Yeah, uh, Brie Larson told Entertainment Weekly, and this had me really kind of like feeling positive about the film. She talks about like what makes this movie unique and different from other MCU films, and her quote was. That is something that is really exciting to me about this film. We did not cut corners on that stuff. Like when it's funny, it is funny, but also when there's a deep emotion, when there's deep emotional things happening, it's real. So I was able to bring some of those same things that I've brought to full dramatic roles into this, which I'm really proud of because I think it will really set this film apart. So yeah, some of that's just like actor talk, but part of it for me that is exciting is just like, Brie Larson is a really great dramatic actor. And so I think she really can do that. And I love that in some of these MCU films, like when things are really funny, but then it can go to dramatic, like spoilers for infinity war. Like one minute you're laughing at like what rocket and Groot are doing the next year crying because like Groot is turning into ash right before rocket's eyes. So, I mean, that's the shit that works. And that's kind of stuff that Brie Larson is going to be able to pull off because she is a dramatic actress and she won a fucking Academy Award. So um, Entertainment Weekly also spoke with Kevin Feige about Captain Marvel. And apparently she's going to be a big deal in Avengers 4. He said this to Entertainment Weekly. She is more powerful than any character we've introduced thus far. So that alone tells you that there's a reason Nick hit that button at the end of Infinity War. When he realized that they were up against something far bigger than they had ever been up against before and having her on your side is hopefully going to change the balance of power in a way that they desperately need. So yeah, uh, it sounds like she's definitely going to be a big part of Avengers 4, whatever the title of that movie is going to be. Awesome. Basically saying she can turn the tide possibly. I mean, it sounds like, I think, um, Kevin Feige has said that, I think, and you just mentioned it too, that she's the most powerful, uh, she's the most powerful character in, in the MCU. So, I mean, yeah, for sure. They're, they're going to need her if they're going to go up against Thanos again in, in four, which obviously they will. But, um, I, I think 
I really love the idea of us getting her origin-ish story here. And then when we see her in Avengers 4, we know what she's capable of. And it'll be fun to see the other characters who have never seen her get to see what her power set is. And then see how she can help them take on Thanos. Mm-hmm. I'm really hoping that they do a nice, like captain entrance you know what i mean or, or a thor entrance like infinity war for her i think that it needs to be something really powerful just to shake things up and get everyone excited for the movie that's coming out i could totally see him doing it but i hope they do it with that kind of intensity that he did for infinity war it'd be kind of mm-hmm. cool to just see her like kind of like show up and start fighting alongside them and they're like we don't know who she is but my god she's kicking some ass yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> who cares who she is? She's helping us. Let's just keep going. Right, right. And uh, I'm dying to see, I, I am kind of dying to see her kind of like uh, next to the Hulk. I kind of like want to see her arm wrestle the Hulk. Oh, that would be so much fun to see. Because in the, in, in the MCU, she's more powerful than anybody that we've seen before. Um, in the comics, I think the Hulk is stronger so in the MCU, I want to see her. I want to see the. I want to see it happen. I want to see them arm wrestle. Like even if it's in a post credit scene, it would just be so much fun. <laughs> It'd be fun. That would make a fantastic end credit scene. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it would be so much. It'd be as fun as the shawarma scene. You know what I mean? Totally. Oh, that'd be great. Um, yeah. So a lot of great news coming out from. Um, <laughs> from from uh Captain Marvel. I know a lot of people were a little pissy that we didn't get a trailer, but like this is just how it's always been done. We've always gotten the pictures from Entertainment Weekly first and then we get a trailer later. So I don't understand the confusion, but whatever. Um I love the pictures. I thought they were fantastic. Uh we're looking at probably I would say when do you think we're gonna get our first trailer? So we're looking at March two thousand nineteen when this movie comes out. I would it's gotta say, be at Christmas time, right? I would say probably. It's gonna be before Christmas, I, I think. Oh, definitely six months before is when we should first at least get our first teaser. I would say by the end of this month or early October. Wouldn't you? Yeah, that, I mean that makes sense. I mean we are six months out now. Yeah. So I mean we're getting the EW pictures, so that I mean that that makes sense for six months out. Um, yeah, I mean yeah. It, end of this month would be great i'm i'm so anxious to see a trailer for this movie um i mean yeah i i i would say sooner rather than later i don't think we'll see our first one by christmas i think it'll be sooner than that yeah well let's look at it this way what's coming out that's going to be big enough to have that trailer in front of it Mm. Mm, i mean i don't know when it comes I see your. I I understand why you're asking the, this this uh, question, Dan. But I feel like with Marvel, they could kind of just they could drop this as like a special trailer uh, online, which they've done before, or they could they could even release something at New York Comic Con, which is coming up early next month. Um, although I don't know if Marvel's really going to be there. They're just or doing do their, too much there. They're doing their TV stuff there. Yeah, yeah. So maybe not at 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 New York Comic Con. I don't know. I I see Marvel kind of. They're such a big juggernaut at this point that they could kind of just say, "We're releasing a trailer, you know, tomorrow at one o'clock Eastern time," and and boom, and and they'll just like release it, and then it'll be, 
uh, and it'll be everywhere. And I think people will watch it. I think it'll yeah. get you know millions and maybe even a billion downloads, et cetera. You know, I mean, it's it, people will watch it because it's Marvel. When did we get character. that? See, I'm trying to think. Like, it's it's always a Sony when they do their Spider-Man stuff. They always release like a, the first like teaser trailer like six months before the movie comes out. Is Marvel the same? I'm trying to remember if Marvel's the same way or if they do it like in four months. I'm trying to remember when we first got that first Avengers Infinity War trailer. I feel like it was more like six months. I I don't think it was that close to the movie. Yeah, you make an excellent point though, Rebecca. Like they really, it's Marvel. They could drop it in in like in the middle of reruns from Dukes of Hazard, and people are going to watch the show. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like they, if they announce that they're going to drop a trailer and it's going to be available, you know, uh, on whatever website or it's going to appear. A TV spot, whatever they, I think in the past, Marvel has done that kind of thing where they'll drop a trailer online and then it'll be everywhere. And then, and then once that happens, it'll attach, it'll get attached to movies and stuff that are, that are out. And yeah. like, as far as like big movies that are coming out, I mean, as far as like blockbusters, I mean, I guess, I, I mean, Aquaman in December, but I, I don't think Marvel's going to wait till December to start releasing a trailer for, Captain Marvel in the theater. I they think could, we'll see one before. They could also do like the whole Jimmy Kimmel thing where, you know, Oh, that's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. They, they've done that before too. Yeah. They can do that on, I think they did that with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could do that with, uh, on Jimmy Kimmel. Absolutely. Yeah. Here's another way of looking at it. What, not, not to throw things back, but what trailer have we been seeing nonstop? We just talked about it, right? It's going to be, do you think it could be stars born? Oh, maybe. I mean, it's not the same demographic, obviously, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just old school and, and, you know, I know what you're saying, how they drop them online now. They pretty much put them wherever they want. But I'm old school that way. And I do remember going to see this big movie. Yeah, I would just just say, like, if they're going to do anything, it and I don't know, Venom, possibly. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's a good one, too. Oh, that's true. I forgot about Venom. Yeah, Venom would make sense. That would make the most sense, actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you're there, if you if you're there to see Venom, you're probably a fan of comics, so you'll you'll be have this movie on your radar. Uh, let's see here, I, Avengers Four rumor that came. It, it I saw it on Screen Rant, but it it came from Project Casting, and according to Project Casting, Avengers Four put out two new casting calls that may indicate Spider Man will not only head to Wakanda, he'll meet the Dora Milaje. The, the project using the Avengers 4 working title Mary Lou calls for athletic African-American women with shaved heads, which is almost certainly for extras that will be part of the <laughs> right. Dora Milaje. Yeah, duh. Yeah. <laughs> um, the all-female special forces team who serve as bodyguards for the royal family of Wakanda. The second call is for a stand-in. For a five four five foot four five foot five Caucasian male, aged eighteen to forty, who must be one hundred and twenty five to one hundred and forty five pounds only, it's unclear if these calls are for the same scene as the women with shaped heads are needed for September eleventh. But when the stand-in is needed, isn't specified. So basically, the whole rumor here is that. Um, they say if we put all this information together along with the reports that Avengers 4 reshoots are adding more Wakanda, it would indicate Spider-Man will be heading to the African nation. So they're also saying that, yeah, we might get scenes of uh, Peter Parker meeting Shuri. Um, Letitia Wright revealed she filmed with Chris Pratt, who plays Star-Lord. 
And it would seem like uh, in Infinity War Avengers 4, we will see heroes using Wakanda as a new home base of operations. I've also heard that Mantis Denai Guerrara, who plays Okoye, and another actress filmed a scene together. And that, that, that rumor came from Palm Clementif, who plays Mantis, and she was talking about, and Okoye, we know she, she turned into dust at the end of the movie. Right? No, no, she didn't. Did yeah. she? Yeah, she did. It was, uh, it was, uh, she's looking at, uh, she's looking at Black Panther. No, Black Panther goes to like grab her hand, right? And then and he he turns he into turns dust. to dust. I don't think she does. Okoye didn't turn into the. Oh, I'm she's left sure there. She didn't. She's left there. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, she's she, she's left there. Everybody turned into dust. I don't know. My I, <laughs> it's hard to keep track. It's hard to keep track. <laughs> it's okay. Don't feel bad. I need to get on the website and find out who survived the snap. You know, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, Okoye. Okay, she's so. But Palm Clemente, she she she's fucking dead. Yeah, she she yeah. Uh, dissolved. Yeah, but apparently she all was, the guardians yeah. except Rocket, I believe. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which like uh, which makes that 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 scene with Thor, where Thor is talking to to Rocket, and uh, Rocket says he's got a lot to lose. Mm-hmm. You know, Thor's yeah. talking about how he doesn't have anything to lose anymore because like everything he knows is gone, pretty much. And then Rocket says he has a lot to lose, and it's like by the end of the movie, like everybody that Rocket loves, it's gone. He's gone. lost everything. Yeah, he oh, really has. Yeah, oh, that killed me. Oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah, apparently I think like, we're going to get a lot of Thor time with him. A lot of Thor time and Groot. Now Groot's gone. Everybody's gone. Yeah, everybody's yeah. gone. Yeah, yeah. Thor and Thor and Rocket together. That's good. I like that. Yeah, because they spent a lot of time together out there in space and shit. So, oh man, I can't wait for the next movie. I can't wait. I cannot wait to sit down and watch Avengers 4. I don't even know the fucking title. It doesn't even matter. They can call it Avengers 4 blah, 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 and I would go and watch it. I would go and watch it in IMAX a hundred times. We're (laughs) sitting here just speculating so much, and I'm so excited about this movie. I have no fucking clue what's going to happen, but I'm so down for it. Avengers 4 could insult my mother. Like, the title could be... (laughs) The title could be Avengers 4, Brian Mo- Brian's mother is a cunt, and I would, I, I would gladly pay whatever price they wanted me to watch that movie. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. That movie could personally insult me on every level. Like, literally, like the whole, and like the credits could just be insulting me the entire time. Brian, you know, it, I don't know. <laughs> Best boy. Fuck Brian. Fuck Brian. Assistant director. Fuck, Fuck Brian. Brian. Brian's a piece of shit. Brian, you're never not to anything. Um, yeah, blah, blah, blah. All, I just, just, just really just hurt me on a, on a human level. And I would oh, still, I would still watch that movie and I would still watch the special features where they insult me more. I mean, it doesn't matter. So, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it looks like, like they were talking about reshoots. A lot of reshoots are going to show, show off Wakanda and, uh, Peter Parker in Wakanda. So, um, let's see here. There might be more proof of time travel in Avengers 4. A Reddit user, Superhero Nick, saw a picture of Zoe Saldana on Instagram from the filming of Avengers 4, and she's in the pic with Nebula. Anyway, 
she's wearing her costume from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 in this picture. Now, this doesn't necessarily confirm time travel. This could be a flashback scene, but it doesn't discount time travel either. So I thought that was interesting. I saw the picture, and if you compare her costume from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, it's definitely it definitely matches up. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and then finally, uh, before we talk about Iron Fist, I wanted to talk about uh, the Avengers Infinity War theory that I wanted to talk about that concerns Loki. And I heard the, you know, I've heard the, I've heard, I don't know if you guys have heard this one, but the, it's the one where, where Hulk is Loki. Yeah, have you heard I've that heard one? It. I don't like that one, but like. Me neither. <laughs> this theory from Reddit, I actually kind of like, and I find it interesting. I'm not saying I want it to be a hundred percent, but I kind of think it's, I, I think it sounds legit. Okay, I don't know how I feel on it and if it actually comes to fruition. It might be a lot of explaining to do if it is true. But the theory is uh, from this Redditor is Loki is right-handed. If you look in the movies since Thor 1 to Avengers 1 to Ragnarok, he wields with his right hand. He holds weapons with his right and the scepter in Avengers with his right. There are two occasions he uses his left hand. One, when he fakes his own death in the dark world. You can find him holding the dagger with his left hand during the entire scene. And number two, when he stabs Thanos. So... Loki's illusion uses his left hand because he's a mirrored version. Hmm. That's the theory here. A mirrored version of Loki. You're looking at a mirror. Uh, one side of the mirror, the real side is the right where he uses his right hand. But if it's a mirrored version of Loki, that mirrored version of Loki would use his left hand. So the Loki that was killed in the beginning of Infinity War the theory is was an illusion, and the real Loki is still out there, maybe disguised or just in hiding. So another Redditor to play devil's advocate said uh, that uh, to this theory post on Reddit that Loki might have used his left hand because the children of Thanos were standing on his right. So Loki may have had the knife in his left hand to prevent the knife from being discovered. But if we're going to go with a theory like that, isn't it a little similar to like Skywalker and Last Jedi? Now, he was able to actually fight Kylo Ren and there was a physical presence there. Yeah. Well, you know, so but I'm thinking if he's Loki and he's using like a mirror image of himself, as you put it, mm -hmm. would there be substance there? Something for Thanos to pick up and, you know, spoilers, crush, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I thought the I, I thought the whole idea of when Loki like projects an image of himself is that it it's you can't hold on to it. Right, like you exactly. you go right through it like a hologram. Um Which I was thought, actually I, featured in Thor Ragnarok, he, right? Well it was it was also featured in the first Avengers movie when um Thor runs into the cage and, and it's 
thinking that he's like grabbing Loki and it's just an image of him. Um, I, I don't know. I just I feel like this is grasping at straws to make Loki still alive. And it's like I get that he's a popular character and a popular villain. I enjoy Loki as much as the next person, but yeah. I mean, isn't I, it time just to let him go? Sure. Like, <laughs> I, I think I honestly, I think it's, I, I think it's a, I think it's fans paying attention to detail though. And trying to, I don't know if it's like a desperate attempt to keep the character alive, but like it is kind of commendable for fans to pay this kind of like detail mm-hmm. to the character. Like, yeah, he's right-handed and everything else. And like, here he is using his left hand. And the only other time we've seen him use his left hand before was like when he fakes his death in the dark world. And then here he is using his left hand to stab Thanos in Infinity War. I, I like, so I, I, I personally think that the death mm-hmm. meant, meant a lot for it to be real when we saw it in Infinity War. I'm, I, I'm not trying to like say like, Oh, I hope this is true because I want, Tom Hiddleston to come back and play Loki some more. I felt like the death had a lot of weight when we saw it in the movie. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm not, me too. I'm not trying to take anything away from that, but I do think that this is some really, these are some eagle eyed fans that are noticing these things. Mm-hmm. E- very eagle, I commend them for it. it very eagle right. it, to, to pick this out, to like, to be able to watch these movies so many times to where like, oh, he, he's, he's a, he's a righty. He uses his right hand. The only two times that he's ever used his left hand in these films is like when he faked his death and here he is. He might be faking his death again and he's using his left hand to stab Thanos. I think it's, I think these are eagle eyed fans. I'm not saying like I agree that this theory is like a hundred percent solid, but I, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's cool. It's cool that it's even up for discussion that, that they've, that they've kind of pointed this out, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah, you're right. Fans will do anything to hold on to a character. They'll they'll make up the craziest things. Uh, perfect example would be at the end of Preacher. There's a character that you just don't expect to go and doesn't go in the comics. And they go and and myself included, I started immediately thinking because there is, you know, without getting into spoilers for Preacher, there is a, a clone aspect that wasn't in the comic. And uh, so when this person dies – Everyone started immediately thinking, you know, so-and-so clone. If you look on Twitter, you can find it very easily. But Mm -hmm. um, I'm not one to do that for people. Um, But I have a feeling I've had direct contact with – I almost said it – with the actor that dies. And uh, he's not giving me anything, but he's not saying he's not. You know, it's he's doing it very well. And I'm just constantly thinking that it's going to be like a clone. So I totally get that, that people are just holding on to it. They really want to see these people come back. And, yes, you come up with some very creative things when you're trying to hold on to something that you cherish, you know. But I'm with you. I think that they even said right at the beginning before it even came out that there are people that are going to die and aren't coming back. And I'm paraphrasing, of course. I don't really see Loki coming back, not to burst any bubbles, but, you know, hopefully I'm wrong. He's a great character, but I'm being a realist right now, and I don't think he's going to be one of the people that come back. Yeah, I I feel like I'm I'm with you, Dan. Like I feel like for the death to mean something, he has to stay dead. Like the whole point of watching him die was that this was like the last 
this was like the last piece of Thor's family that he had left. And it's gone now. Like, even though Loki wasn't, you know, quote unquote, his real brother, but they were raised as brothers and he loved him as a brother. And now he's gone. His father is gone. His mother is gone. Most of Asgard's gone. So it's like, this was like the last piece for Thor yeah. to then say, I, yeah, like yeah. for Thor to say, like, I, I have nothing left to lose. I feel like if you bring Loki back, like, surprise, bitches, I was around the whole time. <laughs> I just, I feel like that's just, I, that just diminishes the depth. I don't for know. Me, I, 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 I think yeah, it does. I see that. I, I, I do see that. I, I feel like, I feel like the way that they gave us the death, it, it had a lot of weight. I'm not going to say that it didn't, but he is the goddamn god of mischief. He is. Yes, he is. And he's been dead before. We know that or pretended to be. He's the god of mischief. And so if the god of mischief comes back in another movie, I don't think I'd be like, damn it. Well, shit. Part of, <laughs> I, I know. I, oh, yeah, I, I, I would probably be like, well, fuck, you got me again, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Fool me once. <laughs> Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me, Loki. Fool me five times, though. That's my limit, Loki. You fucking right-handed son of a bitch. <laughs> I, you know, like, I, I honestly, if he came back, if he came back in the right way, I probably would lose my shit in the theater Becca I probably would come on we're all for it we're all for it if it happens we're gonna be all for it if it happens it happens I just I mean people have been have been floating these rumors and and they're saying that he's really Bruce Banner and that's why he can't turn into the Hulk I hate that that's garbage I, I agree. I think that's total garbage. I think that's a stupid theory. I'm sorry everybody who feels that. I mean, but if Loki out of nowhere shows up and he, Loki is like, Loki, like, hold on. Like, imagine, like, they're, they're getting ready to fuck up Thanos and all of a sudden, like, one of these characters we think we've been following this whole time is like, oh, that Falcon over there. And then Falcon turns into Loki and stabs fucking Thanos in the head with a fucking, like, ice pick or some shit. Oh God! Like, <laughs> good for you, Loki. You know, um, I don't know. I would be. I part of me. I as much as like I can say like the Steve Trevor death in Wonder Woman. Like I feel like he should be dead, and that should be it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Loki. Though, if Loki comes back, for as much as I felt like that death did have a lot of weight to it. When we saw that death in um, in Infinity War, if Loki comes back, I won't be up in arms. I'll, I'll probably get up out of my seat and like lose my shit. <laughs> I'm with you, brother. I'm gonna be hooping and hollering if he comes back. Yeah. But I'm just trying to be a realist about it. We did hear a crack, sure, when Thanos lifted him up. You know what I mean? But sure. if, he com- if he comes back, game on. Yeah, I mean, who hasn't come back from a comic book death except for like fucking like you know. You know, Uncle Ben, right? Yeah, that guy stays <laughs> Uncle dead. Uncle Ben when got you, a bum deal. When you kill Uncle Ben, he stays dead. Him and the Waynes, they stay dead. <laughs> Uncle Ben and the Waynes stay dead, you know? So, yeah. like, even, you know, so, I don't know. It's, if, if Loki comes back, it, maybe he'll come back as Kid Loki for all we know. We don't know. <laughs> okay. I love Kid Loki. 
Or so. maybe he'll come back in that, uh, what is that thing where he was like a horse or something? There's like a whole, never mind, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> a horse, Loki? And it's a whole thing that's online. It's mostly fan fiction. <laughs> I don't know what you're reading, but that's... Never mind. Okay. <laughs> I have brought it up. All right. How do I feel this goes sexual at some point? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gosh. Hung like a horse there, Loki. <laughs> Learning a lot about Rebecca today. Yeah, I know. It's after dark, guys. You know, all, all right. kinds of things happen. Let's see sundowning right now. Let's talk about... <laughs> Not that old. <laughs> oh, did you say that the sun's going down? Are you trying to do like the whole... Sun's going down, big guy. Sun's going down. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's talk about Iron Fist Season 2. Um, we've got... Uh, Iron Fist Season 2 came out. We've got Danny um, still with uh, control of Rand Enterprises, and um, he's working for a – it's weird. He's working for a moving company, and uh, moving – he's like a – he, like, moves people's possessions. Like, he's like a you – know, like a just working a regular blue-collar job and trying to, like, live a normal life with Colleen here and – We've got like this whole, uh, new story where we've got rival gangs, the, the hatchets and the tigers, and they're battling for control over New York. And we've got Joy and Ward, and they're all back together again. They're all back in the story again. And, but, uh, I know a lot of people weren't a big fan of Iron Fist season one. I, I myself, I actually enjoyed it. Um, I gave the first season a high taste it. Um, I enjoyed it. I'm one of the very few people that enjoyed Iron Fist season one, and I have no shame in that. I, I, I did enjoy it. Um, but, uh, Rebecca, I know you've watched it all. Um, Dan, did you watch any of Iron Fist season two? I have not had a chance yet. I'm bumming out about that. So please, I want to, I want to sit back and hear what you guys have to say. Uh, Rebecca, I want to get your thoughts on Iron Fist season two. Like, what have you, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to get too deep into spoilers and everything. I'll yeah. talk about a little bit, like, but uh, I just kind of like want to get your overall thoughts on like uh, Iron Fist season two. I know you finished it as well. Yeah, I did. Um, and and as you said, I I also enjoyed season one. I'm you and I are I know in the minority on that, but I also enjoyed season one a whole lot. I liked all the family dynamics in that. So going into season two, um, I had I I didn't know what to expect, but um. I loved season two a whole lot. Uh, the fight choreography is way better. Uh, I mean, it's like a huge improvement from season one. Um, Danny is not super whiny, which I love. He was very whiny in Defenders. Um, I They did a lot with Colleen, which I, I mean, she's incredible. Uh, she was great in season one, but I think they gave her – even more to do here, which I, I love. Um, I, I don't know. I, I liked the introduction of the, of the new character, Mary. Uh, I liked her, her story arc. Um, I thought Davos was great. Um, Ward to me, this season was a little, I didn't know why he was even in this season. A oh, little bit. stop it. I love Ward. Get no, the no, fuck no, don't, out don't, of here. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> like I, I, he was fine, but I just – I don't know what he contributed to the overall story of Iron Fist other than watching him go through his own 
road to recovery. Oh, I love seeing him and Danny when they were just back in the apartment and just talking and hanging out and having taster choice moments. No, no, that no, I I will agree with you that that was a (laughs) taster's choice. I do, I did enjoy that episode. I liked those scenes. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of Ward that I was just like. Why are you in this season? I, I, I. The, thou shalt not speak ill of my ward. Oh, I I'm love. I'm so him. sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't know he was your boyfriend. I, I apologize. Oh, he is. <laughs> Me and Ward. Oh my God. I love Ward. Ward is, Ward and, uh, Mary are my two favorite characters in this whole I, series. I loved Mary. I thought the actress who plays her, what's her name? Alice, Alice Eve. Eve. Yeah, Alice Eve. And, Incredible performance um, because the first couple episodes, I, I was just like, what the fuck is up with this character? She is out there. And then, you know, when they reveal stuff about her and mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, OK. And then I felt like in the last episode, especially mm-hmm. um, there was another little bombshell she dropped. And I was yeah. like, oh, shit. Oh, I you better be in season three. Like, I, I just yeah. Yeah. I thought uh I did think that the 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 gang of the Chinese boys, um, I think they were, were, were they the hatchets? They were, or they they were the boys uh, that the, their leader was like BB. No, um, no, the, the leader was Rhino and BB. Rhino, I'm yeah. sorry, yeah, you're right, you're right. BB was like the kid that Colleen befriended. Right. Um, I thought their dialogue was really cheesy in parts. I, yeah. I, I thought like they were meant to be scary to me and I just ended up laughing at what they were saying and how they were interacting with each other. Like, yo, gangsta, I'm a cap, I'm a, I'm a bust a cap in your ass. And I was just like, that's hilarious. You're adorable. Like it just, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't have the effect on me that I think it was supposed to. Um, but like other than that, like maybe little nitpicks and stuff, I, Overall, I thought this was great. And the fact that it was 10 episodes, oh, wonderful. I, th- 13 would have been too much. I, I, 10 was great. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I, I enjoyed season one. I absolutely loved season two. I, I loved it. I, I, uh, <laughs> the, the whole, I, I love Ward. I, Ward going to AA and trying to get everything kind of like straightened out there. I really enjoyed that kind of story because like, you know, I was really invested in that character in season one and here he is trying to like get himself together and everything. And I understand like m- maybe you feel like they didn't really have a lot to kind of like do with him, but I felt like season one they gave a lot to, they got, they, season one they gave a lot to Ward, and this season was right. more of kind of like Joy season, so yeah, it was like absolutely. the bookends for the different kind of like siblings, but I love Ward, I, and that actor I think is just absolutely amazing, and I did enjoy seeing some of the scenes that he had with Mary later on in these episodes, I thought that that was really cool. Um, Alice Eve, in my opinion, uh, kind of like steals this whole fucking season for me. I thought she was just so good. Um as Typhoid Mary. She's just incredible. I, I loved her performance in this. Like, it's, it's on the level of like sh- McAvoy and Split. You know what I mean? Mm, I gotcha. You know, I think like she's, <laughs> I think she's really good. I think she's really good. Um, and then, uh, trying to think here, uh, cause I don't want to spoil too much cause it just came out. Um, yeah. but, <sighs> 
I loved the team up of Joy and Davos. And I think Davos. Oh yeah, they were great. I think Davos is a third best villain right behind, you know, of course, Kingpin and then Purple Man. And then I say Davos is number mm-hmm. three. I think Davos was really hinged this season. I think the season got really fucking dark. I think like once you get into like episode four, the season really starts to go really dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, Davos does some really horrific things and in this season. And I'm talking like bloody and mm-hmm. like murderous so well i think i think he really proves the point that every villain sees himself as the hero of his own story and i mean if anybody sees himself as a hero it's davos in his mind he is like he he's he's the hero of of the world i mean if in his mind he's gonna clean up you know, and, and, and corruption and do all these amazing things. He doesn't understand that what he's doing is wrong the way that he's doing it. So yeah, you're right. Like he does some terrible things, but in his mind, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I, uh, God, he was, I, I liked all the flashback stuff. Um, oh, to, I to loved Kanlun. it. I loved it. I love that stuff. We never, we definitely need that. And I hope the third season they will actually break the bank and spend the budget. And I want to see the fight with Danny and the dragon. Can we yes. fucking get that, please? I, I'm dying to see that. I know that it's not going to look like smog in fucking the Hobbit movies, but give me the fight between Danny and the dragon. All right, Netflix, break the bank. Let's do this. So, um,. Also, I can't believe, what did you think about the choice? I'm not going to spoil it, but what did you think about the choice that they made with Colleen? Uh, I loved it personally. It's not, I'm just going to throw this out there. Yeah. It's, this is not comic canon. I didn't think it was. I, I, I didn't think it was. This never happened in the comics. So like what they did never happened in the comics. So like this is a completely new thing that they're doing here. Right. But I I had a feeling, but I think it speaks to her redemption story that started in season 1 and continues here. I think in her mind she has a lot to make up for um when she was working with the hand in season 1 and I feel like now she's been on this I have to make things right thing. And I feel like the way that it went down is part of her way of trying to, to do that. Yeah. But like, here's the thing. Like I, I love the way everything kind of like worked out this season, but part of me that the part of me that the part, okay. The part that kind of bothers me is the fact that, that, um, the Iron Fist is not – it felt like it's not something that calls upon – I don't know. This is so weird because I don't want to get into spoiling it. Um, and it's so hard for us to talk about this yeah, without spoiling it. But yeah. I feel like there was enough – I feel like there was enough justification Yeah, I understand for the that. way it went down. They threw <laughs> in like this whole side story and legend. Right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get that, but 
it kind of takes away from the dragon itself and the the ritual and the ceremony. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, you know, I totally, yeah. I totally understand what you're saying. Did they? And I'm, I'm totally blanking if this was a comic thing or if this was, if this was um, a, a show thing. Yeah, I think it might be a comic thing that it was established that the monks were. The monks were um, – they were choosing who was going to be Iron Fist. Like they were not letting it be a real battle between the person and the dragon. Like they were rigging it. I think this was a comic storyline. Um, and so because of that, the whole idea of all the Iron Fist that had been chosen, it was like, well, who really chose them? I mean mm-hmm. if the monks are setting this all up – then um, can we really trust anybody who was quote unquote chosen or bested Shao Lao? So it's like, I feel like kind of that, oh, I don't want to spoil anything, but I feel yeah, like that kind yeah. of like plays into that here. And oh God, people who have seen it will know what we're talking about, but otherwise people are just like, they're insane. What are they saying? Yeah. If you've seen it, you kind of know what we're talking yeah. about. You know why we're struggling to talk about it. If you haven't, then watch it because I'm going to give yeah. this, I'm going to give this season a fucking Tupperware. And I, I don't really, honestly, I really, it's subjective. It's my opinion. I don't give a shit what you think. I loved it. <laughs> I, I had a great time with Iron Fist season two. I, 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 from beginning to end, I couldn't stop watching. I watched, uh, the first episode on, uh, Friday after I got home from work. And then Saturday, I found out that I didn't have to work on Saturday. So I'm like, okay, here we go. Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. And then it was just like Iron Fist uh, episode two, three, four, five, six, seven. I couldn't stop watching. I couldn't stop watching until I finished it. I'm, and, um, I'm with you. I, I also Tupperware this. I thought it was absolutely amazing. Um, I, I really enjoyed, uh, Colleen and Misty Knight in this. I really, I had a friend who said that she did not care for how much there was of her and Misty Knight without Danny, but I actually really liked it a whole lot. I thought, you know, I don't know. Simone Mystic is just such a great actor and I loved her scenes with, um, um, the actress who plays, um, Colleen Wing. I, I, I enjoyed that. I, my favorite part of the season was actually, uh, Alice Eve as Mary and of course my boy Ward. I love Ward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love, I love my tragic fucked up Ward. The guy just can't get shit together. And I want him to. I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for Ward to get his shit together. But he keeps fucking shit up. He keeps fucking shit up. And so, yeah. Uh, one thing about Ward this season is, uh, he's an AA and he's trying to, trying to get his life back together. But how can you get your life back together when you go into AA when you're fucking your sponsor? Yeah, the, I know. In, that was so messed up. Yeah. When they, I mean, yeah, this, I mean, Ward is a total train wreck. I mean, he really is. And, yeah. and I can't, I can't blame him because he had a lot of shit go against him in God, his life. His we father. In season one. His father's such a dick. I, I'm just fascinated by this, this character. Yeah. I, I love Ward. I just, I, I'm rooting for Ward, but like part of me also kind of like roots 
for him when like bad things are happening to him because <laughs> hold on so okay here's the thing it's like like what we love about these characters is the tragic things that happens to him like i that's what i love about ward it's like all yeah. these tragic things happen to him even though he's like rich and was born with a silver spoon in his fucking mouth but like i don't want to see ward get all of his shit together then he wouldn't be ward i like fucked up <laughs> it makes the character that much more interesting so yeah i don't know i i i yeah I, and then alice eve as mary was just like oh my gosh what a great addition i hope oh, she shows up she's... in like the daredevil season three. Oh my gosh there was a little teaser at the end of the last episode yeah. after the credits there was a little teaser for daredevil season three mm-hmm. really short like a minute minute and a half kind of a thing yeah um which I'm really excited for. Um, yeah, I, I, dude, I, I really loved this season, and I've heard, I've heard mixed reviews. I've heard people saying that they didn't care for it yeah. or they didn't like the ending, and uh, and, and that's, yeah. yeah, that's, I understand, you know, it's everything's subjective, but I thought that this was a standout season. For some of the side, and, and not to take anything away from Finn Jones, who plays Danny Rand, I thought he did a great job playing Danny Rand in this in this season. I thought this was some of the best Danny Rand we've ever had in in the in the Netflix series. But I felt like this was also chances for the the side characters to have their moments and shine as well. And I thought that they really rose to the occasion and. Um, I I don't I just loved it. I I I watched it in 3 days and the only reason why I didn't finish it sooner was cuz I had I got busy yesterday but like otherwise I would have watched it all yesterday. Yeah, I love the side characters in this. I was so happy to see, you know, Ward and Joy again. I love them and Mary's a great addition. Um I think Danny, you know, Danny Rand, uh, Finn Jones, I think his character's best when him and Luke Cage are doing shit together. I love yeah. that team up of them in Luke Cage season two. And I felt like that's kind of like where we get like those quote unquote heroes for hire moments. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of like where he really shines. But like, I think the Iron Fist seasons are really all about kind of like, you know, yeah, he's a central focal point, but yeah, I'm, I'm here for, I'm here for the other things that are going on. I'm, I'm really here for like, I love the, you know, what's going on with Ward. I, I, Davos was really interesting to me. And then Mary was just kind of like that character. Oh my God. What a, what a crazy, crazy woman. Kind of hot yeah. though. Kind of, it's kind of hot though. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, no, she, I uh, like a, a little bit of crazy yeah. is a little bit of hot. No, a little bit of crazy is a lot of hot. She's just, a, yeah, that's true. And I, I, I it's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. A little crazy is a lot of hot. It's true. Yeah, she's a she's like an enigma wrapped up in a riddle, wrapped up I just I don't know. I don't even know. Yeah, but I Tupperware developed in a conundrum. Exactly. Yeah. A conundrum. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. I you know, I I understand people are not gonna everybody's gonna love uh uh Iron Fist season two, and that's fine. I loved it. Not gonna get in that argument with you. I loved it. I enjoyed the first season. So what the fuck do I know? Nobody liked that. So <laughs> anyway, let's. Uh, I tasted the first season, yeah. and you guys have sold me. I'm definitely watching. Probably like right after we're done, I'm gonna at least dude, take in three episodes. Dude, nice. that, uh, fucking episode ten. Like just like the last, 
fucking, I'd say like the last five minutes of episode 10, the final episode, mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. just like, holy shit, I can't wait. Yeah. To, I can't wait to see where this goes. Oh my God. It's oh my so God. True. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for season three of Iron Fist. <laughs> you have no idea. Um, DC News real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Batman, vagina, whatever. It's destroyed. Um, Cling on vagina. I I don't have a lot to say about DC News this week. There was not a lot that came out this week. Fandango has been adding Superman the movie, the 40th anniversary re-release to their website for November 25th. So um, Superman, 40 years. Uh, Fandango might – I think it might be a Fathom event. I'm not sure, but – uh, a lot of theaters are going to be having Superman the movie in theaters on November 25th, so mark that on your calendar. Um, I also found out James Wan is not directing the first episode of uh, Swamp Thing for the DC Universe streaming service. Len Wiseman is directing. So, Len Wiseman, he, his credits include Underworld, Underworld Evolution, the new Total Recall, one episode of Gifted, the X-Men show on Fox, one episode of Lucifer, one episode of Sleepy Hollow, Die Hard, Live Free or Die Hard, and also the upcoming McLean film, and he's also working on the new Sin City TV series. Not the best film track record in my opinion, and this is not good news in my opinion. I was really looking forward to, I know James Wan is the showrunner. I was really looking forward to James Wan directing the first episode and hopefully multiple episodes of the Swamp Thing series and Len Weissman. It's kind of a bummer. Like, uh, I was like super, I was talking to somebody about this, this series and I was like, Oh my God, James Wan, Swamp Thing. Oh, I'm so there, you know, and then to find out he's not directing yeah. the episode and it's like, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's, and I'm not a fan of Len Weissman. I'll be honest with you. It, Len Weissman doesn't get me excited. Live free or die hard. Like the, one of the worst fucking. Yeah. You know, exactly. And, and then, uh, what do the new total recall? Are you kidding me? I don't know. I, I'm just, I, you know, I, 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 and I can't say the shows that he's done gifted. I know there's fans out there. I know a lot of people enjoy the Lucifer TV series. I watched the first few episodes. It is a good show. Um, Sleepy Hollow loved the first season. I don't know which episodes he directed, but directing TV is completely completely different than directing a film um a lot of times when you jump into a television episode it's like they already kind of like know what they're doing they've been the director on a movie it's a completely different thing and his film record is garbage in my opinion so Mm -hmm. i don't know i'm not a big fan of that news uh here's good news for the swamp thing series and it comes from slash film uh this is yeah, the the news is that the creature itself, uh, James Wan and uh, Len Weissman talked about this, the creature itself, which he confirms is a physical costume and says, quote, it's going to look amazing and less of the man in suit that you've seen in the movie and the other TV show that suggests a, bland, a blend of practical and CG enhancement. So... 
Um, and then he also made it very clear that Swamp Thing is going to have a hard R rating. Quote, we always set out to make Swamp Thing as hard R as we could and go graphic with the violence with the adult themes and make it as scary as possible because we're doing it through the DC streaming service. They really pushed us, although they didn't have to push hard for us to go as extreme as we could. We really took our inspiration from Alan Moore, the Alan Moore run in Swamp Thing, this landmark, I think, run. Uh, fans of the series will know it gets pretty weird and extreme and scary. So basically, the, they're going to be using a lot of practical effects with a blend of CG, and then they're going to go for a hard R rating on this Swamp Thing series. I'm mm-hmm. through the roof. I love this. This is great. Oh, man, I love that so yeah. much. Absolutely. That was like the main reason I actually got DC Universe was just for Swamp Thing. I mean, I want to see everything else. Yeah, yeah. But I cannot wait to see this. And with a hard R, come yeah. on. Man. Yeah, that's exactly. Oh. Yeah, I, that's why I was kind of bummed when it was like not 100% James Wan here. He's going to have his influence, which is great. He's the showrunner, but he's not directing the first episode. But yeah, it's going to be hard R, practical and CG. That's great. It's not going to be 100% CG. There's nothing scary about CG. I, that's my, one of my biggest problems with like the new horror movies that are coming out. Like, I'm not scared by something that looks fake. Right. I've never been scared by things that look fake. You know, so, um, that's really promising. So yeah, I think Swamp Thing and Young Justice Outsiders are like my two most anticipated shows on the streaming service but yeah fucking a hard r they better not change this shit you know that's the fucking thing oh yeah venom it's gonna be a hard r you know and then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. now that now they're now they're kind of like saying yeah now now they're wavering on that thing well maybe it'll be pg-13 uh-huh well see that's the thing it's like oh yeah um how do we get tom hardy to do this project with us Oh, hey, Tom. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it hard R because we know that you're the kind of guy that is down for a hard R rating on a Venom movie. That's what's going to get you excited and get you onto the project. Okay, we've wrapped filming. Thanks, Tom. We've done reshoots. Thanks, Tom. Oh, yeah, now we're going to do PG-13. That's a good way to piss off Tom Hardy, too. Oh, absolutely. And Tom, that right it is. Yeah, it's like, why the fuck would Tom Hardy want to come back if you're going to, like, because Tom, that was like one of the big things that Tom was talking about like when this was announced. Like, oh, we're going to do this rated R. Like, he's the one, he's like the fucking carnival barker saying like, yeah, we're going to do this rated R. It's going to be fucking violent. And all of a sudden, like, now they're just going to, you know, pull back on it, make it PG-13. So yeah. They better, I, they better not that, do that. That's such bullshit. It is that's bullshit. That's such bullshit to, to promise us a, a hard R venom with Tom Hardy, who could absolutely deliver it, and then to go, well, maybe it'll be PG-13. Yeah. You bet it's going to piss off Tom Hardy. Yeah. I, I don't blame him. Well, don't fucking do that with this Swamp Thing. Is what I, is that, like That's my whole point here. Is- I don't think they will. I actually think that they're changing – they changed – Venom because it puts at more asses in the seat in the theater. But does you it? Know, you have the parents but that does are paying it? for but, their but, kids. But uh, I, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true to be yeah. honest with you yeah. because 
yeah, may okay, maybe it puts kids in that in that seat, but it it's not going to put the adult crowd. Well, it's not. In it's, that a, seat. it's not okay. Maybe you'll have a good opening weekend, but it's you're going to have a huge drop off the second weekend. Exactly. And, and you know what? I don't care. It's like Deadpool. Deadpool when that first came out, rated R. Logan when it first came out, rated R. Like that got asses in seats, and it had the repeat viewers. And you know what? There were plenty of fucking kids at my showing of Deadpool that probably oh. shouldn't have been there. Oh, you got a point, man. That's real. Mine sure. too. Mine. Too. There will always no, be kids Dan, who go to an R-rated movie. Dan, you're right. Like that's the Hollywood way of thinking. Oh, we're gonna absolutely. Get- it's, I'm totally coming from a monetary. Perspective. I know you are. And but I, if, I but agree if you, you take the DC universe where you have adults making their money and yeah. spending their good money on that. I don't see how they're going to not how they're going to change it from a you know a hard R to like a PG-13. They don't have yeah. to do that. The people that want that have paid for it. Who the versus fuck having to take their family with them to the right. movies, you know what I mean? Who the fuck wants to see a PG-13 swamp thing when they're promising us Alan Moore swamp thing? Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't add up. Right. So, yeah, it it doesn't add up and I don't know. God, now I'm going to get pissed off about this whole Venom <laughs> shit. This Venom thing's a fucking... It's crazy. I It's def, it's, it's not going to be R, is it, Rebecca? They're going to fucking PG-13 this shit on us, are they? Aren't they? They probably will. They're going to pull the biggest switcheroo, and it's going to be PG-13, and we're all going to be fucking pissed. It's what's going to happen. Yeah, I can totally see that happening. It's not going to be like they haven't even come out with a fucking uh, red band trailer where instead of saying he's a turd in the wind, where he says he's a fucking piece of shit in the wind. Right. Right. You're absolutely right. A turd. They are, really going, to, they are going to pull the rug out from under us and this thing will be rated PG-13. Yeah, we are less than a, it's like, OK, it's a little bit more than a month away. For this uh, Venom movie, and yeah, I think they're going to hit us with a PG thirteen yeah. rating. They absolutely will because they're and I get what you're saying, Dan. Like in in Hollywood executive mind, that well, we make a PG thirteen that we can get the sixteen year olds to come in because they can't go see an R rated movie. Well, the sixteen year olds are going to go see an R rated movie either way. But they they're thinking, and I I get it. That's how they're thinking. But at the end of the day. For the for the fans, for the fans of Venom who know who Venom is and what he can do and they promise an R-rated movie and it doesn't deliver, you are going to have a huge drop-off because everybody who has a podcast, everybody who has a YouTube channel, everybody who has friends who's going to want to see this movie is going to tell their friends and their audience, don't bother. It's not worth it. It's not the R-rated movie we wanted. Well, it's not that they, they can't make a good – PG-13 Venom movie. I'm sure it's it could happen, but like the problem is like you promised us the R. Exactly. And, and, and that's my point too, yeah. is that we've all been anticipating this R rated because that's what was promised to us. And that's what... A well, hard that, R. Well, that's why your actor kind of signed on here. Tom Hardy was like, yeah, we're going to do this right. We're going to do this rated R. And it's going to mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be super violent and, and blah, 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 blah. Uh... It feels like they just said that to Tom to get him to do this. And, like, now they're, like, 
they're screwing him over too. It, that's what it feels like. I don't know. It'd be interesting to like, I think like we'll hear more about this if the movie bombs. I don't know if you guys read that, uh, interview that came out from GQ recently. It was an interview with Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy is actually in that interview saying like, I can see myself stepping away from acting and retiring from acting and pursuing other things. And it's like, really? is Venom the movie that's going to break Tom Hardy? <laughs> Gosh, I don't I, – I hope not. I mean – It kind of leads me to think that they do have a hard R version out there. Oh, yeah. They and, definitely and – then they're ju- And then they're just going to you know strip it away and, and give you the PG-13. Well, we but had God, that recently. What's, what's in the hard R that we're going to miss out on? You know what I mean? We had that recently with The Meg. The Meg came mm-hmm. out and they filmed it as an R-rated movie originally with a lot more violence. And then they they realize that you know okay we'll get we'll get more money if I I think they made the right decision by making that movie PG thirteen I did see a lot of kids in my audience and stuff like that as did I yeah you're right but but with Venom I think like it you know I felt like they were kind of I think I felt like they were like okay yeah Logan did it Logan did it and we can do it here like because. You got to think about like like what do you want to see in an R-rated Venom movie? Well, yeah, I mean, you want to see Venom bite off limbs, right? Like, think about mm-hmm. it. Think about it. Like when when you watched Wolverine in the previous X-Men films and the PG-13 films, like you saw him use the claws and stuff like that, right? But like, did you really see him use the claws to where like he's decapitating people and like where you see like him push the claws through the chest and like blood burst out the other end right. and stuff like that. Yeah, we saw these things like in other movies, but like we didn't see them to the extent that we saw them in Logan. And that's the thing that like you got to think like, okay, what are you going to get in an R-rated Venom that you're not going to get in a PG-13 Venom? You're not going to get Venom like basically biting someone's limb off and seeing it on screen in a PG-13 Venom. And yeah, to me, seeing a fucking alien, a black alien symbiote looking like a goddamn shark biting off somebody's arm and blood just fucking squirting out all over the fucking place, that's badass. I would love Uh to see that. Oh, yeah. I would love to see that. Do you think they'll do some kind of bullshit like put out a PG-13 movie in theaters and then on the Blu-ray or the DVD, whatever, put out – the you know the unrated version because that yes. sounds like what they would do. Yeah, I can see that. and that's bullshit. They did it with Spawn. It is too. bullshit. They did it, it with is bullshit. They did it with Spawn back in 1997. I went and saw the PG-13 ver- version in the in the theater uh, as a, as a 19 year old, and then um, you know when they came out with that like on VHS and then DVD years later, there was an unrated version of Spawn. Where, yeah, there was like a little bit more cursing and a little bit more violence. And it's bullshit. And it didn't make the movie any better in my opinion. But yeah, if they do this, if they do that with this, that's, that's 100% bullshit. They did it with Batman v Superman. They had like stuff like, you know, they had a more violent, uh, unrated version of Batman v Superman. It's bullshit. Just, you know, you promised us an R rated Venom. Give me that R rated Venom. Yeah, I, yeah, I want to see those fucking teeth gnashing down on human flesh and ripping. I want to see blood. I want to see blood just pouring out of every orifice on every human that Venom bites into. Yeah, I want to be terrified. I mean, I mean, I, God, it's just ridiculous. Just do it. 
if you're going to say that you're going to do it, just fucking do it. Don't back off on it and give us this yeah. PG-13 movie that nobody wants to see. Sorry. I agree. I, if, if they had been saying from the beginning that it would not be rated R, this is a whole other conversation. But if they've been saying from the beginning this is going to be an R-rated Venom movie and we're going to do the character justice, then – that's what we've all been waiting for. That's what we all want. Then you have, you have Tom Hardy in it and you're like, oh, fuck yeah, give yeah. me this movie. And now to hear this bullshit about, well, maybe it'll be PG-13. I, it's just, I, I, it's dumb. It's so dumb. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it, Dan, it goes back to what you're saying. It goes back to studio executives, studio executives thinking about this Venom, um, expanded universe and how hard it's going to be to get people to, uh, have this expanded universe be a jumping on point when it's rated R and they're missing out on other people sitting down in the theater and watching this. They're, they're, when, when they're, when they're not just focusing on just making a goddamn good Venom movie, they're already, and that, that's what has me worried here is like, d- did this movie, were reshoots done to make this more of an expanded movie, expanded universe type of movie? Because if you just make a standalone Venom film, like kind of like what we were promised, and I understand a lot of people had a problem with that from the get-go because, yeah, it doesn't make sense to have a Venom movie without Spider-Man. I understand. I understand completely. But on the flip side, if you have already filmed everything and then you kind of like retroactively kind of then try to make the movie PG-13 and then on top of that try to like create a venom verse where you're going to have a kind of like an expanded universe with this character and incorporate other things like that that also has to like affect this film. Mhm. I don't oh, know. Yeah. Given, given that there's two studios that are doing this or excuse me that it's One, separate than, it's Sony. than Marvel. Yeah, this is this is this is just Sony's baby right, right now. So what I'm getting at is do you think that there's a possibility down the road that it's still Something that we can see Tom Holland meet up with Tom Hardy in this if he's if he's to stay sure. on. And my point yeah. is, do you think that's why they're going with the PG thirteen rating? Yeah. Because you can't go back once you do that. Yeah, you know what I mean. You can't go yeah. super hard and then go PG thirteen. Jake and I have talked about this at length before. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, like yeah, if you it, how can you go back? Like you've already introduced this character rated R, and now you're gonna throw in Venom into a PG-13 Spider-Man, how does that work? Like, how can you do that? And, you know, it works for Deadpool. I really think it works for Deadpool. I think Marvel can pull this off. I think, like, Marvel, like, Deadpool, we've seen Deadpool rated R with all the violence and stuff like that. I think once, I think Marvel, once they put Deadpool in a movie with, like, Iron Man or all these characters or whatever, they'll bleep him and it'll be funny. And Deadpool will break the fourth wall and be pissed off that he's getting bleeped. You know, <laughs> That's like good. that works like they can do that. And he'll comment on the fact that the movie's rated PG-13 and and whatever. And like, oh, hi, kids. I haven't talked. You haven't seen me before because your parents wouldn't let me watch you before. And then he might <laughs> he might wink at you like, yeah, I'm sure you've seen me behind your parents back or whatever. But like the Venom thing is a completely different story altogether. 
because like, yeah, if you've seen him in rated R, he's biting people's limbs. There's tons of blood. It's tons of violence. And now they're supposed to peel back on that and give us a PG 13 venom. Like right. that's hard. So yes, it definitely comes into play with them thinking about like the larger universe with this. And before John Schnepp passed away, John Schnepp actually had heard the rumor that Tom Holland filmed scenes for the Venom movie as Peter Parker, not Spider-Man, but as Peter Parker in the Venom film. So is that true? I don't know. We'll find out in October when we see this movie. But yeah, I, I cannot think that Sony's not seeing dollar signs with this. And I, did, when you don't have a good plan in place from the get-go, it can turn upside down on you and it can just make a bad movie and then the whole thing will just stop and stall and it'll never go anywhere. It'll be like Fox doing the Fantastic Four movie with Josh Trank and that never went anywhere. Oh, it'll be like, God. you know, it'll be like, um, uh, Universal starting their, uh, trying to start their dark universe. Their dark universe. Yeah. Their dark and, universe. And doesn't go anywhere. They tried it two times. They really wanted that Luke Evans vampire Dracula yeah. movie to be the start of it. And they say, oh, no, 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 that wasn't part of it. That, no, that was just the movie that we did with Luke <laughs> Evans with the Dracula. They had nothing to do with the start of our dark universe. <laughs> guys, guys, that totally didn't count. Yeah. That was just like a practice try. That, yeah. This is the real one. Yeah. That was, over. That, was a, over. that was yeah. a practice exactly. run. <laughs> and so like, and now, and now, and then they did the mummy with, with Tom Cruise, which was like, nobody could save that movie. It was just, you know, like, I, I <laughs> so yeah, um, I like that crazy bastard, but that was a terrible movie. It was a terrible movie. I think like the, I think like the, what they need to do with the, these, uh, if they want to start a dark universe, they need to make like low budget movies. They don't, like Blumhouse, like. You yes, know, I was just going to say that. That's exactly what they need to do. That was what was so great about the old monster movies was how low budget they were. Like that was, yeah. that's the charm of them. But, yeah. you know, like this goes back to what we were talking about before, how like, People that are younger than us, but they want like they don't see the charm in that. Like they, what they want is they they, they want the CGI and they want the you know the big explosions and blah yeah. blah blah and all yeah. that stuff. Where it's like the charm of those old monster movies was just how ridiculous they were, and they had to use all these practical effects. Yeah, you they young hey, you, you young kids, you're fucking stupid. <laughs> God. You're I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, when yeah. I was your age. No, <laughs> not all of them. Not all of you are stupid and ignorant. But there's a there's a there's a big chunk of you that are fucking dumb. And you're fucking it up for the <laughs> I'm kidding. You know what it is though? It is. No, no, but the thing is is it, there really is an ignorance because we're we're dealing with a whole generation yeah. of kids that grew up on green screen. Sure. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. They don't they don't exactly. fucking know practical effects. They no. know green screen, man. Yeah. And most of the time it's been shitty green screen. So they they, watch, you know, they're they're just sort of used to a certain quality yeah. of movie. They watch I think that they watch movies like uh The Fly and uh you know, an American Werewolf in London and mm-hmm. uh uh, the thing, and they're like, ah, oh, these movies are shitty. Looks fake. No, you're shitty, you stupid <laughs> fucking asshole. You're fucking, <laughs> I wish you were a fucking practical effect, you stupid <laughs> fuck. Because you're fucking- Learn how to wipe your ass and get down with some practical effects. <laughs> you know, seriously though, like, yeah. I think that they got their first taste of it 
you know, not everyone, of course, but I think that The Force Awakens gave them a taste of what practical effects can be like. Yeah. In this generation. So, yeah. you know, there's hope for them, these little, little bastards, but they're nah. just so used to green screen that it's going to be very hard for them sure. to get used to that again. Absolutely. To get, you know, used to a practical effect. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I don't know. Nah, you know, fuck you kids, you stupid fucks. Anyway, um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of kids that still appreciate like the old cinema and like the way things were done and everything. And, and I, there, there, I, I, you know, CG does have its place. I mean, you go back and you watch the first Matrix movie and it was like, sure. Wow. Holy fuck. They're doing things I have never seen before. Oh my God. You know, and it really was. It was a huge moment back then when we saw like those kind of like, special effects for the first time and the way that they were using them and and uh yeah um we'll see we'll see what happens with uh this venom movie i i don't know when uh swamp thing news turned into venom talk but it did and (laughs) (laughs) i blame you millennials it's you (laughs) little fuckers um but yeah that's all i got i ain't got anything else we're done I ain't got Star Wars news this week, people. Sorry. Alrighty. What are we doing next week? Predator comes out next week? I think so. Yeah. I think it does, yeah. I'll be talking about Predator next week. I'll be going to the theater watching the old Shane Black Predator movie. Mixed reviews, people. Mixed reviews. It's got a fresh rating. Last time I checked on uh, the Rotten Tomatoes, last time I checked it was at a 65%. That's probably changed. But... uh, Mixed reviews. Some people are loving it. Some people are hating it. So we'll see. I don't know. I uh, I don't know about this one. I hope it's good. I I, I you know I'm cautiously optimistic, but I think it's going to be a turd fest. I'm I'm scared, Brian. I'm scared because I I I, I think it's going to be terrible. Yeah, what, seriously, what's the best? What's the best Predator movie? Oh, it was called Predator. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And <laughs> honestly, I will be 100% honest with you. I don't think I've seen another good Predator movie since. I couldn't agree more. I think the first one was like mm-hmm. a perfect action movie with some great science fiction fantasy stuff in it. And then who who can beat Arnold? Yeah. Get to the chopper. No one can beat that Nobody. ever. Like I Run. love I yeah, Ron got to the chopper. I fucking love that movie. I love that movie, and I just feel like, what is this going to do? Like, what is this going to be? Uh, God, I don't know. I don't know. Not to be like a curmudgeonly bastard, but again, I think this is another case of just leaving well enough alone. We didn't need this movie. If we yeah. if it comes out and it's great, hey, fucking a. But if it's not, yeah, stop it. Fucking stop it already. I know. You know, move along. There's there's so many good ideas out there, man. Grab some young filmmakers with some great ideas and make these fucking movies. Shane Black, I know you have a connection to The Predator. I know you starred in the first movie. And I loved you in that movie. I loved everyone in that movie. But it's like, it's like, if if you, hold on. Shane, if you're telling me like, oh, you thought you liked Arnold Schwarzenegger? Wait until I introduce you to Boyd Holbrook. Whoa. <laughs> stop. Stop. Just stop right there. You know, I don't know. I just, Boyd Holbrook. I've seen him in other things. He's fine. He's a fine actor, but it's, I don't know. This, I, I'm, 
I am so split on this. Like, there's times where I watch the same trailer. I watch that. I watch a trailer one time, and I'm like, this might be good. And then I watch that exact same trailer five minutes later. I'm like, this is going to be garbage. It, that, yeah, it's that, so true. It is. It is. You can go either way with it on that on these on these trailers for the new Predator movie. I don't know like if you really want to go down one? this. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, like, on that first one when it dropped and it looked like the kid had ordered a Predator on Amazon and, like, <laughs> opening the box. I was just like, what the fuck is this? This is so stupid. And then he's, like, sh- he's like flying the ship in his hand and it looks yeah. like he's controlling it. And, and I just remember that first trailer. I was like, oh, this is terrible. I was, what is this? See, I I – uh, the kid aside, I actually liked the first trailer because really? it, yeah, because it was like it it looked like okay, yeah, here we are, we're back to basics, like you know, like guys with big guns going after the predator. It was the second predator that killed the second predator trailer that killed me. It's like oh, super predator hybridization, yeah, and that, not to mention we're going from Schwarzenegger to Danny Glover. Well, that's no. I'm talking about this. The the trailers for. Oh, I'm sorry. You're talking about the second trailer. No, no, no. But uh, I will comment on what you're saying. But yeah, you go from Schwarzenegger to like Murtaugh. I'm too old for this shit in your second fucking movie. <laughs> what the fuck is going on there, man? It's like you give us the guy from Lethal Weapon, like the partner that we don't really care about. Like you get the other guy. Yeah, from Lethal Weapon. dude. Give yeah. me like if you're gonna give me one of the guys from Lethal Weapon, give me fucking Riggs. You know, like, don't give me, don't give me, like, the guy who's constantly complaining that, like, hey, um, I might start wearing Depends tomorrow because I'm too old for this shit. Um, I'm literally getting too old for this shit. I'm, yeah, like, <laughs> my bowels are getting too old for this shit. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's going to be a scary moment when I get so old that I can't control my bowels and I shit myself. Like, that's going to be the moment. And it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. There's going to be a moment where I'm older and I'm out. I'm probably at a restaurant. I'm probably at like a, like a, uh, like an Applebee's and I'm eating my chicken tenders and I shit myself right there in the booth. You're trying to sneak one out and it just doesn't work that way anymore. And it's, it's, it's one of those moments where it's like, I, part of me like wants them. I'm, I'm conflicted because part of me wants them to box the food. But it's like I also know that like I have I have to get the fuck out of there because I literally just shit my pants and it's about throwing money on the table and getting the fuck out of there because I can I get the doggy bag? No, no, thank you. I I feel like at that moment you cut your losses. You leave the chicken fingers on the table. I know. Just leave. I I mean, I just think that's the best thing to do. This is no, this is my future. Like, I'm going to think back to like the days where like, hey, Brian, do you remember when you were young and athletic and you were you were this and you were that and you did this and you did that. And then now it's like now you're in an Applebee's and you shit yourself, (laughs) you know, and now you're like now you're making that decision of like, I've got to buy adult man diapers like that's This is a thing now. When you buy the adult man diapers, is it just one of those things where like you're just out in public and you just freely shit? Do you just do you get to that point where you're just like, okay, I've got the diapers on, I can freely shit right now, or I can make my way to a restroom, or am I just gonna play it lazy and just be like, all right, now I'm 
I, you know, I'm at, I'm at Home Depot and I'm looking for light fixtures and there's a toilet over there or I could just <laughs> dump, right? I could just dump my butt See, right now. I, I feel like in that situation that the adult diaper is to hold you over until you can get to a real toilet. So like, yeah, if you have to go and you can't make it to the toilet, then you go in the diaper, but then you go right to the toilet and then like, fig- and then like figure that out. But I don't think it's meant to be like take a shit and keep on going the rest of the day. I, I don't think that that's what it's for. Okay, no, you're looking at it all wrong. You got to understand you have earned this. You're old now. You've seen multiple presidents and wars yeah, and shit like that. I like shit that. Your pants. Look people in the eye. Yeah, fucking own it. That's what I was going to say. Like, right. I did shit my day? pants. All day? You're going to, like, let that just marinate in there? That's oh gross. My, no, no, what hold on. What excitement do old people have? That's the most exciting part of their day. Fucking you with could, people. Yes, yes, I've got shit in my pants. I'm smiling at you, and I just ordered chicken tenders. And here's the thing. It's like you could do, like, Rebecca, you're saying all day, and it's like, yes, like, you could do this, like, I mean, you could do this maybe three times in that day. You could have different layers of, like, this shit bean dip that you got going on. <laughs> oh, 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 God. In your diaper. Like, at the end of the day, you could be like, yeah, this was when I was at Home Depot. This is oh, when. No, 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 this is stop. when, this is when me and the missus were at the craft store. And they're like, yeah, this, this is, this is, this is me when I was literally two feet away from my own toilet. And I said, fuck life. And I just shit again. I didn't care. I walk the streets. I smell of shit and garlic. I'm happy. Yeah. I lived a full life. I don't know, man. I just, I feel like there's going to be a time in my life where I'm wearing adult male diapers and I'm shitting myself in an Applebee's. And then it's like, do I, but, but I don't have, no, I don't have the diapers on at that time. I've just lost all control of my body. And that's, that's, that's the catalyst. That drives me to buy the adult to diapers. Buy them. I, I understand the catalyst there. But the first time, the first time this happens, I'm in an Applebee's and it's like, I'm, you know, these chicken tenders are fantastic, but we're not boxing them up today. I'm throwing money on the table and we're getting the <laughs> fuck out of here. And I'm hoping that this shit doesn't run down my goddamn leg and all over the goddamn floor in this fucking Applebee's. Because then they can find you. They can actually hunt you down. They you got my D- the They've got my DNA. Exactly. <laughs> You know, that's that's what the predators did to, for the hybrid for, for the hybridization. All right, I, hey Dan, I want to thank you so much for joining us this episode. Um, and uh, yeah, definitely, I want people to check out Heroes of Noise podcast and then the Word, your preacher podcast. Any final thoughts on your podcast or anything else you want to plug? Um, actually you can just get everything at www.heroesofnoise.com. It's kind of like a one-stop shop thing. And, uh, that's nearly enough about me. I hope you guys listen. I hope you guys like, but I do want to say one thing that I didn't get to say earlier, man, is that, uh, thank you very much for turning me on to you're the worst. Uh, I was going to talk about that in good pop, bad pot, but, um, you know, alcohol kicked in and I kind of forgot, but I just wanted to tell you that this has become like my favorite show Mm. as of late. And I'm so fucking hooked on this show. And thank you very much for the recommendation. Absolutely. Yeah, you're the worst. Um, I love that show. Uh, Aya Cash is so excellent. Uh, oh, my God. In that show. Yeah, I love I've, I've actually reached out to her. I, I, I even spent the 12 bucks on IMDb Pro. I'm trying to get her on my show. I would love to interview her. Uh, I know she's done, like, some YouTube interviews yeah. and everything. I don't know if she's past that point now, but I'm doing my best to get her on. That's awesome. I, I Yeah, I think she's great. She was actually uh, – she played Leonardo DiCaprio's secretary in Wolf of Wall Street. Yep. 
So yeah, I love Aya Cash. I've, I've, I've tweeted at her. I've had her like my tweets before when I was like blowing up. I was going crazy about you're the worst. So yeah, cause I love that show. I'm a huge fan of that show. Uh, final season starts, I think in February or March of next year. So yeah, final season, fifth season of you're the worst. I will be there. And, uh, Brian, again, thank you very much for having me on the show. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have you on again. Maybe next I'd time. I'd love that. Maybe next time Jake will be here. You fucking slacker. He's probably shitting in his diapers right now. I'm just kidding. Jake, I'm kidding. Anyway. Say uh, the word and I'll be there, man. Uh, Rebecca, thank you again yes. for last minute showing up. Oh, thanks for asking. I had a blast as always. I know you didn't. Don't lie. I mean. I had a fun time. I, I mean, not so much with the adult diaper talk at the end, but I had a lovely time. I thought that I was my do. favorite part of this goddamn episode. Of course it was. Of course it was. <laughs> you and your bean dip poop story. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Bean dip poop. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> Just the different layers, like, you know. Uh, uh, I got it. I got it. (laughs) Seven layers. I got it. It's like the the dermis of the skin. You've got different layers. So this is like the different levels of like the earth. You know what I mean? And it's just different layers of poop. I don't require further explanation of this. If you – no, you got to get over this. There's (laughs) – it's just a it's what we do everybody poops everyone does it like like (laughs) like uh think about like the person you respect most in this world like that what that that one person that you look up to the most like that's my fucking hero well your hero took a shit today i'm sure i'm sure they did i'm sure they did that's but did you ever see that what was that it was a sketch for mr show and uh it was uh david cross he was talking about how how he how he became so successful and uh what he did was he would shove uh pennies up his ass and then he he would he would he would hand out these pennies he i think he called them ass pennies and so like anytime like he would just feel confident around people because he knew that like they touched something that came from his ass. <laughs> it was the most ridiculous sketch. This ass, I have the power. I have the yeah, it was ass pennies. <laughs> all right, I'm done. I'm drunk. And uh, guys, thank you all for listening. And just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week for episode 250, which we're doing nothing special for. We don't have any like anniversary show for episode 250. It's just going to be a regular fucking episode. I don't do shit. Um, it's not until we get to 300 am I going to do something special right that's how we exactly, do things exactly that's yeah. how it works with you guys on the go big or go on home. the hundreds it's yeah. all the hundreds we, we, we hit them up with the centennial episodes that's how we do things around here on PCL alright guys we will see you next week for episode 250 thanks for listening to pop culture leftovers congratulations I don't know how you did it I couldn't do it You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless. 
But I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture. Leftovers. And uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.